And lots of T-R-O-U-B-L-E this week in the world of poker. So many things happening at once. We've got trouble involving UB, and that scandal and that story has blown up huge again after being out of the main focus of, of people in poker for quite some time. We have Lock Poker and their continuing scandal and their attempts to make everything right, which I think are pretty much a lot of BS. And we have Ultimate Poker, not Ultimate Bet, but Ultimate Poker, dealing two nines of spades on the flop. It's never good when you're playing online poker and you see the same card come up twice in the flop. We'll talk about what happened there and what I think the future is for Ultimate Poker with glitches like that. It's not quite as bad as it seems from the description I just gave, but it, it is still pretty bad, and we'll talk all about that. And plenty of other things happening here, even Vanessa Russo pretending like she took a really bad beat for a big pot and being exposed that all of her whining was a big lie. Even talk about that a little bit. So, lots to talk about tonight. Of course, the main story is what occurred uh, just a little bit after the last show we had. The last show was on Thursday, May 9th. Uh, this is another special day show, uh, Wednesday, May 15th. We will return to our normal Tuesday schedule next week on Tuesday, May 21st. And uh, uh, for the most part, we'll stick to that. There are a few times I'm going to have to change the Tuesday to other days, which you'll find in the Flying Stupidity Forum. I have that stickied, a little thread about the changes. But uh, for the most part, we'll be back to Tuesday at 7 o'clock. But right now, we're starting 7.30. Before I get going and talk about the first and biggest topic, the UB tapes, where you get to hear five hours, three in the first tape, two in the second tape, of Russ Hamilton and other principals of UB meeting in 2008 to talk all about the cheating scandal and admitting to lots of things that people have suspected for a long time. We've heard... Little clips of uh, of that before on this show, but we have the whole tapes now, and most people have heard them. I think these came out on Friday night. In fact, uh, there was some trouble having these hosted anywhere. They kept disappearing everywhere that they were being hosted. They are permanently hosted on Poker Fraud Alert, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, let me tell you guys about the free roll we have tonight, which starts in 20 minutes at 8.05 p.m. Pacific Time. It's a Limit Hold'em free roll. And that's in honor of the fact that I'm going to be playing a Limit Hold'em tournament, a few Limit Hold'em tournaments at the World Series, and I, I hope to finally break my losing streak in the 1500 Limit Hold'em. I have bricked that seven straight years after finishing third the very first time I played it in 2005. After that, I've bricked it seven straight years and more than seven times because I actually uh, played it twice in a certain year where they offered it twice. So I've bricked it at least eight straight times, and I'm hoping to end that streak this year, in honor of that, Limit Hold'em tonight, $53.62 free roll. You heard that right, $53.62. Not $5,362, I wish. $53.62, but hey, it's free money. And all you need is... All you need is an account here that's registered by January 1st, 2013. If you don't have one registered on Poker Fraud Alert by January 1st, 2013. And when I say an account, I mean an account on the forum, not an account on the poker site. Uh, this free roll takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You need to set up a separate account there. It's totally free. It doesn't even require any play chips to enter the tournament. But you need an account registered on the forum by January 1st, 2013. Or you can send me an email or a PM asking for an exception where I will give you 
the ability to win the free money now and forever, a an exception that lasts forever, email me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, or dan space druff. You can PM me on Poker Fraud Alert and tell me how long you've been listening, what you've heard, what you've enjoyed, what you haven't enjoyed. And once you convince me you've been around a little while, I will give you access to win the free money. But you have to do it before you play. If you do this after the play starts, it'll have to start next week, even if I give you an exception. So don't wait till you win. Uh, $53.62 is the free roll. We have $25 for first place, $13.62 for second, $9 for third, $6 $6 for fourth. Those are the four places that pay. Thank you to Trader SHKY for 50 of those dollars for almost the whole thing. And $3.62 came from Hotshot74. Not very much money, but I thank him too. And we have money that is already being held over for next week, so we have a guaranteed, uh, I think, 51 or even more dollars. We have at least $51 for next week, so a good free roll next week too. Make sure to be there. PokerFraudAlert.com is the poker podcast that has given away more money in free rolls than any poker podcast in the world. And when I say more, I mean over the past year since this broadcast started. This year, this broadcast actually started just about a full year ago uh, in May 2012. Don't have the exact date, but we've been at it for a year here on PokerFraudAlert.com, and we've given away more free money in our free rolls than any poker podcast. And almost all of it came from our user base. It doesn't come from me, so I don't want to take false credit for that. Uh, someone just asked me in the chat room. You can interact with me two ways on the show. You can either go in the chat room by clicking chat on the top. You need an account, but uh, it's a free account and easy to set up. Uh, you can chat with me in the chat room. I'll be reading that, or you can call me. Someone in the chat room just said, Hey, Druff, can you speak for at least six hours about the five hours worth of tapes? I don't have time to listen to the original audio. So I don't know if this guy uh, who calls himself Forum Wars, I'm I'm sure he's joking that he doesn't have time to listen to five hours of tape, so I should speak for six hours about it. But maybe he really wants to hear that. Maybe he wants to hear me commentate about it and doesn't really have time to just listen to the tapes themselves and then try to figure out what's going on. But whatever. Uh, I will speak about the tapes. I'm not going to play all five hours of the tapes, obviously. And uh, I, I found of these tapes that the most important stuff is at the beginning. Not the very, very beginning. The first 10 minutes isn't that interesting. But after that, uh, it starts to get good. And then for about like the next half hour is when all the really, really juicy stuff is revealed and said. After that, it's kind of more of the same repeated and, and a lot of other stuff. I mean, it's all interesting. You should listen to the whole thing. But if you really want to uh, hear the highlights kind of without listening to five hours, just listen to like I say between minute 10 and minute 45 of the first tape. Now, now here is how you can find uh, the tapes if you want to hear them. If you go to the Scam, Scandals, and Shadiness forum, uh, look for a thread called... Where is it? Where is it? There we go. New smoking gun UB tapes have Russ Hamilton admitting cheating. A thread started by Bubbles. Uh, If you scroll down a little bit, you'll see I posted uh, two MP3s. One of them called ubscandalmeeting.mp3, and another one called ubscandalmeeting2.mp3. Uh, you can click on the link. You can just click on the little player there. The best thing is, this is now mp3 format. The rest of these tapes you'll find floating about the internet are all WAV format. And WAV format you can't listen to on an iPhone. 
So if you want to be able to hear on your smartphone, like your iPhone, use my link. And it's an MP3. I converted it to an MP3 because I know a lot of people like to listen to this when they're out and about on their phone rather than being chained to their computer. So that's uh, my tapes are MP3 format, and you can find them in that thread, both the first and the second. So uh, that's where you can find them. I'm going to be playing a lot of the audio between like minute 10 and minute 45 tonight. If you want to hear the rest, you can listen for yourself. First tape of three hours is more interesting than the second one, but I'd suggest hearing the whole thing at least once. It's, it's really interesting because you are actually a fly on the wall. And I said this before when we played the clips of it, which is all I had in the past. I didn't have the whole thing. Nobody had the whole thing except for Travis McCarr, who made these available this past weekend. But uh, you actually get to be there. Five years ago, when Russ Hamilton and other head honchos there at UB were discussing the cheating, how to get around paying people, uh, how to cover it up, etc., 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 you actually get to be there at a company meeting talking about this. I mean, how cool is that? Normally, you can only theorize what people said, or you can go by hearsay, or someone can claim later that such and such was said, but you never know who's telling the truth. You never know you know, who's accurately remembering everything. Here we have tapes. It's like you transport back to February 2008, and you can actually hear everybody talking. You're actually at the meeting with Russ and with Greg Pearson and with, with the other ones there. It's amazing. So... Uh, people wonder, how were these tapes made? Why were they made? They were actually made by Russ Hamilton. You can definitely tell that because uh, Russ is the loudest voice. And when Russ's phone rings, it's like so loud it blows your ear out. So it was definitely Russ who was secretly taping everybody. Why he did it, I don't know. Uh, Travis said that he hid it in a little bag where he keeps other things like his phone, which explains why the phone is so loud. He carries a little, around, I don't know, a little bag, a little man purse. I don't know what the hell he carries around. But that's where the the tape was. I mean, that's where the recording device was. I don't know what kind of recording device he used. But uh, why he taped it, I don't know. But he did know he was being taped. He wasn't accidentally taping himself. And nobody like hit a tape recorder on him. So it's important to understand when you hear these tapes and Russ is saying things, Russ is saying things believing that one day these tapes could be used in some way. Now, he does still incriminate himself plenty, so it's not like he wanted them public. But at the same time, uh, he knows he's recording himself, so uh, he may be holding back with certain things or lying about certain things that he wouldn't want recorded. So, for example, uh, when he talks about other people's culpability in this that he was close to, such as Mansoor Matt Luby, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Uh, and and not necessarily believe those things. But most of the tapes are very revealing and, and really paint an honest picture as to what was going on there. There's a few things where I think Russ was lying. And keep in mind, everybody there was not on the same page, and, and we're all trying to uh, find ways for other people there at the meeting to uh, take responsibility for what happened. So it's not like they were all together on this one. They were all together on some things, like covering it up. They weren't all together on uh, on who's going to pay for it and who they should tell and, and who's really guilty, etc., etc. So uh, I, I will be playing parts of this. Uh, these did come from Travis McCarr, admittedly years too late, many years too late, five years too late. I mean, Travis has had these forever. And, uh, of course, he held them back for selfish reasons. Someone's asking in chat, 
why is Travis slow rolled slow rolled this info slash tape? But we talked to Travis. Travis first appeared on a radio show that uh, I used to be part of two years ago. And strangely enough, what brought Travis out was a prank call I made. This, this has really kind of been lost in all the uh, recent occurrences. But uh, the way this all started was in 2011, we got Russ Hamilton's phone number, and I prank called him and pretended to be Alvin Finkelstein, Travis McCarr's lawyer, because Travis had gotten into some kind of trouble, not related to the scandal at all, something having to do with what they called road rage. Uh, and, and I claimed that I was his lawyer and Travis needed money to pay for his legal expenses for the case. And, and Russ was kind of open to it. So so anyway, uh, it was kind of a funny call, and, and Russ actually fell for it for a while. But uh, this somehow got back to Travis. I think he was Googling himself or whatever. And uh, Travis called up the show, surprisingly, the next week and said, this is Travis. We didn't believe him at first, but it turned out it was really him. And we had an impromptu interview with him that we totally didn't expect for about an hour and a half. Now, one thing that Travis said on that interview, and this is two years ago, this is in February 2011, was that he had not released this information all this time because there's some kind of federal case against him. And he'd be incriminating himself in some way or something like that. Not incriminating, but like that, that he couldn't talk about all these things and he couldn't give as much info as he wanted to because of this, quote, federal case. There was no federal case. It was a lie. Or if it wasn't a lie, there's no evidence that such a thing exists. Uh, I believe Travis was holding this back. I mean, there could be one of many reasons. It's either because he was hoping to get paid in some way and he was kind of just uh, teasing us with the information and hoping the other parties involved would pay him in some way. Or maybe he's waiting for the statute of limitations to expire or at least believe that they expired for anything he may have done. So he wouldn't be putting himself in any kind of criminal jeopardy by releasing these. So maybe he just is mad at Greg Pearson, mad at Russ Hamilton, and wants all of this to come out, but not at his own expense. So maybe he waited until he felt the legal time was right to do it. So finally, uh, Travis released the entire tapes. He he had released some clips uh, a few months ago. And he had played me those same clips in person. I didn't get to uh, play them on any radio show back then. I played them on this radio show a few months ago, but I heard the clips back in 2011 when I met him in person, but he wouldn't let me have a copy of them. I just had to recall them from memory. But now we have the whole tapes. We have everything now. Travis released them all. The, The funny thing is, this could have been the site that distributed them originally because I got an email from Travis before he posted them anywhere saying, hey, Can you host these for me? Unfortunately, I was away. I was at a secret location. I wasn't able to get email where I was for several hours. And by the time I was, it was like eight hours later. They already appeared in some other places. And uh, I wasn't even able to get to a computer. I was able to look at it on my phone. I couldn't even get to a computer for several more hours. So I couldn't even listen yet since they were in WAV format. Uh, apparently Travis also has some more tapes. I guess these aren't all the tapes, but uh, these were the tapes that uh, were the source of all or most of the clips that I had played previously. So I'm not sure if Travis is uh, still holding things back that could incriminate him, if he's if he's still holding things so uh, he can blackmail or at least hold something over the head of Russ and friends. I, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Someone's asking in chat, do you think Druff has a boner right now because he's able to talk more about UB? 
<laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a boner, but I, I would say that I'm very happy these came out. And the thing that makes me happiest is not all the trashing of Russ Hamilton, who deserves every bit of it, but everyone already hated Russ. It's the fact that this is really combined with the fact you know, that Greg Pearson got back into the public eye of, of poker because of uh, Iovation's association with the new Ultimate Poker site that's run by Station Casinos in Nevada. You know, first we have the story where Station Casinos is pressured into dropping Iovation for uh, identity verification because of Greg Pearson's involvement. And then right after that, these tapes come out, which really make Pearson look bad. So now everyone's after Pearson, and that's great. Because Pearson, up to this point, has skated away with nothing. So uh, this is, is uh, really... It's it's really uh, good that this has come out because it brings attention onto Greg Pearson, and I hope people keep the pressure up on Iovation, on Greg Pearson. I I hope you know right now Greg Pearson's up for an Entrepreneur Award in Oregon. He's so respected in his field, and he shouldn't be. The guy's a thief. The the guy was involved in in the software that was written to allow this cheating in the first place. Uh, he definitely was was involved in the cover up. He may have used the tool himself to cheat. Uh, there's a very good chance his company, Iovation, was funded with cheating money in the early stages of that company. There's even rumors he used the cheating tool to uh, fund a legal defense for his wife when she got in some trouble for uh, allegedly having sex with a kid under 18. So, I mean, Greg Pearson is just as guilty, probably, as Russ Hamilton... And uh, he skated away with pretty much no harm to his reputation, except for a few people in poker who he doesn't give a crap about. And Russ Hamilton, I mean, he's persona non grata everywhere. Russ Hamilton's life has been ruined by this. Greg Pearson, not so much. So I hope Greg Pearson, I hope this will haunt Greg Pearson for the rest of his life because he really got away with it. He got away with it more than anybody else. So anyway, um... Let me tell you who was at this meeting. I'm talking about the first meeting here. Uh, the second meeting didn't have as many people. But the first meeting had four people. We had, of course, Russ Hamilton, who had the recordings himself. We have Daniel Friedberg. Friedberg, I don't know how to say his name. Friedberg, Friedberg, whatever. I think it's Friedberg. I should know this. It's a Jewish name. And uh, he was the former Excapsa general counsel. Excapsa was one of the... Uh, Ownership groups of UB at one point We have Russ Hamilton Of course, Greg Pearson Who is the CEO of Iovation And uh, Greg Pearson oversaw the development Of the UB software and uh, the IE Snare tool, which was used For security on UB Both security of the games And security of uh, Of the deposits, real money So they could, you know, so they could uh, blacklist People who had rolled them With chargebacks and things like that and uh, then Sanford Miller, who is the co-founder of the Ultimate Blackjack Tool, which had an association... Uh, sorry, not Tool. Ultimate Blackjack Tour, which had an association with UB. Uh, in the meantime, I want to put on my co-host to discuss this with me. Yes, we have a co-host tonight. This is the Druff and Friends show. So here is my most common friend to be on the show. At least I hope here he is. I'm calling him right now on Skype. Mark, a.k.a. China Maniac, hello. Hey, what's up, Drop? Yeah, hi, glad to have you on the show. I had to fly solo last week, but I'm glad to have you here. And I know I know this uh, 
UB scandal has bothered you for many years, just as it has me. I know that you got uh, cheated on AP and, and you never got anything. And, uh, you know, you were a, a limit player just like me and still are. And, uh, you know, the limit players really got the shaft on UB. Yeah. And, and we yeah, barely got any money and some people got nothing. So I, I know you've been very angry about this. And I, I know that uh, you'll be a good person to have to discuss this tonight. And I'm going to play a lot of clips here. And uh, I'll stop it every so often, and we'll talk about what we just heard. And you can give your opinion. I'll give my opinion. And, Sounds good. And, and we'll go from there. Uh, yeah, I'm still um, I'm still waiting for Joe Seabock to get me my uh, hand histories too. He's I know he's working hard on that right yeah, now. Yeah, he's he's probably still searching for those hand histories under a, a big pile of grapes. Yeah, in Northern California. Uh, so uh, let me tell you a few other things we're going to do on the show tonight before we start with the ultimate bet stuff, which will take a long time. So if you uh, aren't interested in this story, then, I don't know, turn off the show and, and come back later. Uh-oh. I think we have a visitor to the room here. Uh-oh. Here, I, I, we'll have him say hello. Come here. <laughs> Benjamin walked into the room. Well, at least you know. At least he 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 knows what's going on here. Yeah, he's got he's got Pearson down. Yeah. <laughs> he just walks into the room. You know, Benjamin was actually uh, Benjamin was actually on the radio when he was one day old. He was on this show when he's one day old, but he, he didn't have as much to say right now. Okay, so uh, let me tell you some other things that will be on the show besides my son. Uh, related to this, we're going to talk about Phil Hellmuth and Annie Duke. They finally have made some statements about the UB cheating, you know, only five years too late. And uh, both crappy statements, in my opinion. Lock Poker. Uh, of course, we got to start talking about them. They had a very fortunate turn of events. In this UB scandal heating up again with these tapes being released, uh, this is pretty much like what 9/11 did for Gary Condit, the the congressman who was uh, un- under a lot of uh, scrutiny and controversy when his lover intern disappeared and was murdered. He was the main story in the news. Then 9/11 happened. Bang! Nobody cared about Gary Condit anymore. That's pretty much ha- what happened for Lock Poker. Because of this UB stuff, nobody wants to talk about Locke anymore. Except for me. I want to keep talking about them, and we will tonight after the UB topic. Uh, Ultimate Poker. Not Ultimate Bet, but Ultimate Poker, the legal online poker room in Nevada, the only currently operating one. They're having lots of trouble. And a very embarrassing screenshot of two nines of spades in the flop. We'll talk about that and... uh, that's Phil Helmuth's lucky hand too, right? <laughs> yeah, pocket ni- black pocket nines. You're right. Just uh, right. two different pocket nines for him. But uh, yeah, two nines of spades on the flop for Ultimate Poker, and caused by some kind of graphics glitch. We'll talk about that and uh, what I think the future will be for Ultimate Poker. Partially because World Series of Poker dot com is going to offer Nevada online poker soon, also, and I got a tip that it was going to be within seven days, and I got another tip, it would be within seven to 14 days, and then those tips turned out to be wrong, as uh, Seth Polanski on a conference call 
mention my name today on a, the official World Series of Poker conference call, mentioned my name and poked fun at me for tweeting the wrong information. And th- this is actually a recording of him on the conference call. Listen to this. <laughs> So, but he really did uh, mention my name today on the conference call that I didn't have the information right. So, uh, but when that site launches, that's going to pretty much crush Ultimate Poker. We'll talk about that. Uh, we will give tips for this year's World Series of Poker. Both myself and China will offer our words of wisdom on both how to play and uh, just some logistical tips. I'll even give you a few tips on driving between Los Angeles and Las Vegas if that's the way you're going. So you can get there faster. Phil Ivey has a lawsuit against uh, Crockford's, a casino in the UK, over uh, 7.3 million pounds that he won in the casino there. I think Ivey's in the right. Others don't believe he is. Others think that others think he uh, kind of cheated. And that's the casino's claim. We'll talk about that. ToddWatellis.com has finally been rescued. It was kidnapped eight years ago from me. And uh, I made various attempts to rescue it, which resulted in failure. I gave up. I realized I would never be reunited with ToddWatellis.com again. But somebody came to the rescue and brought ToddWatellis.com home. We'll talk about a little bit about that. Vanessa Russo took a bad so sick. bad beat on the river. So sick. She, you know, It looked like she <laughs> lost a top set on the river to pocket queens when a queen slammed the river. On what was otherwise a low board, and uh, when she called the all-in bet for a very large pot, so sick, so sick. I can't believe she's it. So sick. She's so sick. And she threw the hand into the muck and was so frustrated until the hand was forced to be turned back over, and it turned out the only sick thing there was Vanessa herself. We'll talk about that a little bit towards the end of the show, and uh, probably the last topic we'll get to is a Bitcoin topic. I don't like to have this show be uh, the Bitcoin show, but uh, they are of some interest to people in poker. And the U.S. government made its first attack on Bitcoin. I knew it was going to happen. They're starting to attack Bitcoin, and this is probably just the first of many. We'll talk about what happened and what I think is going to be the future with the Department of Justice and Bitcoin. So that's the agenda tonight. If you want to call in, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Make sure to show your caller ID with star 82, or you can even call the Mount Charleston phone number. The Mount Charleston phone number is an old 70s phone that sits on top of a mountain that hangs over Las Vegas. 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. Of course, call, show your caller ID for the Mount Charleston phone as well. If you want to play in our tournament, get in a time machine and go back four minutes and sit down. Otherwise, it's too late. So good luck to everybody that has gotten into the tournament that started at 8.05. It is now 8.09. So let's jump right in to the uh, the free, not the free roll, the UB. I guess it was a free roll for Russ Hamilton and friends. The UB situation. Won't even bother to give a backstory on the massive cheating that occurred there by Russ Hamilton and others within the company. Uh, cheating also occurred in a separate scandal on AP. And uh, so I'm going to play various clips from these tapes. If you want to hear the whole five hours worth, three hours, first tape, second hour, second tape is two hours. You can find them. I already told you where you can get them earlier in this broadcast. But uh, I'll play clips. 
We'll stop him every so often, give our commentary, and move on. Druff, are we going to have a clip of uh, Russ Hamilton taking a dump at the end of the ep- at the end of the first clip? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't think of that, but you know, I think for this show that's appropriate. So yes, we we will finish with Russ Hamilton taking a dump and, and really squeezing <laughs> one out like. Uh, you, you actually, you really hear that, and then he actually recorded himself taking a dump and flushing the toilet like four times. Yeah, he was talking to himself too, saying something. I don't know what he was saying. <laughs> the funny thing was that like it required like four flushes. It must have been pretty big. <laughs> so, all right, you think he could just like reach into his satchel and turn off the tape? Especially at that point, there's nobody in there watching him. Like, it's not like someone's standing in there watching him take the dump. Like, he's he's obviously in a stall somewhere. So, like, why not just pull it out and stop it there? Like, this guy really has no shame. But all right, uh, we're gonna get to that at the end. Let's get to the more important stuff right now. Uh, this part of the tape. Uh, is uh, which which is this? I, I I'm trying to go to my notes here. Oh, this this is uh, them discussing how to keep the refunds low, because basically the, by this point they knew they were going to have to refund the players. They knew that enough information had gotten out that they couldn't just pay no one and deny it. So now they were in damage control mode, both damage control as far as publicity went and damage control as far as paying the players the least amount possible. Not not paying back everyone who got cheated, but paying back the least they can to everyone who got cheated and, and, and everyone else still getting screwed. So this is the, uh, the discussion of that. Uh, so they're continuing to look through all this stuff. And my perspective, based on that, the increase of information that's coming in, in, uh, from, from our business and our system, is that this is, this is taking a little bit of a different track now. Not, let's wait for the stuff to come back, but okay, we're, we're leaping to the conclusion that we're going to have to do something, we're going to have to pay you know, some percentage of this back. So now the- We're going to have to pay some percentage of this back. Now, I believe that's actually Greg Pearson himself talking. Uh, and so remember, it's Greg Pearson, Daniel Friedberg, or Friedberg, Russ Hamilton, and Sanford Miller. The one who talks the least in this is Sanford Miller. Russ Hamilton would be the loudest. He has a pretty distinctive voice. Unfortunately, Pearson and Friedberg kind of sound alike, so it's sometimes hard to tell who's saying what. So if I get some of this wrong, yeah, I apologize. I'm just going by what I can tell here. But uh, uh, let me continue. They're saying paying some percentage of this back. The percentage they should pay back is 100, but that's not what they wanted to do, obviously. Question is how to bound it. That's my perspective on you know based on the kinds of questions that are coming, um, which might explain why de-emphasizing the qualitative stuff if they think like it doesn't matter. I don't know. So some some Dan maybe you can. Yeah, you know what they did is they discovered this uh, code, the server code that allowed viewing uh, of the whole archives to look very. At least he made it seem loud. Who knows exactly? Uh, so he's closed that apparently. Uh, and as a result of discovering that, they were able to find the name of the audit monster. And now they're able to They've got uh, evidence. That now, the audit monster they're referring to is the tool that was used to see the whole cards. And, uh, and I guess the way this would work is you would log into an account named uh, Audit Monster 1 or August, Audit Monster 2. And some people are claiming that uh, they can't hear very well. And uh, the reason for that is that uh, uh, these people are in the background. Nobody can hear these very well. Uh, you'll hear better later in the tape, and uh, this is as loud as it goes. But uh, the audit monster, it, you would log into that, and you would see the whole cards on that account, and then you could play on your, uh, like on a different computer, on your regular account. So like whatever account Russ Hamilton was playing on, you know, uh, 
Neo Neo or whatever, that wouldn't see the whole cards, but he would have another computer next to him showing the whole cards that the audit monster would be viewing. So uh, that's what they're talking about with the audit monster. And, and this Yuri Kozai, that's what they're referring to, Yuri, uh, he was the chief technology officer there, and uh, uh, apparently he didn't know everything at this point of the meeting. They're ta- they, you'll hear later in the tapes he, about how Yuri doesn't know everything right now, but he might figure it out. Look at certain percentages on these accounts, just say are damaged. The website is extraordinarily high, higher than any other account and, uh, that they've looked at. And it's a percentage which is expected to be between 10% for a good player. And, uh, they've seen the money flows, which are very unusual, number of account name changes. Uh, they've seen the fact that, like, Barney was used to withdraw tons of money. They've seen, uh, apparently, uh, they're referring to Freddie withdrawing. That was Freddie Deeb, who was. Uh, they were still trying to figure out Freddie Deeb's culpability in this whole thing. Now you'll hear in the tape, Russ will will defend Freddie and say that he had no idea of what was going on. But uh, Freddie Deeb was used to uh, withdraw a lot of the money that was won through the cheating. A lot of transfers back and forth through Freddie Deeb's accounts and the cheating accounts. So he was definitely. Uh, Helping Russ Hamilton here, but he may not have realized what he was doing. There, there's theories on both sides about uh, whether Freddie was really involved, but this tape won't really reveal that because uh, Russ will insist that Freddie's innocent. So those people have, you know, potential tax liabilities and So these are now innocent people, and they are. They don't have tax liabilities. I claim the tax on my taxes. So so this did you hear that? Russ Hamilton <laughs> said he claimed on his taxes for that year, I, I assume it was uh, the year of two thousand seven. He didn't say which year, but I assume that's what he meant. He claims on his taxes one million dollars. Times five point two. Five point two million in online poker winnings, he said. That he claimed on his taxes. Now, some were saying, oh, well, we can get Russ prosecuted for tax evasion because if he really cheated people for 30 or 40 million on UB and only claimed 5.2, then obviously he cheated on his taxes. Well, that's probably not true. Maybe it's true, but it's probably not true. If he really did declare $5.2 million in winnings, first of all, he may have just been talking about one year. I don't know if that 5.2 was for all the years he cheated, but even if it was, uh, it's possible that is the cash he actually withdrew. Uh, it's very possible that the other money was used in other places, such as, you know, as he's said elsewhere on the tape, paying server bills, staking players, and stuff like that. So it is possible that the cash he withdrew was $5.2 million and the rest went elsewhere. How about, um, well, if a lot of it got transferred to Freddie Deeb, I mean... How about him? I mean, he might be able to get nailed for some of this, right? Well, yes, but the thing is, I have a feeling that Freddie wasn't declaring this on his taxes. I think if Freddie Deep cashed anything out, uh, he probably had Russ declare it. And and he could say, look, you know, I gave this to Russ. In fact, you know, I'm sure he can show he gave this to Russ. So I, I don't think Freddie Deeb would be on the hook for anything here tax-wise, but... Uh, uh, I, I think Russ, whatever he received from this, he, he seems to feel $5.2 million was something he could declare to the IRS. And I think he, that's probably a correct figure because if he wanted to evade taxes, he just wouldn't declare any of it. But if, if you're making you know $15 million worth of withdrawals, 
and only claiming five, the IRS will see that if they audit you. The only other way around it is if he was withdrawing in other ways that he could hide, like where other people were taking it out and putting it in uh, foreign bank accounts, or it was being uh, funneled to other places, or he was trading it for for shares of uh, iovation or whatever. You know that that's where um, the rest of the money probably went, where it wasn't uh, there, there. He didn't have to declare those as winnings. He probably withdrew 5.2 million cash, and that's probably why he declared 5.2 million cash. Because uh, Russ, in general, from what I've heard, is kind of scared uh, of going to jail. He he seems to be afraid of the Fed. The one time I had a phone conversation with him, when I named him as a an owner of UB, uh, back before anyone knew that he had anything to do with the cheating, he called me up and was furious and was saying, I'm going to get the Justice Department on his ass and he's going to get in trouble. He seems always concerned that he's going to go to jail. So I, I have a feeling he mm-hmm. probably declared his taxes honestly. Yeah, he's getting older, too, and... um. At the end, it was funny, right at the end of that clip you just played, whoever that was, it was either Friedberg or, um, what's his name, Pearson, what did he say? He's like, you actually claim this? Like, he was shocked that he claimed it. Yeah, well, yeah let's let's continue here. So, anyway, uh, I mean, I, I guess everybody's just pretty shocked. This thing went out and they, they, they did this sort of has come to the conclusion that uh, uh, I might have even known about this. Uh, Jim may have known about it. The Jim he's referring to is is Jim Ryan, who apparently uh, didn't know about this from what everybody was saying. So uh, he was the old CEO of UB. So everyone's saying that Jim didn't know about it. That's great. <laughs> I just I I got to be careful. I was trying to close things that were up here, and I I just closed. <laughs> the, the clip. Now I got to bring it back up again. I had it, I had it already, but uh, now I have to go find where we were. Damn it! It's always, always something on this show. I always mess something up. All right, let me get the clip back. Try to bring it back to where it was. Uh, so they're continuing to look through all the stuff. Of course, it doesn't. Happen. You know, essentially, I think what's happening here is that. Uh, so those people have, you know, potential tax liabilities. Well, and, uh, so these are now innocent people, and uh, uh, they are... They don't have tax liabilities. I claim the tax on my taxes. So and there's the tax stuff again. I claim $5.2 million, million on internet poker. Yeah, that, that's where he was talking about. They don't have tax liabilities, referring to the other people who withdrew for him. So anyway, uh, I mean, I, I guess everybody's just pretty shocked. This thing went out and they 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 business sort of has come to the conclusion that uh, uh, I might have even known about this. Uh, Jim may have known about it. Great. Things are just so damning. The transfers that are involved in the amount of dollars that I believe that the company went public and didn't know about it. Eventually, they're now looking at their what their rights are and what they can do. The eventual outcome of this thing is that they try to undo the deal, split the business act, and just come out with the whole thing. You know, that unfortunately, you know, this is a business with hundreds of people. These are good people. These are people tolerating gene. So, and they, they are insisting on, you know, Paul is not, does not want to be involved with it. He doesn't do the right thing. Now, he's, this is actually a, a defense of Paul Leggett, who definitely doesn't deserve a lot of credit, by the way, but uh, uh, saying Paul wants, wants to do the right thing, referring to Paul Leggett. Uh, the, Paul Leggett apparently was not... Uh, he didn't like the this crowd very much. He didn't like Russ. He didn't like Greg. He he really 
he kind of wanted to be more forthcoming with this. And these guys didn't. These guys wanted to find the minimum to pay back and lie as much as possible. Yeah. So, you know, essentially, I think what's happened here is that uh, I'm a system. And I own about that. Business never would have gone public. People like Jim, of course, wouldn't have gotten involved. I never would have gotten involved. You know, I look back, I spent a year, and this is just a personal note, I spent a year and a half of my life in Canada. What was it for? to get $23 million to you guys. I feel. And then you went on and you cheated. You took $16 million from players. <laughs> wow. You and I cheating took uh, $16 million from, from uh, players. Um, pretty amazing. Now, I'm, I'm, I think that was, uh, that, that was Greg talking. Had to have been, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, as I said, he and Daniel Friedberg sound similar, but I think that's that's him talking, and uh, and they're talking about how you know taking the company public. This all wouldn't have happened without the uh, uh, w- without him and without. Uh, uh, so so, continue here. You took forty million dollars out of this thing. You took forty million dollars out of this thing. Forty million dollars. I, I guess it wasn't. Maybe it was. It was Daniel. Is that um, we're seeing the chat from. Uh, Jack Bates, who used to work there, said Greg never spent a year in Canada. So maybe it was Daniel. And here I was working for Greg, who took a couple million dollars out. Yeah, it was obviously Daniel. See, here I was working for Greg. So this, this was Daniel talking. That wasn't Greg right there. Before when I said Greg was talking, he, that was Greg. But this is Daniel Freeberg talking. And he took a few million dollars. And he was saying Russ took $40 million. Let's listen to that again here. It's amazing. You know, essentially, I think what's happened here is that uh, I'm a system. And I own about that. Business never would have gone public. People like Jim, of course, wouldn't have gotten involved. I never would have gotten involved. I, mean, I look back, I spent a year, and this is just a personal note, I spent a year and a half of my life in Canada. And what was it for? It was to get $23 million to you guys. And I feel. So, so he's referring to how he spent time in Canada, Daniel Friedberg, that he, he spent time in Canada there getting $23 million through the IPO. He's, he's patting himself on the back for all he did for the company. And you cheated. You took $16 million from players. So you took $40 million out of this thing. And here I was working for Greg, who took a couple million dollars out. Basically, I, mean, I just feel, and I, this is just a personal thing, I've got to separate myself from it, but I just feel like there's absolutely no way that I would have gotten involved in And I mean, if somebody like Sandy was involved with you, he knew that $18 million didn't be stolen off the site. $5. I mean, Really? It's just I have no idea anyone was right. off the site. And, uh, and there had to be more conspiracy. For you to just say that these people take millions off the site for me, they must have known something was going on. Which period are you talking about, Daniel? Just they identified 14 accounts, essentially. Which period of time are you so He's talking about here now what, what they've realized is going on. They're they referring to the uh, um, the public at this time. So they said they've identified 14 accounts that have been cheating, and they're they're trying to keep this to the minimum. They they're trying to keep the accounts that were cheating, the known accounts, to a minimum. So this way they have to pay back the minimum. The fewer accounts that are known that were cheated, uh, the less they have to pay back. Talking about here, where did it go back to? They haven't gone back too far, which is good. We've only gone back to a certain period prior to Oracle. So uh, we're talking 2005. So saying they didn't go back more than 2005. And, uh, you know, the treating actually, it turned out it was going 
2003 or maybe even before, but that uh, they haven't gone back before that. So that's good. So this is Jim Ryan's time period that he was in there. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was not was was given to players to play tournaments to stake them to. That's fine. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't matter. Now, this is something that Russ will say a few times during the recording. See, Russ is trying to justify this somewhat uh, and and try to pull this away from it being his own greed because they're trying to figure out how they handle it from this point, how they get the money to pay the players back, who pays. So Russ doesn't want to say, hey, I was a greedy bastard. I did this all for personal gain. So, So Russ talks about the different things he did with the money and one of the things he claimed he did a lot with the money was stake players and uh, you know so he would steal money through the cheating and then put certain players that were UB pros or others into tournaments now let me tell you the name of one person who I believe got staked into a tournament a $5,300 tournament with this cheating money that person and I'm not sure about this, but I think that person is named Todd Wattellis. Yes, I think... Now, I, I, I think I was a net loser anyway, because I'm sure I was cheated out of a ton on UB. Way, way more than 5300 And, of course, I had no idea where the money was coming from. But I played in the 2007 Aruba tournament that was put on by UB, and I was given a stake very liberally. It wasn't even a stake. I was given a free buy-in by them. Very, very liberally. The, the, the way I got this was that I had been playing on a skin of UB called uh, Vegas Poker 24-7, and then I kind of had a falling out with that skin. So uh, I had heard that they were just putting in all their active AP players in uh, in that Aruba tournament for free. I'm like, sweet, that's 5300 bucks. Like, I, I, I want it. <laughs> yeah, I want to enter into that tournament. So uh, I called them up, and I said, hey, I've been playing on a skin of your site, so you've been making a lot of rake off me just through this skin, but how about if I switch to AP... And you guys give me rake back, the same rake back I have on, on Vegas Poker. Uh, if I commit to do this, will you give me a free seat there? I was sure they were going to tell me, F you. You know, play a whole lot on AP and, and talk to us next year. And I actually would have accepted that as an answer. Instead, they said, yeah, that sounds fine. And all they required of me was to play actively for like the next three weeks to prove I'm really an active player. Even though I'd already proven it on, on their skin, on Vegas Poker 24-7. Uh, they... All I had to do was play actively for three weeks, which I did, and they handed me this seat for free to this Aruba tournament. And that's why I was in Aruba in 2007 and played that tournament. Almost cash, too. Uh, But uh, I heard later that when the Aruba tournament wasn't getting very good numbers, including in 2007, that Russ told them, don't worry about it, I'll get you players. And they said, what do you mean? He said, don't worry about it. You want players to this thing, I'll get you players. I think I'm one of those players they got. And all I had to do was just wear UB gear, which I felt funny doing because this was just after the the AP cheating came out, and they were the same company. It wasn't known yet that they were cheating on UB itself, but the AP cheating had come out. It had not come out yet who was responsible. I hadn't known the ownership was responsible yet, but I I wasn't very happy about wearing UB clothing, and I I would have refused had I known that the cheating was all on the inside at AP, but I didn't know that yet. But I wasn't getting very good answers from them, and I was pressing and I was getting nothing. And um, those are the circumstances under which I played the tournament. But but they did buy me in for free, and I'm probably one of those people that Russ uh, gave the money for to stake, even though I never dealt with him personally. Of course, I didn't know it, but uh, 
Um, so <laughs> JSTAT says, so Hamilton bribed Drouf with a, an Aruba Classic 5K free roll? Well, not exactly. I, I didn't get bribed. I, I thought I was just being paid by uh, AP for being a loyal customer. Anyway. I mean, I look on this list here. First guy on the list. He's one of the best poker players in the world. Prelob Friedman. Prelob Friedman has never been involved in this in my life, so you're, so you're way out of line already. You took 360 Gs from him. Oh, oh, took Okay. <laughs> I like that. What? <laughs> You've never been involved in this? You're all wrong. You have no No, no, no. You took 360K from him. Oh, oh, you, I took it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> And that those numbers, the three hundred and sixty k, that's just according to what they. That that was like a soft number. Didn't he get paid back a hell hell of a lot more than that? We don't know how much he got paid back. Uh, I I do believe it was more than three sixty k. So they now you'll see, you'll hear that Russ he cheated so many people he forgot who he cheated. So I I have a feeling that he had no idea sometimes who he was cheating, just that that he was cheating. Just people would sit with him and he beat them. So so yes, he got paid more than three sixty k from what I heard. But uh, I, I think this was just this uh, what they had found initially. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, she was on okay. the other side of the table. Okay. And this is the loss list. This is the loss list. And I see all the pros on here. No one this I mean, you know better than anybody. I mean, we're all destroyed. All yeah, they're all destroyed. It's referring to the uh, the regulars <laughs> on the site. It's true. Locations are destroyed when this thing comes out. Uh, Does it have to come out then? I don't know. I mean, it's it's a bit of a. I mean, Greg and I don't want it to come out, obviously. Greg and I don't want it to come out. Daniel Freeberg saying about yeah, what Greg, happened here. Yeah, yeah Greg's uh, supposed to be a master of security, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let, let me read the quote. This is from uh, the Iovation uh, website, a profile on on Greg. Let me uh, let me get to this. This is funny. Uh, this is so funny. Greg doesn't want this to come out. Here here is a. Uh, a, a quote about uh, Greg, if I can find it here. Here we are. Uh, a serial entrepreneur, Greg previously founded IE Logic, a pioneer in online community technology within the online gaming market. He has a strong passion for developing leading fraud fighting solutions that make the internet a safer place to do business and communicate. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, a forward thinker in the areas of internet security, online privacy, and fraud management, Greg is a frequent speaker at industry trade shows across the globe. I, I, gu- I guess he could be a good speaker. He knows about online fraud since he committed it. Yeah. I guess you have to commit the crime to be an expert on it. This is If you want to see this ridiculous profile of Greg Pearson, uh, go to iovation.com slash company slash board. And, and maybe uh, we can get him to register here at Poker Fraud Alert so he can uh, enlighten the community on the um, you know the security secrets and yeah. I, I all like that how, stuff. I like how Dan Friedberg didn't even know how to say uh, Prelod's name. He's a Prelod Friedman. Uh, he's one of the best poker players out there. Prelod. <laughs> Jim doesn't know the extent of it. When he knows the extent of it, he won't want to come out. He won't get scared. He doesn't know. So the same uh, CEO Jim Ryan still doesn't know the extent of it. He'll get scared when he finds out. He doesn't know many details at all, other than that. Isn't there a way to go to Norton up here, like you were talking today? So they're referring to Joe Norton, and uh, you know of the Kawanakis, and and he apparently didn't know either. And you'll hear later, uh, actually, endorsement of of uh, Joe Norton. I'll play this about 10 minutes later in this tape where uh, you'll hear that uh, Joe Norton actually wanted the players paid back. So he was more innocent in this, in this than people thought. 
Yeah, oh no, Joe is a reasonable man. But uh, he, or I don't think he doesn't know the extent of it. Uh, Who's driving the investigation? Paul. Paul is Paul Leggett. Paul Leggett is driving the investigation. The chief operating officer, the Joe Gordon. Visible, poor sort of person who's running the business. He's basically the CEO. And he's built those numbers. He's referring to Hilt and Scott. Hilt is Oscar Hilt Tatum, and Scott is Scott Tom of Absolute Poker. So there's the you know, the Absolute Poker part of the ownership, and he's saying they don't know as much, even though they cheated themselves on on AP back in 2007. Uh, Scott Tom personally cheated me directly in a heads up match under the Grey Cat account, uh, but but they don't know as much right now. He's saying they don't know that much about this yet. Uh, Hilt and Scott, he's referring to. Scott is really distant. What is interesting that comes out of this, nothing to do with this scandal, but that uh, Oscar Hill Tatum stayed very much active in the management of the new merged company after... Uh, the AP scandal, and that Scott Tom kind of distanced himself. He, now, he didn't leave. He was still very much an owner, but he, at least at the time, kind of distanced himself. So they're saying that uh, Scott Tom especially doesn't know because he's been kind of distant, but, but Hill Tatum has been uh, very involved. Uh, but uh, Uri, I think, knows. Now, if Uri knows, I would imagine it's probably one product we need is some idea. If he doesn't, Uri's pretty good about that. Uh, Cookie. What's his Cookie name? is our kind of Cookie's in charge of the Joe relationship. Actually, the Paul is having Joe. Cookie was actually had helpful in the sense he's. They're referring to this Cookie a lot in the tape. I'm not sure exactly who Cookie is. Maybe someone in the chat room could tell me. But uh, Cookie was—I think he was one of the people, the Kawanakis, who uh, had to do with Joe. I could never figure out exactly who Cookie was. It's, if Cookie's a guy, by the way. Who's that? Who's, who's, who's that? Cookie. Cookie. So he's he's managed to help push out the KGC with Joe. They're a good force for us in the sense that I think they can co opt the KGC. So you're saying that uh, you know the Kamenaki Gaming Commission, which was uh, you know licensing UB at the time, that uh, Cookie was help uh, pushing them back to where they didn't uh, get involved yet. Uh, Joe just doesn't want anything. To, you know his idea. The ideal thing would be if we called Joe and have some urban. The problem is, is now that they found the loop. Paul has told Joe that he's closed that time he didn't go into the as far as you know. He hasn't gone into the details of how it's been accessed. Now, using the iOvation logs, you can actually see times when uh, Auto Monster was, uh, or at least on, I don't know if it was used. Uh, you know, one of the top guys on here is the, the person who's screaming for blood is Trambling. Now, before we get into trampoline, they, they were saying the iOvation logs actually show when the audit monster was going on. So, so here iOvation was tasked with security for UB, and, and their tool actually does show when the audit monster is being used to see the whole cards. And, of course, you know, not only was nothing done about it, but uh, I, I believe that it was actually perpetrated by some of the iOvation guys. Trampoline was taken for 177 Linda Fosco? Don't know it. Now, now, trampoline was taken for 177k. They're saying, and they say it's registered to like a Linda Fosco. I assume that's like his wife's name. He probably had a few accounts on there. I want the, uh, but you look at the list and the thing. I mean, it's just uh, we see everybody that uh, Wild Army's 
of its way up here, actually. Uh, something like that. So, uh, Robert Williamson is a big loser. Wow, Berman and Robert Williamson named as big losers here in the uh, cheating? A who's who of poker. A who's who of poker, they're saying, of the people who got cheated. These guys, you, know, you look at their accounts, like half of them are closed, they're totally empty, right on the side, and so you're saying uh, uh, you look at the accounts; they're either empty or closed, and a lot of them maybe realized they were getting ripped off and just stopped playing. Frankly, it's just a tragedy. It's a tragedy, he's saying. Well, I, it's a tragedy because you guys stole from them. It's just terrible. Give me an idea of the settlement process. Get the numbers. Just the ideal process. Now, Greg is asking there, uh, give me an idea of the settlement process. You know, what are we going to do to give the players their money back? How, how are we going to work that? The old thing would be, is if we, at this point, it seems like they know that the automobile deal scenario is like pushing Greg to <coughs> come out and say, yes, the thing was used, but it was only not come out with any names. may have to come out with a line like it was a former consultant to the company that had access now, this is uh, what they were going to do. This never had actually ended up happening. We'll hear a little bit more about this later in the tape. But uh, uh, Daniel Friedberg's idea here was, uh, since it was known that this cheating happened and was within the company, that they had to find a way to explain this without it looking like UB stole directly from its customers, because that would look the worst. So the idea here was to blame it on someone within that wasn't really... Uh, a main person at UB, someone that uh, could be seen as like an outsider who just happened to have access. Kind of like the red guys in Star Trek. You you know in Star Trek when you have the guys in the red uniform that they take down on the missions that uh, their only function in the show was to get killed? Because you you obviously couldn't kill off uh, Kirk or Spock or any of the main characters, but you have to have someone get killed, so there's there's always a guy dressed in red. Well, uh, the guy dressed in red in this story is Travis McCarr. Because Travis does not have any kind of official position at UB, he was just an assistant to Russ Hamilton. He was a very well-paid assistant. And in fact, Travis got paid, I don't know exactly what he got paid, but he got paid much more than uh, what his skill set and education level uh, would dictate uh, because he did pretty much whatever Russ said. And uh, one thing that Travis apparently agreed to do, and you'll hear about it in this tape, was take the fall for all this. And, and the story was going to be, Travis, who was very close to Russ, it was kind of Russ Hamilton's right-hand man and had access to Russ Hamilton's computers and everything else, found a way to modify this Audit Monster tool to where it was no longer on a delay, and now you could see the whole cards in real time, and Travis went ahead and modified it so he could use it to see the whole cards as he played and cheated everyone. And Travis actually agreed, according to them here in this tape, to take the fall, obviously for some kind of money. And this way, all the main players at UB and UB itself would get away as mostly being innocent because it was, you know, it was a rogue employee, a rogue employee of Russ's who cheated him too, they were going to say. So you'll, you'll hear them now strategizing on how to uh, frame this. So they're talking about the consultant. The consultant they're going to blame is Travis. The biggest thing would always kind of limit this thing. It's so big, uh, it's like one of the biggest steps ever. I don't know, like, they have, uh, you know, these shows on the TV and stuff. Where they do these. Kind of a guy tries to steal $100 mm-hmm. for a flashback game. Well, no, they have serious money. You know, wow. Broken into casinos and stolen money. This is, like, one of the biggest crime frauds ever. So he's actually bragging, uh, Daniel Friedberg. This is actually probably the biggest uh, fraud ever. 
as far as uh, casinos go. That even though some casinos have had uh, some big frauds themselves, uh, that the, nothing's bigger than this. This is the biggest uh, theft ever, of at least related to gambling. Not even Phil Ivey can top this. Yeah, <laughs> oh, great. I just I just fell off the position we were at here. Let me let me put it back where it was. He's talking about TV. They profile these things, and uh, this is bigger than the ones he's seen on TV. No, they have serious money. So he's saying that now he's saying that uh, Oscar Hill Tatum knows and maybe Scott knows too. You know, Scott Tom is close to Oscar Hill Tatum, so that he might have an idea how big this is. And he said it's not twenty million. And you heard earlier what he said to Russ: uh, "You took forty million out of this thing, so it's at least forty. This is Greg Pearson, by the way, um, talking about, does the business want to do the right thing? Yes. And l- listen to what he goes on to say. Is the, is the business willing to look for any reasonable way to, to limit this? Absolutely. So is the business looking for any way to limit this? Absolutely. Meaning, is the business looking how to pay everybody the lowest amount possible and get away with this? Absolutely. That's what he's trying to say by limit this. Limit the payments. There's no such thing as limiting the payments. If you cheated people out of a certain amount of money, you pay them back that amount of money. You you don't limit it, but that's what he's talking about here. So if there are ways to, to, to based on math, based on winning percentages, based on based on you know correlation between validation data, whatever. If there's a way to say, you know, here's a significant percentage of it that 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 the business can say we're confident there's no cheating involved. So he was saying that if he can go over this really carefully and look at all the hand histories and see what he talked about the winning percentage, he's saying if you can find any any period where it seems like you know certain accounts were not winning as much as they would be normally when they're cheating, we don't have to say that was a, a, a part of the cheating. So if someone just won a little bit when they were using the uh, the audit monster tool, uh, we can explain that away as just uh, that wasn't cheating; that was just them getting lucky. Uh, or them just winning a little bit. We only when it's really obvious is when we have to pay them. That's what he's trying to say here by winning percentages, where sometimes you you can't deny it based on the uh, uh, what was going on. Sometimes it's a gray area, so the gray areas just don't pay anyone. But here's some percentage that we don't know. So okay, we're going to reimburse players for. They're willing to do that. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. So all wants to do anything he can to try to lower the. So it's you know I mean. 
I don't know what you want to call that. It's, it's something in between. It's, it's, not, it's not taking the ultra-high road. It's not saying, fuck, I'm not going to do anything. It's something in between. But the point is... He's actually saying this is in between. We're not taking the ultra-high road here by paying everybody, but it's, we're also not just paying nothing. So we're, we're somewhere in between. We're, we're not great guys, but we're also not terrible guys either. Terrible guys wouldn't pay anything. Great guys would pay the whole thing back we stole. We're, we're paying in the middle. We're paying some of what we stole. We're, we're so kind they're of in just, the middle. They're, they're just good guys. <laughs> they're they're decent guys. They're yeah. They're they're yeah. human. It's uh they're they're not saints, but they're they're not awful either because they're paying some of it back. Is they're they're interested in coming up with reasonable arguments to minimize it. So and that's a big part of what Iovation is, is doing right now. But that, that's an important segment right there. That's a big part of what Iovation is doing right now. This is the same Iovation that's become a huge company. I think it's worth like five hundred million. They're they're working for uh, casinos, both you know uh, online casinos and and other. Uh, uh, other merchants everywhere, you know, to prevent credit card fraud. This is the same Iovation that was going through all the hand histories to see how they could limit paying back cheating victims. He said that's what Iovation is doing. Listen to this again. That's a very important part of this that's been missed by a lot of people. Listen to this, this speech by Greg again. I mean, it's crazy. You get to back to this here. Based on winning percentages, based on based on, you know, correlations between Iovation data, whatever. There's a way to say, you know, here's a significant percentage of it that, that, that the business can say we're confident, there's no cheating involved, but here's some percentage that we don't know, so, okay, we're going to reimburse players for They're willing to do that. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. So it's, you know, I mean, I don't know what you want to call that. It's, it's something in between. It's not. It's not taking the ultra high road. It's not saying fuck. I'm not going to do anything. It's something in between. But the point is, they're they're interested in coming up with reasonable arguments to minimize it. So and that's a big part of what violation is is doing right now. But violation really just means myself and and, and I'm having Tom Wins do some reports and stuff. So I just don't want anything to with Tom. So he's saying some Tom whatever. This is not Tom McAvoy. who's also mentioned in the uh, in the recording. This is Tom Wins or something. I didn't get the whole name there, but. Uh, uh, Greg's saying that he and this Tom guy are, are basically going through it and seeing what the minimum is they can pay people and, and how they can get away with, with uh, limiting it, as he says. That's what Iovation's doing. This is, Iovation, who's supposed to prevent fraud, is committing fraud here. They, they're committing fraud. They're finding a way to, after cheating everyone, to pay back the least possible. So this, this has to get out. Someone has to make little clips of Greg, put together a Greg Pearson's Greatest Hits... Maybe I'll do this if I have some time. And, and, and put this together, and it's Greg's voice, so he can't deny it. It's not like an email you can say, oh, I didn't write this. I mean, this is Greg's voice. And people could prove this if he ever were to say that's not me. And, and put this out there. And so when he's up for Entrepreneur of the Year in, in Oregon, that, that he doesn't win awards like this, and that people stop wanting to do business with Iovation after they hear recordings like this of Greg talking about uh, limiting it, and this is what Iovation's doing. Iovation's supposed to be... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's supposed to be a company that is uh, preventing fraud, not committing it. Is there any way to find a list of um, whoever they service? I don't know. Probably not. But uh, yeah, someone just said in the chat room, there's no ultra high road, there's just the high road. It's true. Like, either just pay people back or don't. Okay, going on here. assume we'll go to hell. Uh, you know, we, we're, we, to date, we've been totally open with those guys. That means, right now, there, there is this dimension, I think, because you know, a couple times they've asked me directly, come on, man, you have to know 
Well, I, I just yeah. want to address this. And looking back at it, there were instances, you know, that in our complex capsule, which were weird looking back at it, all these transfers had to be approved. Mm-hmm. I just remember, Gail, like saying, you know, don't even look at the transfers of Russ. Don't want to know what's going on there. <laughs> don't look at the transfers of Russ. You don't want to know what's going on there. I don't know. Like, you know, if you go through something like this and you just don't know. But let's just go back and face the process. process. Seems from everything that I've heard so far, not having this blow up our whole line. Because there's no one other than somebody who is out the atlas that wants to see this go public. Even that person is no way. would not want to see it go public because they want money, not as want that money. Right. So what is the procedure to get more formally agreed to then the process to solve the problem? But the magnitude drive, drive us, I'm asking is, how do we make people's interests get together so that they can come up with a problem-solving solution? Yeah, so I think this is Sanford Miller, and he's asking, uh, you know, basically what procedure they're, they're going to go through here as far as addressing the whole thing. You know, it's something we, I mean, the first thing is, is we need to, but you spoke to him, and he didn't deny anything at all, but certainly we have to and get to all these people again and emphasize the talking about this with everybody. Everybody's aware of it. That would be completely quiet. I think, I, I, I think the question is a little different. I think your question is, do, I mean, at least the way I think about this, there's two kind of separate and somewhat independent things going on. There's the, other than that list, you know, everyone interested in minimizing whatever the action is underway and, and, and uh, uh, lots and lots of time and energy, you know, trying to get it. Then there is the, you know, not wanting to, no, again, that was decided, not wanting this to blow up in what's happening there. And that's what I want to talk about. That's, that's the other thing I want to talk about. Because the other, the other thing's more... See, they, they find it very important to not have this not blow up. Probably all they, they don't want this to become a huge thing, which it hadn't quite uh, at this point. This is in February of uh, of 2007. So they, they wanted this to not become a huge deal. Which it did. And I, what I'm going to do from this point here, I just realized uh, I'm actually playing this off of YouTube, and there's no reason for me to be doing that because I have a, I have my own copy here. Let me see if I can turn up the volume at all. This down. On, uh, on this, on this, it'll also be easier to control. I, for some reason, I just didn't think of this. I've just been playing off the YouTube version of this one. I got my own copy. So, as usual, producing the show when I, uh, while the radio show's going on. Let me see if I can make this any louder because I know it's uh, kind of soft for some people. They have a total number of yeah, so that's still soft. I'm gonna, let me try to get a different tool to boost this. Yeah, if anybody has earphones either, just pop them on because um, it said it should sound a lot better with the earphones on. Yeah, well, I'm going to see if I, I have a, a player, I think, that uh, I can play things louder. I can boost the volume. Something I always notice is annoying about audio players for, uh, for Windows is that... Uh, the loudest volume is not loud enough frequently. Like, why can't you just, like, turn it way up? I never understand why most of them don't give you that option. Maybe it's to prevent damage to your hardware if you overdo it. But, uh, yeah, that, that should really be up to the user. Or at least put a warning up or something. But uh, let me see. I'm going to bring up uh, one media player I have that I think I can boost the uh, the sound. And then maybe we can hear this better throughout the broadcast. Oops. This. Let me uh, grab the wrong file there. 
This download is brought to you by PokerFraudAlert.com. <laughs> Had to get a plug in there if I'm going to... This download... Not wanting to, no, again, that was the side, not wanting this to blow up and, and what's happening there. And that's what I want to talk about. That's, that's the other thing I want to talk about. Because the, the other thing's more just... The list that's there is probably all accurate, but the list of people that have complained is very small. Right. It doesn't have to go back as far as you're going back to. I don't know what you're doing or what you have to do. Yeah. So the worry. So what they've done is uh, essentially they they've looked at accounts that are very obvious. Essentially, I think ten that are public account forms mentioned. Right. They have a total number of fourteen that they've looked at. Fourteen player accounts. Yeah. That have used the audit monster. Okay. Fine. So so there's a process to minimize whatever it costs. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the damage mitigation process, right. okay. which, which we can talk about just to understand it. So they're talking about the damage mitigation process. They're saying there's two processes here. There's the process of uh, keeping their payments back to players at the lowest. And then there's also the process of uh, keeping the story to where it doesn't hurt their reputation. There are two things. One's financial and one is uh, related to the reputation of those involved. So that's what we're talking about now. But how do we both keep it low? And keep our reputations intact, and keep the company's reputation intact. But it's really more informational, and it's again, other than that, we'll be on the same page with minimize. But then there's the keep this from being a big story. That's and that's, that's the that's the main reason for for wanting to talk today is what's you know what's what's the attitude of, of folks involved. And so this is what I was mentioning at lunch is clearly. I sure as hell don't want this to become, you know, a big issue. Obviously, Russ doesn't, Dan doesn't, Jim does. So, but ultimately, the, the person who's even if it's an issue, it's a scandal. And just the key thing is, scandals they come over. Look what AP did. They grew as soon as the scandal was over. So, <laughs> so Russ is all proud of them there at AP that they grew after the scandal was over. Yeah, scandal's nothing. You know, they just get past the scandal, they grow afterwards. just like AP did. But he's right. I mean, they did grow after it was over. Announcing scandal, the way is to come out with a message that works. I think we can do that. So, so what I want so to Fredberg's saying that uh, they shouldn't use the word scandal. They shouldn't say uh, this is a scandal. We should come out and and put out a message that works. Message that works, of course, being one that uh, nobody here within the company was guilty. We've caught the guilty party. He's Travis McCarr. We put a stop to it. We're going to pay everybody back who got cheated. Uh, everything's safe here, everything's great, and uh, sorry, everybody. That, that's kind of the message that works that they wanted to come out with. What should we got to do, Dan, is not reveal who it is, because if we reveal who it is, then it just blows up everything and everybody. Oh, I agree. I agree. Russ says you can't reveal who None it of is. Yeah, of course, it's him. So you said something when you walked in here. That, that scared the shit out of me. So, so something scares the shit out of Daniel Fredberg. Let's hear what that is, according to what Russ said when he walked in there. Joe Norton's attitude. And so let's talk about that. Well, Joe, and, Joe is a very proud guy. You know, honor is critical. He doesn't think there's anything wrong with him. I mean, he, just, he doesn't feel like, even though he's in this weird situation where the U.S. thinks that he doesn't think there's anything wrong, the most important issue is honor. So, uh, so he got this number down to a number, and the number was paid back, and Norton's group or something got paid something. Well, John doesn't need to be paid, but that 
gaming commission. Is that what you were talking about? You hear that? The gaming commission needs to be paid. Now, Joe wasn't part of the gaming commission anymore. They're saying Joe is you know, a proud man. Joe wants uh, you know, the right thing done. But, but Joe wants justice. Yeah. Joe's the chief. Yeah, but but the gaming commission, we got to pay them something. So uh, now I I don't know if they're referring to a fine or probably more likely a bribe. So the gaming commission's like, oh, okay, well, uh, okay, we're happy with this. You say there was five million in cheating, and uh, you're giving us a million. Yeah, that's okay. Thank you. So, um, uh, Joe wasn't involved with the uh, you know Joe Joe was one of the owners of, of UB. And um, but he wasn't involved with with the Kawanaki Gaming Commission at that point. Joe will need to be satisfied that the players that were affected were uh, some explanation on uh, how it happened. I think we'll be able to deal with him. I don't. I just. Yeah, I think we'll be able to deal with Joe. So Joe, Joe, they're saying is uh, uh, what they're trying to say here. We don't know this for sure, but they're trying to say Joe's a decent guy. Joe doesn't want to find out that everyone got ripped off. But if we can present to Joe, everyone was made whole, uh, and we pay the gaming commission something, then, then we can skate away with this and, and not pay very much and not tell the truth. If we, we sell a good story to Joe, and he thinks everyone's been made whole and the truth has come out, then uh, he'll probably buy it. That's what uh, Fredberg's saying here. I do think they'll think that a piece of this is accountability. They're saying that this should all be on Nick Scapps' shoulders, and frankly, I agree that Nick Scapps should take a lot. Just to the money that was directly taken out by, like, withdrawn by Bonnie. What happened? It's referring to Bonnie Lanehose, who worked at UB, and and what happened to that money? Money that was directly withdrawn by her. I mean, this thing is sort of that I think used as your big time. We've discussed that, Greg. Can you tell you? I can tell you. I mean, it's real obvious. What I mean, some of it was used for players on the site, which still, you can go back and look, Crazy Canuck staked you. Now, now, hang on. Before we talk about Crazy Canuck and the stakes that he got from the cheating money, uh, did you hear what Russ just said? This was Russ answering where that money go, the money that was withdrawn, referring to Bonnie, Bonnie Lanehose, who helped withdraw the money. Uh, where did it go, is what Daniel Fredbridge was asking. They're trying to determine whose responsibility is it to pay the players back. Someone's got to come up with the money. The money has to come from somewhere. So whose responsibility is it? So there, there's, he's asking, well, where'd the money go? Like the money Bonnie took out, where'd it go? So Russ is like, oh, I already explained that. And, and you know, Greg explained it too. So obviously Greg knew. This is a more incriminating evidence against Greg. It's not Greg's own words, but Greg's right there at the meeting. He doesn't object. When Russ said, look, you know, me and Greg both knew. It, it went to staking players. So Greg knew that the money that, that had been cheated yeah, the cheating money that, that was stolen from players on UB was used in part to stake other players. So Greg knew whether Greg did it himself. Russ is saying right there, Greg knew, and Greg doesn't say, no, I didn't know. He just sits there. The thing the thing with that is, um, you know, how it couldn't have been that much they were staking out. I mean, even if they staked out like 110K buy-ins, that's just a million dollars. Yeah, for, I uh, think that's Russ making excuses so he doesn't have to be personally responsible. He want, Russ wanted to pay the least possible himself and have everybody else pay. You know, of course, the you know, Russ is always looking after himself. So this is him making excuses that he staked uh, Crazy Canuck and other people. Who was Freddie Deep when he was part of it until you got... Uh, Crazy Canuck, what was his name? Uh, is it Jim Worth or something? I think that's his yeah, name. I was, I was wondering if he was a known player or... Uh, I, I, I was just wondering that. Nah, he, he, he was kind of like a, a third-tier pro. He, he was really only known uh, because of his UB association. He's kind of a nobody, 
But um, one one other thing, uh, what about Freddie Deeb's buy-ins on high stakes poker? He was always on the high stakes poker show. I wonder if they came from that. It might have. I mean, definitely. For, he, in fact, at one point you'll hear where uh, Russ says that he purposely lost to Freddie, so Freddie won't have money to play with. It's very possible that uh, the way this worked, if, if Freddie really wasn't guilty, it's possible that Russ had a deal with Freddie that, uh, hey, help me out with these transfers and making up some BS. You know, I don't want the government to see whatever. Help me out with all these transfers and cash outs and stuff, and, and I'll stake you into things. So maybe he was staking him into all the big cash games and all the big tournaments Freddie was playing. So uh, I, I bet it the money probably came from there. Now, the question is, did Freddie know this was cheating money, or did Freddie just think Russ was staking him from his personal fortune? I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully if more tapes get released, we can find out. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you know, Russ is very much defending Freddie in this tape, but he's defending it to the other guys there. So that doesn't mean he's telling the truth, and Russ obviously isn't the most truthful person. All that. So there was a lot of things that got used for for sending players to Aruba for your tournament. Ah, there we uh, go. Sending players to Aruba. <laughs> Do you know? Didn't Fre- didn't Freddie win that? Or he like fit, was like oh yeah heads up or oh something? yeah no I'm sure, I'm sure Freddie got uh, got staked into that but I got staked into that I think when he said sending players to Aruba it's it's funny because when I first read about this years ago that that Russ had arranged to prop up the numbers of the Aruba tournament that was getting kind of anemic numbers and they didn't want to look bad that. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it went like this. I think Russ was like, you know, they're saying, hey, to Russ, you know, look, we're having trouble with the Aruba tournament. It's not going well. I don't know if we can continue. And he's like, look, 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 you guys need players? I'll get you players. So Russ, it's like he could print free money. Russ at any time could just log on there, cheat someone, and, and suddenly has money. So you, you want to stake uh, four more players to the Aruba tournament? Okay, Russ, go on there, spend a few minutes, win 20K from high-limit players, and there you go. Now, you can, now you've just staked four more players. Like, Russ... Rust was just the superhero who could fly in and just uh, invent Aruba players when he needed to. So I think I was one of those players. I think that uh, Russ told AP, for example, you have this many seats to give out to players that, that, that I will pay for. And I was probably one of them. Of course, I didn't know. But, uh, and uh, of course, they stole so much money from me that it's not like I made money in this whole thing. I lost. And But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, a lot of the people in these Aruba fields are probably, were probably uh, staked in some way with cheating money. Well, let's let's just leave it at that. Um, it got used for a, a lot of the money got taken out for put into the other company and did get used for that. You're right. Now he says uh, money got taken out and put into the other company. I don't know if he's referring to uh, the Ultimate Blackjack Tour or if he's referring to Iovation. He's talking about the other company. I don't know which company they're talking about, but he's saying money was taken out. This is what I mean by the $5.2 million in cash that he declared for the online poker winnings doesn't include this. I think that's where most of the money went, was to uh, go into other companies, whatever those are. But, it, you know, frankly, it doesn't... Uh, what was Montour's knowledge? None. Not until last night. I talked to him for the first time. So he's, he's asking about uh, Montour Matluby. 1990 uh, World Series of Poker winner. What was his knowledge on this? Now, he keep in mind, he was a friend of Russ's. So Russ is defending him, just like Freddie D. Uh, Russ is defending him, saying he, nothing, nothing. He's like immediately shot back. No, 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 nothing, nothing. Mansoor knew nothing. Uh, he just found out last night. Well, what's, what's contradictory here is that Travis has released screenshots of uh, Greg Pearson sending Mansoor the uh, the tool to uh, to look at the whole cards. 
divinebet.zip or whatever it was. So Mansoor had the tool. He he had the ability to do it. Uh, so I don't see how he could have just found out about this last night on this tape. I, I think that Mansoor very well could have done it himself. But Russ, uh, you know, with, in the absence of proof of that, since Mansoor was one of his friends, he didn't want to throw him under the bus. What a good guy, huh? Yeah, Covering. sweet yeah, guy. He's a great, great guy. The very first time, you had told me that there were times that you yeah, yeah, that was nothing. It was like, it's like Montour knew nothing. But you had told me about the times you had paid for him, and then no, 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 that's nothing. That's nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and right there, that's what it, it totally seems like. This has got to be BS. Like, no, 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 that's nothing. No, no. Well, let's let's just leave it at that. Um, it got used. For a, a lot of the money got taken out for put into the other company and did get used for that. You're right. Uh, but it, you know, frankly, it doesn't. Uh, who was Montour's knowledge of this? None. Zero. Not until last night. I talked to him for the first time. The very first time. But there, you had told me that there were times that you what I want to talk about is what are the options for going to Joe and saying the, 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 the minimizing the damage piece at this point that seems kind of trivial and easy and just a lot of work um, and and uh, uh, making sure as few people as possible know and all that's a little trickier, but also just work. So, so uh, saying uh, the trickiest part here is making sure as few people know as possible about this. That's it's, They're really trying to hold back as much information as possible, knowing that the more people that know, the more will leak out. And that's what they're trying to prevent. And, the, of course, they don't want stuff getting to Joe Norton and having him complicate the matter. They want to just keep it, you know, there in the family. So then there's going to be I think uh, a decent story. This is exactly what happened. We, you know, we know precisely what happened. It was closed. This can't happen again. Um, you know, here's the people impacted, and and it's going back, right? So now, how do we? What, what are the options for, for for paying it back to create incentive for this Joe guy to say, hey, we don't disclose this because there's a chance of getting this thing back. So what are those options? So one option was. I wanted to go through that list and see if are there individuals on that list, regardless of, of what of what it turns out to be, right? That that list adds up to some big number, which we're trying to minimize, right? So the amount that list, of course, being the players who got cheated, and that it's going to add up to quote some big number, and now they're trying to minimize it and bring it down. Aside, because the amounts might be different, depending how you slice it, it's possible that for an individual person, the amount's actually more. Right? But overall, the overall number goes down if you start limiting it. But anyway, so the, the, the amounts aside, are there individuals on that list that for whatever reason you say the business shouldn't pay that? If you only look at plus, don't you say? I absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let me just take a look at the list. But if they were to uh, come to the business and say, pay me. Are you talking about people here that, that I think that would even have any idea at all? No, I'm saying that 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 the how do I say this? The business... So, so what, what Freiberg's about to say here to Russ, he's trying to say that they want to... Uh, the business he's referring to, uh, they, they don't want to pay out 
more players than they have to. So he's asking Russ, can you look at this list and see if you can get some people to uh, you know either pay them back yourself privately or, or find some other deal you make with them, but but just get them off the list. So this way we can claim that the number that you know that the company has to be responsible for is lower. So you know, Russ, can you take some care of these some people yourself? Either talk them out of getting any money or, or pay them yourself. But can we take these people off? Uh, and who, who on here can you handle personally, Russ? And Russ didn't quite understand what they're uh, what they're trying to ask him. The business is this all the same sheet we're all looking at here? Oh, okay. The business says if we do you want me to check names of piece of people I think should be reimbursed here? No. Is that better? I want you to see if there's anyone on that list that you say the business should not pay this person for whatever reason. Either because uh, you 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 personally say that hey they're not coming back and if they do I'll deal with it. There's a lot of these on here. So, do you hear that? Where he's saying, if you know these people aren't coming back, and if they do, I'll deal with it. So what he's trying to say is, look at this list and figure out if, if some of these people just like left poker and are never going to know, and, and they're, are, they don't pay attention to poker news, uh, then tell us and we just won't pay them. And then tell us with the agreement that if they do come back, that it'll be on you to pay them. Like, like you tell us this, Russ. Go, go through the list and tell us who you think is, is definitely not going to come back and ask for the money. Either people who won't know about it or people, if they find out, just won't care and won't say anything about it. Uh, so, so tell us who those people are or, or ones that you'll just take responsibility for and pay for yourself. You guys believe it or not that we're played and won without ever using that thing. A lot of times. And, and, right. and so... No, and that's a helpful thing because hopefully we can... So, for, so first of all, that. So, so I know that. And that's a lot of the work that I'm doing is to try to line up of the, you know, there's thousands of play sessions involved, right? So what I'm trying to do is exclude play sessions that there was no audit tool being used. That's what there's, I'm doing. There was a six-month period through there to where it didn't even work. And so, so he's saying that there was a period here when the audit monster tool didn't work and, uh, and they couldn't have been cheating. That's what Russ is saying. And listen to who got that fixed and made it work again. Travis just got it working, and I told you guys in Costa Rica how to repair the way to stop it. So he was saying that uh, for at some point, I don't know why, it stopped working, and that Travis made it work again. So for those of you that think Travis is innocent, he's not. Of course, Russ could be lying here and blaming him, but I don't think he is. I think Travis really did uh, find whatever was wrong and, and, and got it working again. And then he was even saying that uh, he was explaining to them in Costa Rica, whenever that was, how to turn this thing off if they don't want it being used anymore. And that they just didn't do it. He was so uh, he goes on to say that. And I'm not sure if they did, but about four months ago it quit. So I would assume that that's what they did. I don't. Who do you think it quit? Well, I don't know. But the code wasn't removed until recently. Not the code. It's just a thing that wouldn't. Accept All you had to do if you forced them to take an upgrade. If they, if they didn't, if they weren't oh, forced oh, to take okay. an upgrade, which I told them in Costa Rica. So I don't know about this. But, but my, my point here is, look, the business... So he was trying to say that uh, like if you force them to take an upgrade to the new UB software when you started, if it forces you to upgrade it before you play, that, that then you could stop the use of this tool in some way. That's a, I don't know why Russ is even explaining that, but... Uh, the important takeaway there is that Travis fixed it when it wasn't working for six months. So Travis, I mean, I, I'd be shocked if Travis didn't know what was going on here. This really, I'm surprised Travis released this whole thing, because to me it looks like that Travis knew exactly what Russ was doing, but uh, was paid too well uh, to want to speak up about it. Regardless of whether someone's... Who shouldn't get paid back, is what you're saying. Yeah, because 
of it, either a personal relationship or, or for whatever reason, you just know that if Yeah, is this the customer ba available customer balance right here? I don't, I don't know. Just look at this. Yeah, that happens to just be what their balance was as of that date. That's what, how much money they have in the UBA account. This is what they have over here. Yeah. Third column. So what you want me to say... What like is, like somebody like, let's say that... Uh, let me put it in a different guy. way. If the, right. if the business thinks that it needs to reimburse, pick a number. Four million bucks, right? Mm-hmm. But you say, for whatever reason, I, Russ, take responsibility for that person, that person, that person, that person, for whatever reason, because you know them, personal relationship, because you're going to take care of a different way, whatever. But then that's a liability the business doesn't have to take care of, and that reduces their liability. That's the same thing as giving them money. Follow? So, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think he's just trying to get them to talk. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Maybe he is trying to get them to like say it out I mean, loud and so he can get it on yeah, tape. It's it's fairly simple to understand yeah, what he I was know. saying the first time he said I knew what he was saying the first time yeah. he said it. And, and Russ must have said three or four times he didn't know and the guy explained it three different times. <laughs> that's so funny. What? Uh, can you explain that again? What? Did you say that you want me to uh, have people... Uh, not come for their refunds who got cheated? Are you saying that, Daniel Friedberg? Yeah, he said it like four times. He's like, no, I don't understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Like, Fred David's on this list? But if he were, you would say, geez, take him off the, take him off the list, list I'll talk to him. If he Freddie Deeb is on the list, probably. Freddie Deeb is on the list. So Freddie Deeb is on the list here for what? <laughs> so he wants to know if Freddie's on the list. Wait, is he a winner or a loser? Like he's that that's that's a really strange statement. He's like, Freddie's on the list for what? That's like it's almost like he knew Freddie cheated, but he doesn't want to say it out loud or admit to it. He's like Freddie's on the list. Whoa, 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 whoa! Freddie's on the list for what? For right. for for uh, cheating or getting cheated? And then right. listen to his reaction when when he hears the answer. For losing? Yes. Yeah. Freddie did lost money to me. That's what it says. I would lose money to Freddie D when I go in here just to give him money to play with. It's cut, it's cut the so uh, he was saying he would lose money to Freddie Deeb just to give him money to play with. Now, that could mean several things. But uh, yeah, it sounds like chip dumping, which, of course, is not a big deal compared to all this other stuff. But uh, I, I don't know if he was giving him money to be staked in tournaments and uh, and other things that Freddie would enter or, uh, or, or to play on the site. But... Uh, he doesn't explain why he was giving Freddie to, money to play with, and you know Russ is not a—he's not a saint. He's not a generous guy who just hands people money for nothing. Uh, Russ obviously was giving him money for some reason, and I have to think it's because Freddie was cooperating at the very least with all the cash outs and transfers, and, and, and very possibly Freddie was involved in this whole thing and knew what he was doing. But of course, Russ won't admit to it, other than that he purposely lost money to Freddie and, and, and was alarmed when he, they said Freddie's on the list. Maybe thinking that they could have figured out what Freddie was doing. Possible, right? But so listen to what so listen to what this is. This isn't every session ever played with those players. This is the sessions that are suspicious that are that they suspect cheating was involved, right? So so it's not every session ever played. But if yeah, it's in that scenario where you may have dumped chips to them. It's, it's a lot of application errors. This is just a just a vile bait sort. As opposed to what do you mean by duplication? There might be some, some mm -hmm. names, but that's just a player has multiple accounts. That would mean a player has multiple accounts. Okay. If they have reading glasses. Sorry. All right. I'm going to let you 
Nobody has reading glasses? Okay. Nobody has reading glasses. Do I have to mark these now, or do I? I'm just, you know, there's a couple of ways to do this. I mean, we can literally go... It's mainly... Well, like, Lyle Bowman, Lyle Bowman's never going to complain about anything. Freddie Davies never going to complain about anything. So I can go through and check those right off the bat. And so... So, so, so he said, like, Freddie Deeb, for example, he's never going to come claim anything, even if Freddie Deeb's listed as cheating, cheated. So that, that, that really makes me think that, uh, you know, first of all, I don't even know if, uh, you know, they say Russ beat Freddie here, but uh, who, uh, if Freddie was in on this, then obviously Freddie wasn't playing heads-up matches with Russ if he knew what Russ was doing. So, so it, maybe... It could have been, been another player cheating him. It could have been. Someone else that had the tool, maybe Monsor Matlubi. Yeah, right. Matlubi. Right, it could have been Monsoor, maybe Greg or someone like that. That's a good point. But he's saying that Freddie won't come, and you can take him off the list here, which, which really makes it sound like either Freddie knew what was going on and benefited from this plenty anyway, or, or Freddie was paid so much for his part in this that he's the last one who's going to complain. So, like, if you got, uh, if you got quote, cheated for uh, 300000 on the site, but uh, in the process of this whole thing and, and being part of the whole cheating ring, you made uh, millions of dollars, you're not going to say, hey, where's my three hundred k? You're just going to say nothing. So he's saying you can take him off the list right now. So there's some reason he feels Freddie should be off that list. And I, and I, I, I just, even though Freddie's on the list as one of the biggest cheating victims, uh, that could just be because of the chip dumping. So uh, who knows? But he was getting the chips dumped to him, yeah, right? Yeah, he was getting dumped to him, yeah. So I, I don't know what to say here. But even Russ seems surprised about this. But yeah, maybe, maybe Freddie was a victim of the others and they just weren't all in sync here. Right. Really strange. What just for sake of discussion, if 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 we said if, if the business says to Joe, hey, uh, Travis or whatever the story is, is going to personally take responsibility for Freddie D. So therefore, that's that's if, if the business was going to have to pay him fifty thousand, and, and now they don't, that's like getting fifty thousand cash, right? Well, just for sake of discussion, what happens if Freddie D comes back in a year and says, give me money? What should the business say? Why would Freddie Deep come back to you and say in a year? He would come know. back and say he thinks he got cheated or something? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So, so that they're saying now to Russ, uh, you know, whoever you say take off the list, you're going to have to take responsibility for them if they come back in a year and say, hey, I want my money. That whoever we agree we're going to pay right now, that's that's all we're going to pay. The rest is on you. So we would just be like, no, we're not it? getting paid. Speak for us. Have to deal with it. So there might be no one on this list. So is it, I mean, the, the, these numbers that you're talking about here, like, let's, let's just look at, say, uh, Mahatma, okay? Mahatma's probably 360000 Does that mean he lost it to my account or he lost it in the game I was in? Lost it to you. So, yeah, so let's back up and talk about what these numbers are. So, Sandy, you'll, you, you, I want you to, to explain this so that cause you're, the, you're the numbers guy. Well, okay. What the business is, what the business is doing is they're trying to minimize whatever this potential liability is. So if they suspect me of cheating and Dan loses money to you at the table, that doesn't count. What they're, they're only looking at, at, in the hands played throughout a session, net amounts that move between that player and others. So if Dan lost to Sandy, that doesn't count. They're only looking at monies. So that if you're Mahatma, and I'm Neo Neo. And that's Sandy and that's Dan. I'll be off at Monsters. I'm not even playing. I'm just no, no, you're, you're Danny, you're Sandy, and you're, you're um, Mahatma. Right. I'm Neo Neo, and we're playing. And he beat you for 100000 in this session. That, that's not held against you. 
So it's only what I beat you for. Right. Correct. But it doesn't show that I lost to these oh, other yes, two. This is the net. So, so they're discussing here about uh, how the like for the Prahlad account uh, Mahatma, how they determine 360k, and they're saying that uh, the way they determined this was that all the money that went back and forth between Neo Neo, which is under Russ's account that he cheated with, and and Mahatma, which is Prahlad Friedman, uh, all the money that went back and forth that uh, Neo Neo won 360k total, and they're saying that uh, it ignores the other players at the table. And what they want from each other, or what they, you know, they may have won from Prelad. That's only, you know, 360 only was what Neo Neo beat Prelad out of over the time the two played together. Th- that's what they're explaining here. Session. So let me let me. So start. suppose Mahatma shows three hundred thousand. That means look. Let me just say this a different way. Yeah, that's exactly right. Here, here's it's possible that you actually lose there's, to me. Yeah. Look, it's not. There are cases where there are losses. When they know. Say that again, Neil? There are cases where Neil Neil lost money in a session. Yeah. And they know that the audit tool was being used. They want to consider that because that lowers their liability okay. because that player lost money back to, 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 to Okay. When there's a win, it's the they're only looking at the net win for the Neo Neo account. So if 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 Neo Neo broke even in a play session, and during that session where, in fact, that audit account was watching, this player lost 50000 to that player, that doesn't count. It's so only... A place where it can be a, this, um, and, uh, uh, where it can be a multiplier it is your Neo Neo, okay? Let's say you lose 50000 to Greg. Win 50000 from me. Mm-hmm. Those are the only times that we play with it against you mm-hmm. our whole lives. Yeah. In that scenario, exactly. You'd have to repay Greg. But right. You can't get the money back from me. So, so what, what they're saying here is, in the rare cases where someone beat the cheaters, such as like sucking out on them, like like you can still beat the cheaters occasionally. For example, let's say they have a set and you have a flush draw, and you both go all, all in on the you know, on the turn, and then the uh, the player with the flush draw hits. The player with the set did the right thing by, by going all in for a lot of money, and the player who had the flush draw did the wrong thing, you know, at least uh, as far as odds-wise. But if they hit the flush draw, they still win. So even with a cheating tool, unless you can see the cards that are coming, you, you occasionally lose. So he's saying that anyone who happened to win against the cheaters, uh, we can't take the money away from them. So, so that's the only way that this could actually get worse, is that... Uh, you know, anyone who won against the cheaters gets to keep it. Anyone who lost against the cheater gets it back. So that's, that's basically another reason we have to really cut down on what we pay people. This is not a total movement analysis. So, it's, the, the, so the real number win is not as much as it shows there, though. The real number wins way bigger than this because there are many, many sessions where they where there was where where there was winning, but they're not looking at it because they're confident that there wasn't cheating involved. And I'm trying to add sessions to that to that list to make this number even smaller. So he's even saying here that that number is too small. I'm probably referring to uh, Perlot Friedman and other people that he beat, that uh, the numbers are too small. And, and he, Freeberg's saying, well, that's because we've taken a lot of those sessions out where we can claim that they were legitimate. It could be, what your point was, is that it could be, uh, there are scenarios where you could break even, you know, Neo could break even, yet they're still in that box. 
And the, and the reason is that is you can't take back money from some innocent player but, without but, the win from the cheater. Right, but this is but this is thousands of sessions. So the only way that that doesn't get reduced is if there's never another session with that player where that, you know where it goes back and it nets out. I think I'm going to be saying here, don't worry about it too much because you know the cheaters have such a huge edge that even if someone gets super lucky and beats them in a session, if they ever play them again, there's no way it's going to happen a second time. That anybody who plays the cheater multiple times is going to lose, which is true. If I go through here and check people that I think you should pay. So there's that many you think you're just going to take responsibility for? Well, I don't know what you mean by take responsibility. I don't think that the other people on our check will come back and say anything. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, so if they do... It's players that I know that are chatting on, on, out there now, that are active players, that are chatting, that I know are talking, that play and still current, and the other ones I don't think, like... Even though Freddie deems still active, he's not going to say anything anyway. He's not going to come back and say we should. So I'm not trying to say this any differently. I, I, I was there's 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 only there's only two ways to, to to pay it back, right? One is to reduce their liability, i.e., take take responsibility. I'm, I'm confused what you're saying. So you're wanting me to check players, and I'm going to go tell the okay. I owe money. Is that what you want me to tell? No. <laughs> well, I want you to if the, if. If there's a player on here, like Freddie D would be a good example. And he was to come back and say, I want money, or I come back and say an email and I want money, then I'd be responsible for that later. Then what we would say is, uh, we'd say is, no, we don't think so. Uh, okay. Because you know, we incorporate, maybe we could say, you know, we thought it was a suspicious play or something, and then we'd say, talk to us. Right. Why would you say it? talk to us, though? Whatever the message is. Okay. But the point is, so is that... Russ is getting irritated here that uh, if he checks people off his list and says, hey, they're not going to come, I don't think they're going to come, don't pay them, that if somehow they do come, he's responsible for it. He's getting pissed. Even though even though he did most of the cheating himself, and he admits this, he's still annoyed that uh, certain players that he advises them probably won't come asking for money, that he will be the one solely responsible to pay them if they come. That's why he's getting irritated here. The business ends up not. I understand, but tell me what you. Why would you say talk to? What would, what would I don't know. What the, I don't know what the message would be. But if a player in the future okay. came to the business and said, "What the fuck? I'm reading all this stuff in the internet. I, I play with them. I, I have to understand, understand whatever. I, I lost my painting. I understand. Do you have dates on here too, or not? The, this is just a summary. So a summary. Really, new places because I can't see this. Okay, so, so let me take this with me because I just can't do it here. Unless you give me reading you want that? I, I don't want to go out anywhere. I don't want to copy this. Well, what am I going to do wrong with it? What do you think? I want to send it out? No. They, they don't want to give it to Russ to walk out of there with his list and uh, because he can't see it because he's old and needs reading glasses. And so he can't read this list, which is small print, of all the players that lost money and what the totals were. And so he, he's, they're asking him to name some names that they could take off. So he wants to take the list out, and they're saying, no, no, no. And he's saying, what? What are you worried about? I'm going I'm to leak it to people? <laughs> <laughs> lose it. I'm not going to lose it. You're going to lose it, they're saying. But I guess let's first get to this. I guess the primary thing here is that uh, first we're trying, obviously, regardless of where we go, we're trying to minimize this thing to the absolute lowest we can. It's only going to be a large amount of money more money than the business is just willing to fork out. So, is trampoline a, a woman? Apparently. <laughs> For some reason I find that funny. It's like In the middle of this whole serious discussion about how much they're going to pay and who's going to pay it and what Russ is going to be responsible for, like, is trampoline a woman? 
Who is Trampoline? Who's Trampoline that? Trampoline is a high limit player there who, who you know they said lost 177k. Uh, he was one of the loud people regarding the, uh, the UB part of the scandal, kind of the equivalent of what I was on AP. And um, so so Russ was surprised. He didn't know who Trampoline was personally, but uh, he was very surprised that it was a female name on the account. So uh, they discussed this earlier. The, the, the name was like a female something. So he had interacted with, tri- with Trampoline back and forth some about this already. So uh, Russ just out of nowhere, is, is Trampoline a woman? If the name's under a woman, yeah. I don't know. The account name is Linda Foxworth. And I got it now. She must be. Or playing under his wife's name or something. Yeah, trampoline is a male, by the way. So, so one thing that we could do is... Are these all starting with the highest numbers and coming down again? Because I can't, really can't see that. Look, let me just go fix this. So either we don't do this part and we, and, and we look at other ways, um, or we just take a break and I'll run back to the office and... and do I have that electronically now? Okay. So why don't I just go across the street and right. print out just the names, nothing else on it, in, in like 50,000 point font so Russ can read it. Just the names and nothing else on it. I'd like to see what it is on here. Okay. So he's saying he's going to go uh, print it out in bigger fonts so Russ can read it. I do need that, too. I'd like to see that. Okay, I mean, this is actually trimmed down. We've got more stuff. You know, this is just the things that I thought. What else do you have? All sorts of stuff. Is on, you know, like, uh, I don't know what else. It's a big list. So just uh, well, whatever. But those are the. It's just obvious what to select and print, right? I think they have the date that uh, the dates on there. I just get a good glass. It's a lot easier than you run over doing it, isn't it? I mean, got enough here in the in the store upstairs. So anyway. Good point for us to come up and say all right, so, so I'm going to uh, jump a little bit uh, later in the tapes now and t- about Travis McCarr and uh, that he's willing to be named. Tra- uh, actually, it's, it's coming up. You know, I don't have to jump. It's, it's coming up in about a minute and a half. I'll just keep letting it run. <laughs> what is the zipping here? Is Russ whipping out his dick there? <laughs> What is going on here? The book in the server that allows this discovered the server mistake. They've also discovered which account takes advantage of the mistake. And they have times now when this account logged in. So for us to come out and say the ideal look at this account, there's no cheating. Uh, it's going to be tough to sell. Now, on the other hand... So he's saying, uh, we, we can't, you know, this is Friedberg again, we, we, can't, uh, we can't deny this completely. They have too much information already. But, you know, that's, that's the ideal. It's just saying there was no cheating. But uh, we can't do that. But the, here's, here's the best we can do. I think if what, if what we can do is to say, we've studied it. We know that sometimes it was used, sometimes it was not. These are these limited times are the times it was used. These people are being refunded. So, so instead of uh, saying there's no cheating, that there was only some cheating, 
that uh, it was only used sometimes. So uh, Neo Neo was only using it, uh, say, half the time. So everybody else who played against Neo Neo, you lost legitimately. Uh, but sometimes he cheated. So the times he cheated, I'll pay you. Uh, the other times you're not getting paid for what you lost to Neo Neo, even though he used it all the time. And he's saying, so they're basically going to go through and only find the most blatant usages of Neo Neo where there's no way to deny it and, and only pay those, is what he's trying to say the plan is. I got a question. Uh, yeah, now, when, this was all, when this was all said and done, um, how did they, I mean, obviously these guys were saying they wanted to get it down to $5 million. How did it get up to $22 million? Like, who forced it up that high? Did the Kanawakis look at it and say, look, you have to pay this much? Or? Well, here's the problem is nobody knows for sure that was really paid. There's two ways this could have not been paid. Uh, one is that maybe it it got uh, put in the accounts, but a lot of these people didn't claim it, and the company took it back. I, I heard that happened, actually. I heard that uh, whoever didn't claim their money within six months, uh, it just went right back to UB. I think they even mentioned that in the tapes, but I heard this before, forgetting where I heard it. I'm sure there's a lot of people that probably got got their clocks cleaned and were like almost suicidal. And we're just like, I'm never playing poker again. There's just no way this is legit or whatever, and just never, you know. Whatever. Yeah, and 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 it didn't. And the thing, yeah, a lot of people just uh, if they didn't have the same email, everybody supposedly got an email who got a refund. But if they don't have the same email anymore, or uh, one of many other scenarios, they just didn't claim the money. Switched emails is most likely, then. Um, the money just went right back to UB. That's one thing. The second thing is they could have just made up the number of $22 million when it could have been uh, much lower than that. They didn't yeah, give they a list of everybody who got the money back. So you, there's no way to verify this $22 million as being real. So uh, there's a lot of suspicion that this $22 million was what they stated, but wasn't actually what they gave. Right. So it's possible they... I was going to say, it's possible that they just paid out, let's say they put $6 million into UB accounts. Yeah, it's possible they just said, yeah, we paid out $22 million. Yeah, you know? yeah, and uh, and that may have been, right now this is the initial strategizing session. So they didn't have all their final ideas in place here. So it's possible when they thought about this further, they're like, wait a minute. We can just say it's $22 million, uh, pay out a bunch of accounts, not pay out a bunch of others. Uh, take the money back whoever doesn't claim it after six months, and it'll end up being much, much less. And we'll just say it's $22 million and it'll sound good. So here the real number was over 40 We'll say we're giving back 22 In reality, we're giving back much less than 22 and we're going to take back a lot of it that doesn't get claimed. Makes sense. Reports from somebody like McAvoy are going to have to back the story. So, you know, we're going to have to say in there, after we determine... What's the explanation? Uh, this McAvoy thing they're referring to, there was an idea to hire Tom McAvoy to go over the hand histories and uh, and determine, you know, which were cheating and which were, were not. So they were going to probably feed Tom McAvoy only certain hand histories and um, and have him, quote, verify that this was legitimate. I, I don't think this or, ever happened, though. Or bribe him and, um, you know... Bribe them and tell them this is what you're going to say. You yeah, know? Th- that may have been the plan, too. Though, from what I know of Tom McAvoy, he probably wouldn't do that. I don't know yeah, that well. He doesn't seem like that type of but guy. But I, I think, I think he, they were one they, he was one they felt that uh, would probably be trusted and that they, they fed him the right BS that uh, he might go along with it without knowing he was going along with a lie. The person asking the question, and you must have asked the question yourself, for a third party... So he's saying uh, they're trying to say, you know, who do we blame it on here? We can't just say it was a third party. 
meaning like a, we can't say someone hacked in and got an access to the tool. No one's going to buy that. So we we have to come out with a story that that sounds legitimate, but at the same time doesn't implicate any of us. So this is where the man in the red uniform comes in, Travis McCarr. Consultants that had knowledge of the code. Uh, this uh, and he hacked into the system. You're an expert. Hacked into the system, took advantage of this, and say that uh, uh, similar to the last one. Here's what I told. Here's, here's what I told Greg this morning. Travis, do you know Travis, my guy? Travis was willing to say that he did all this for me. He hacked it. Yeah, he hacked it. Uh, Travis is willing to say he did everything. And uh, he told Greg this this morning. So again, Greg was complicit in this whole thing. It's not like Greg was like the Joe Norton type who they kept in the dark. See, the thing is, Russ isn't... It sounds like he's not aware of how much people think he's a scumbag in the poker community. Like, even before all this came out, I mean, he was known to, like, hustle people pretty hard in golf. Daniel Negreanu talked about it, I think, in his blogs. Never mentioned him by name, but described him pretty well. And, like... If it, if it came out that it was his assistant that actually, you know, was the one that hacked in, blah, blah, I mean, it would just be pointed right at him. Yeah, you know? yeah. Th- this was kind of a delusional plan that somehow he could blame it on his assistant given his reputation. That, and what they, were, they said at another point in these tapes, I'm not sure if uh, that's in this little discussion too, but the, I think it is, that uh, Russ is going to present it like, hey, I'm no computer expert. I couldn't have done this. I'm just not knowledgeable enough to do it. Travis is the computer expert. He was the one maintaining my computers. He did it. He had the access because he had the access through me. I had no idea. In fact, I got cheated too. I'm not even going to ask for refunds, but I, I got cheated too. And and uh, Travis did this, and then Travis will come up and go, yeah, yeah, I did it. You caught me. Okay, sorry about that, everybody. Sorry, Russ. Well, you guys caught me. They're like, okay, Travis, you're a bad boy. You're fired, and you're never going to do this again. No one's ever going to do this again. We've closed the hole. Yay, UB. That, that, that was the naive plan on their part. Actually, I, I got something to add. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I'm actually playing a game right now, and I feel like I just got cheated. This guy just called me with 10 high, and he was right. <laughs> I'm not on UB, though. You really got called by 10 high? I got called by, I got called by 10 high. What, was this in our tournament? No, no, no. This oh, is in another in a heads up game. Guy uh, called me with ten high, on a I had a. Was his name Pot Ripper? Uh, his name was not Pot Ripper, but I actually just busted him. So it's all good. With, I once had a guy call me with a, um, with like six high and be right. Just yeah, this like guy what, check this guy check behind the flop, and I had an open ended straight and led into him on the turn. No, no, no. He yeah, I think he checked to me, and I I bet the open ender. I don't know. I led into him on the turn with an open ender, and then I bricked the river and just fired with a with with air. And he called me with ten high. You know, I once had someone call me with three two high, with a nut low. Uh, I still never I, understood that. I've he, had that happen before too. Yeah, some people just lost. get so tilted sometimes that yeah. they'll just call the sea. Yeah, it was like a huge fish, and he actually called me with with a three two high, the the very worst possible hand. It's amazing. Wow. Hey, Travis, do you know Travis, my guy? Travis was willing to say that. He did all this for me. He hacked it. So he he actually is the one that fixed it. It was broken. He actually is the one that, and he's willing to say that he even went as far as to call up Freddie Deeb and say Russ wants you to cash this because he was like he. Everybody knows he does everything for me. He does 
my airline tickets, my schedules. He does my he does everything. So if he wants to call Freddie and say, Freddie, Russ wants to send you some money to cash, or Bonnie, he wants to send you some. So he's willing to say that he did this himself. So he, the only person that he might have to say it to is the KGC. He would. So they're saying he, that Travis is willing to go to the KGC. See, at this point, they're thinking that uh, Travis doesn't have to make a statement to the public. He just has to go to the, the Kawanaki Gaming Commission and satisfy them that he really did it. So Travis is willing to go to the KGC and say that not only did he do the cheating, but he actually called up on Travis. It's just another dumb plan because, I mean, if he just told these guys, oh, yeah, Russ said to do it, Russ said to do it, don't you? wouldn't like you think that they would go to Russ and be like, you know, well, did you, you know, these, this is like hundreds hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars that's getting dumped here. Like, what's going on? Why is this guy, why did you tell this guy whatever? You know what I mean? Like, he would have to answer to that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so exactly. So, so this is a, uh, this is a dumb plan and a, a dumb excuse, but that's what they were thinking of peddling. It never ended up being done, but this is what their plan was at the time. We wouldn't want to say that's the one. No, you don't want to say that to work because they would know who Travis is. Right. A lot of people. Right. So, no, what this is is just that's the explanation for the KGC in Norton. So, they've identified the guy. Uh, I think for the public, it just has to be former consultant to the company, uh, took advantage of a server flaw by hacking in the client, and able to identify exactly when sometimes he played with it, sometimes he played without it. So they're, they're saying, uh, we don't have to say his name, just former consultant of the company. It's amazing how stupid these guys are. That they, they thought the public would buy this. I mean, they never actually did this, but this was their plan at the time. Just say, oh, uh, yeah, a former consultant did this, and sometimes he cheated, sometimes he didn't. Here's the times he cheated, here's your money back when he cheated. Like, no one was going to accept that. That would have never gone over. But uh, that was what they thought they were going to do. And Travis agreed to it. Sometimes he intentionally won, and sometimes he intentionally lost. Very erratic play. But we've been able to identify the times when the tool was up and their net wins. And what you could also say is that the tools were originally set for a 15-minute delay. And he hacked, he it, hacked it to a, a, to a, a real-time. Yeah, real no, can't. I think that's what we do. It, no. was, it was originally, because Andy Duke used it on a 15-minute delay quite a few times. So the, here's the Andy Duke part. That's uh, that's something interesting. Andy Duke used it on the 15-minute delay quite a few times. And this has really been the source of a lot of discussion recently. Uh, now, what they're saying here is that the Audit Monster tool uh, had a 15-minute delay at some point, And that uh, their story was going to be that Travis hacked it and changed it to where he could use it and see everything in real time. Now, of course, that's not really what happened, but uh, that was what they were going to say and what Travis was going to agree occurred. Uh, Russ just said here, dropped the bombshell, that Annie regularly used this on a 15-minute delay. He didn't say why she used it or what she was doing with it, but he said that she did. And she has since confirmed, kind of, that she did. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But that was uh, the clip about Annie. But, uh... In the end, well, but in the end, though, there'd be a refund. So what we were asking you in this exercise is not to say that you're going to pay these people, but to identify the people that you know well enough that you can explain it away to them if they were ever to assert a claim against us. Okay. Like if they were ever to send I understand. An email. I understand. And what you would say is, if when I say talk to us, it wouldn't be that you're involved. It's just that yeah, I founded this thing with Craig. This is what happened. Uh, you know, friends to the company aren't. 
we're not getting, you know, I didn't take any money back, even though I was out of money. And, uh, I mean, that's part of the story. Is that the rest is, they're they're going to say that Russ is going to come out publicly and say, hey, I was owed money. Travis cheated me too, but uh, I'm not taking it back because I'm such a good guy. Because, I mean, you played at these high-stakes tables. So, I mean, this thing has to have ripped you off too. <laughs> so, uh, otherwise, it's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. No one's going to believe it unless Russ lost, too. How, how could everyone else lose except for Russ? So, Russ, you've got to say you lost, too. Unbelievable. And, uh, uh, and we can pick off the story for each what do you, what do you? How do you think this money, if you if it's suppose it's a $5 million, which Greg thinks it could be right around $5 million, if you had to pay the players and give KG, what is it, KG? If we can get it down to 5 I'd be happy. And, and how does the money get paid? Uh, well, it, I mean, we'll convince the business to pay some mm-hmm. straight off the top, just because of the, you know that's it's CAPSA or AP. Are you talking? Don't talk about the business that's running the company right now. Norton's business. AP or EUP? I'm confused. Well, it's combined. Now. It's combined. Okay. Right. You know the operator, the new enterprise. I don't think they're responsible for anything. They're not. But nonetheless, we're going to make it. This is a damage mitigation. Yeah. They're, they're, tr- they're talking now about, uh, hang on a second. I don't think they're responsible for it. I agree. Yeah. So, so, I, so, so what he's saying here is who's going to pay? And they're, they're trying to get uh, Excapsa, uh, the, the, the current ownership group at the time, to pay for some of this. And, and uh, Russ, believe it or not, is saying, hey, how are they responsible? They didn't cheat. And, and and the logic that's being used here, so they're they're trying to see who's who's where the money comes from, is that hey it occurred on their watch, uh, when they bought the company that uh, they, you know, that they incur some of its liabilities and this is some of its liabilities, so uh, they owe some money even though they didn't actually do the cheating. I don't think they're responsible for it. Well, well I, they're not more. No, I don't think Russ really doesn't want them to pay. I think this is again him posturing because he knows he's recording it. Possible. However, they did buy this business. When they bought it, they you always take a risk when you buy a business. Plus, they made money. Here's, on, here's what I feel. They made money off the combined business for a year. So he's saying, look, they they made money uh, on the business. So if they're making money. And also, while they were making money, there was cheating going on. They, they should be responsible, too. That's what uh, the this, this snake uh, Freeberg trying to say. They have. They can pay some of it, just straight up. They can pay some, but here's what I feel. I feel, and I, and I did take this money, and I'm not trying to make it right, Dan, so we've got to get that out of the way right, real quick, okay? Uh, I did you. <laughs> No, we, we wouldn't think Russ Hamilton's a good person here. I, I'm not trying to make it right, Dan. Let's get this out of the way real quick. That, that's one of the best quotes of the whole thing. <laughs> I want to hear that one again. We get that out of the way real quick. I'm not trying to make it right here. How do I get... I'm trying to... It's hard to adjust. If we can get it down to five... I'd be happy. And, then I'd and how does the money get paid? Uh, well, after the company, we're not getting, you know, I didn't take any. 100000 say, I'm going to stay morally responsible. However, they did buy this business. When they bought it, they, you, you always take a risk when you buy a business. Plus, they made money. Here's, on, here's what I feel. They've made money off the combined business for a year. They have. They can pay some of it just straight up. They can pay some, but here's what I feel. 
I feel, and I, and I did take this money, and I'm not trying to make it right, Dan, so we've got to get that out of the way right, real quick, okay? Uh, I did use a lot for stuff that you don't realize on here for the company that was paid for. I, told I mean, you. I mean, I crazy Canuck, up until I quit working four months ago, you can go look at his account. I staked him on every term to wear all the bed gear, and he played all over the country for you guys. I didn't have him out there playing for me. Right. I mean, even Will called me up four months ago. He says, Rush, you quit staking uh, Crazy Canuck. He goes, do you think we should still sponsor him? And I thought, you know, if he's not going to play tournaments, I said, no, I, I wouldn't need to hire him anymore. But I had him up there wearing your stuff. When Freddie Deep, up until the time that you... The yes, other, I know. Yeah, I understand. So there's a lot I of stuff. That this, yeah. There's a lot, of, here's, there's a lot of guys that I gave money to that, that it shows me winning that I actually would send them 100000 and say, I'm going to stake you. Not caring if they want to lose, just to get them to play in the big games. Right. So I would send a, a guy 100000 so, so this is Russ saying uh, he shouldn't be responsible for all that much uh, because a lot of the money he stole through the cheating he gave to other people just to create action at the High Limit Games on UB or to get people wearing UB gear at tournaments that he was just giving the money to play, not even uh, staking them, for, you know, playing for him. So he was trying to say, look, you know, if, if I'm putting this into the company in this way, uh, don't make me pay it, make the company pay. Which, which of course, uh, as China pointed out earlier, there's got to be a, a small percentage of what of the 40 million rest stole that went to these players. For 50, I said 100. I'd send 25 or 20 or 10 or this to a lot of people. So a lot of these numbers is not all numbers that came out cash. Maybe cash, I don't know, maybe 7 million. I don't know. You'd, you'd have to tell me that. I don't know. So that's interesting. He's saying maybe seven million came out through the cheating that he did in cash, but he was saying he only declared five point two to the IRS. I guess, I guess that's the the closest we have to it any kind of admission of tax evasion. But he's totally he's not totally clear there about it. But Bonnie didn't get as much as Greg said here. Cash. Freddie D got the most cash. Also, the Fred and Bonnie together were like five to six. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what that's what I said. Bonnie maybe got, Freddie got the majority of it. I don't know who got it off. Yeah, Freddie Deeb. Freddie Deeb got the majority. Freddie Deeb got the majority of cash that came out. So basically, Fr Freddie was, was the cash out mule there. So yeah. He must have been, he must have had to pay heavy taxes if this was all going right to his bank account. No, because if, if he gave it right to Russ, then you don't have to. He can just, you, you can legally tell the IRS I was a cash out mule. They, they, all they care about is what you keep. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you about this. Uh, I, I, on a poker site I won't name, um, you could get, uh, I, I stupidly signed up with an account that didn't have rake back. And, um, I realized that I was an idiot. I asked them for rake back. They, they gave me the finger. So uh, even though I was an active player there, so I said, screw this. I'm not playing at a disadvantage where everybody else has rake back and I don't. So I, I created an account under my dad's name and, and played as my dad and stopped using my own account and got rake back. Well, uh, Oh, of course, all the cash outs went to my dad, and then my dad, what he would do is he, he would cash out, and you know whatever my dad would deposit of those checks, or got the wires or whatever, he would instantly write to me the same check, and then I would declare that on my taxes, and he wouldn't declare it at all, and it, that's totally legal because my dad didn't make the money. The second my dad got the money, he forwarded it to me, and that wasn't my dad paying me like it wasn't him paying me a salary. If we got called into the IRS, we would both tell the truth that he was just a cash-out mule for me, that I was just playing under his name to get rake back. I, I would tell that to the IRS and be honest about it, and he would too. And, uh, and, and he'd say, look, I didn't play a hand of poker. I've never played a hand of poker in my life, which is also true. 
and uh, and he didn't make that money. It was just under his name, and I had to cash out using his name. And the IRS would be fine with that as long as you know it all made sense. And they would see. They'd see that my dad has never been a poker player. They'd see that I was the poker player. They'd see that uh, I suddenly stopped cashing checks from that company, and I, I suddenly he was. It would be very clear that I, we were all telling the truth, and, and uh, we, we wouldn't owe a penny more in taxes. So uh, I believe it was something like that with Freddie, where he probably just handed it over to Russ, and, uh, and if Freddie was ever questioned by the IRS... Uh, could truthfully say, I handed it all to Russ. Now, I'm sure Freddie got something out of this. It may have been just being staked in all these things that, that Russ staked him and may have been keeping some of it. I don't know. Maybe Fred, Freddie would have been responsible for that money, but uh, uh, that's how it works. Now, yes, the IRS could have seen like mass cash-outs hitting his bank accounts and, and questioned him and audited him, but that's what he'd say at an audit, and provided he gave it all to Russ, uh, he wouldn't be liable. Yeah, but what if what if he cashed out like $20 million? I mean, Russ said he only, you know, he said he only declared 5.2. So, I mean, there was a massive amount of money taken. So, and that guy Friedberg said he only took a couple million. So, I mean, that leaves what? Uh, maybe up to like almost 48 million. I mean, where did that money go? Who cashed it out? If he only declared 5.2, well, that's what, that's what they're be, talking there's about. There's got to be a lot of money, a lot of money that got funneled through to somebody. I somewhere. think it got funneled to these, uh, these companies. Maybe the, the ultimate blackjack tour, maybe, uh, uh, maybe Iovation. I, I think that's where a lot of it went, where it wasn't directly cashed out. That's where I might have just went right into company accounts or something. Yeah, I think something. Like, and also, also, it was mentioned. Yeah, they they paid a lot of UB's expenses. I, I think that's a lot of where it went. That uh, um, you know, instead of uh, taking it out and putting it back in somewhere else, it just went directly somewhere else of something that was affiliated with UB. So, uh, um, anyway, let me let me uh, go on here. By the way, uh, SimpDog claiming I, I committed identity theft. You can't sign up to work with your dad's social security number and claim it as your own. Uh, there's no social security number. These are foreign poker sites. Uh, so it, it doesn't matter. As long as my dad didn't make any money playing there, if, if uh, and it's not identity theft because he knew I was doing it. Yeah, so, it would uh, matter now if he did it on, uh, like, the Vega, the poker that's in Vegas, but yeah. not for these foreign yeah, companies. Yeah, not for these foreign companies. And it was only done to, for me to get rake back. It wasn't done to defraud the IRS or defraud anyone. So, uh, so there's there's no way anybody can get in trouble for this with with taxes. You know, the, the taxes were paid on these, honestly, and that's uh, uh, this is a very common practice. I, I'm one of many people who did this who uh, had to sign up through other people's accounts to get rake back, and, and I don't feel bad about it because it's only fair I get it. If everybody else at the table is getting rake back, and I didn't, just because when I signed up uh, when they first opened, I didn't realize you could get it. Uh, that's that's not unethical at all either. I'm getting the same as everybody else. But anyway, let me let me go on here. Convinced that Carolyn is involved. She's the, not. And only because the entries on all these things. I know. So, and uh, here's the thing with Travis. Travis, Travis would call Carolyn. Travis would call Carolyn and say, "Russ wants you to change your name." Right. Well, and Carolyn would say, "Yeah." yeah. That Paul thinks that Carolyn was involved. Really? Why? And you say why? Because that shows that Scaps is responsible. So, so, so uh, they're talking about Paul Leggett. And that he was uh, claiming that uh, Carolyn Hake was involved in this whole thing, and uh, and that she's trying to claim that so this way X Capsa has to pay more, and uh, Russ is denying this. Because Carolyn worked for Jim. Carolyn was one of Jim's DDs. So. <laughs> so there's Russ's phone ringing. You know what? You know what I always hated. I, I hate when cell phones uh, cause that interference in, in some other electronic device. When uh, and like before it rings, you're 
He's got some great, great ringtones, though. You got to admit. I mean, these things are just like legendary. It sounds like, uh, like an ending to a movie or something, or like. Well, some that, that was a very song. common. That was a very common ringtone. I kind of feel like I'm transported back to the mid 2000s again when I hear that. And yeah. uh, uh, you know, the only time the was good was uh, when I used to have a job, and uh, you know, I had jobs they don't like you taking personal calls and all that, but people would call me on my cell phone. And, uh, you know, I, I, I told people, you know, don't call me at work on my cell phone because it's, you know, I, I don't want my cell phone ringing and I answer and they know it's a personal call. Like, you know, like I, it's going to look bad. Don't do it. So, like, people would still call me on my cell phone. Well, I found a way to stop it from ringing this way without even having to put it on vibrate. It's like it would just sit next to my computer monitor and the phone would go, the, the monitor would suddenly start going like a few seconds before it would ring. So I could answer before the phone actually rang. Nice. Yeah. So that, that, that brings back memories of that. Let's listen to uh, Russ's cell phone ring again here. Hello, Hey, Kenny. I wonder who that is. Uh, I'm in a meeting. Is there Tell me. Tell me. What? Tell me. Tell me. Get above that to say it's wrong. This show is perhaps the problem. I wonder what Russ is being told. I love that. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Johnny. Say that again. I, I'm sorry. I, oh, I, I was Miami. There, there's a problem. Miami John. I had him where you think you're right here. This guy. Like, you know, so it's... No, I know. And no, I get what's going on here. Did you hear that zip? That's Russ zipping the bag so nobody sees that he's recording it. <laughs> Oh, okay. He had to unzip the bag to grab the phone, and it's like, shit, the bag's open. People are going to see him recording everybody. All right. Can you imagine if they caught this in the middle of the meeting? Like, what the hell is that in your bag, Russ? Uh, uh, nothing. No, no, what's it? Oh, my God, you're recording us? Yeah, didn't that guy Friedberg ask him later on on the second tape or something? Uh, this isn't being recorded yeah. or something. <laughs> So Russ is like, Russ starts talking to Johnny, and he's like, oh, wait a minute. The crap, this recording device is sitting right in plain view. So he zipped it up. Well, you've got to understand. I just, you paid some of it. You paid some yourself. You got in trouble, I think, for it. They yelled at you. Greg called me at first and yelled at me. But I spent like 100000 I had to put him on that golf thing on TV with the UB stuff. Let him, I didn't have him wear UB gear. He wore UB. So I spent a lot of this money here on things for people out there. I did. What a nice guy. He spent all this money not for himself, but for UB. Okay. I'm just trying to... Oh, Russ, I'm okay. You. okay. I mean, you helped a lot of people who needed the money with this. And, frankly, I think if you go back far enough, suspicions as to what was sanctioned, what wasn't, is when the company was in real bad shape. It's we won't go back somehow. So we won't. But, uh... uh but anyway, no, the reason that it's not bad for Carolyn is because uh, not, it's not bad for this whole, in the big picture, for Carolyn's name to be brought out there because it shows that his caps is responsible. She was a VP there. Uh, in order to get to his caps' money legally, they almost, they almost have to show fraud because they've gone through this clean bar process. To uh, so so he, I think I'm misunderstood about the Carolyn Hake thing. He's saying that... Uh um, they're suspecting Carolyn's involved and that this is good. It's good if Carolyn is blamed because she's part of a cap set this way that uh, you can legally show they had some kind of fraud and that this way they have to pay. 
you know, this Friedberg's really a snake. He's really trying to, he's not just trying to get the people cheating to pay, he's trying to force ways to, you know, force people who had nothing to do with this, they were involved with the company, you know, for, for the company to pay, to pay and blame it on uh, the company somewhat. What is, what is, what is, I was going to say, what does this guy do now? Is he involved in poker or like, what is his, like, has he just disappeared? No, he is still involved. I'm not sure what he's doing at the moment, but he's definitely someone who should, uh, there's been some talk on 2 plus 2 about seeing to getting him disbarred through this. And uh, this this should really, uh, I mean, this should be done because uh, this guy, there's so much, there's probably the most incriminating against him on this tape of anybody. Either him or Russ, but Russ, everybody knew already. Uh, this Freidberg, I mean, he was the, the the chief architect here of of, of the cover up. I mean, he's the one speaking the most on the whole tape. So the fact that he could still practice law uh, is unbelievable, and that should be stopped if possible. Well, the yeah, that as well. And then but Jim Ryan knew, knew it was there. Didn't know what it had to be useful, but he knew it was there. And he hid that from Yuri. And Jay obviously was told not to tell Yuri about this. Jason went through the entire code base with Yuri. Yuri said the place where it was in the code was in an unusual place. So he's referring to Jason DeHaan, who was one of the early programmers. He actually worked with uh, Jack Bates, who's in our chat right now. And he's saying that Jason uh, you know, went through the code and found the, uh, the place where this was to uh, the cheating code and that this was in a quote unusual place that was hard to find. Someone in the chat are speculating that the person who called Russ was Miami John Cernudo. I don't know if that's true. Anyway, but so yeah, no, so to get to shift responsibility to its NAFSA, which is my short goal, that unfortunately they're the only people who have the money to benefit from this. And the reason that Russ, if this was used to support the props and to increase liquidity, it was in the beginning, Dan. That's what it was. I, mean, sure. I, I don't want to say that in front of me because it's just not right. But why else would it be in real time? Yeah. But I mean, later on, audit function. There's no. And some was. And some. So I think Greg is gone at this point. They're saying I didn't want to say this in front of Greg. So Greg must have left at this point, and I haven't heard his voice in a while. So it seems to be just uh, a Sandy Miller. Uh, Daniel Friedberg and Russ at this point. Anyway, uh, you can listen to the rest yourself. Uh, I, I, there's a few more short clips I want to play from uh, elsewhere in the uh, in this. Let me find the uh, the clips I had here. Um, let me go go here to uh, where Russ Hamilton is claiming that uh, the 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 or sorry that that. Uh, the UB execs were saying that uh, some of the cheating was actually sanctioned in some way to, to help uh, them survive a difficult time period at UB, that, they, uh, that, that it wasn't just Russ doing it on his own, that this was that the company was in full support of this. Helped a lot of people who needed their money with this. And, frankly, I think if you go back far enough, suspicions as to what was sanctioned, what wasn't, is when the company was in the old bad shape. Yeah, so uh, they're saying that, uh, you know, which was sanctioned by, by uh, 
the company, which was Russ on his own, that uh, some some of this was sanctioned by the company when they needed these things that Russ is talking about. Probably uh, players at tournaments wearing UB gear, uh, a lot of people at uh, Aruba, maybe even just operating cash for the company that I know was paid to uh, server bills and stuff was all paid with cheating money. We won't go back somehow. Yeah, so we'll, but uh, uh, but anyway, no. The reason that it's not bad for Carolyn is because uh, not it's not bad for this whole in the big picture for Carolyn's name to be brought out there. Yeah, we we heard that part. A- anyway, um, so something I don't have ready to play, but I also want to talk about here is uh, is Russ was talking about how. The internet sleuths, the people who were, uh, you know, piecing this together on the internet, the players who were cheated, that uh, they have this information, that, uh, but they don't know what they have here. This is when uh, that brainwashed dodo guy, uh, Zoltan Rosa, showed up and, and posted information to 2 plus 2, showing all the different transfers, and, uh, and then disappeared. And it turned out he was extorting money from UB. And uh, and Russ actually paid him for two years to keep it quiet. Uh, that uh, Russ was saying that they don't realize what they have here, referring to the transfers. And what Russ was saying was that uh, you know he doesn't mind so much that uh, that they see the, the cheating here, but that uh, or, or the people involved, but that he doesn't like you know, the transfers are really the big thing. And he never was totally clear about what he meant. But what I believe he meant there. And this is just my interpretation. I can hear from you, China. I wish I had the clip here, but I couldn't find it, and it was hard to get here in all these hours of, of clips. And it definitely wasn't in the first hour we just played. But um, I believe that he was worried that they would find that the transfers, some of them were for, to pay server bills. And he, was, he mentioned that. He mentioned about the transfers and server bills. And I think what he's trying to say by that is that this destroys the whole story. If the story is that Travis did it, if the story is that uh, it wasn't the company sanctioning this, if it wasn't something that goes all the way to the top, that, uh, you know, if it was just a rogue employee like Travis doing it, the server bills wouldn't be paid with the ill-gotten gains. Nobody cheats uh, with unauthorized access that they gain as an employee of a company and then pays the company's bills with it. They keep it for themselves. So if the company's bills were paid with the cheating money, there's no way to explain that. There's absolutely no way to make this look good for UB if it shows that server bills were paid with cheating money. No way. I, I don't care if the best spin doctor in the world. There's no way to explain that. Other yeah, than- but, but the only thing is, um, you know, if he was cheating and he was paying bills at the same time, if that's like what they wanted people to know, I mean, he'd have to keep paying the bills to keep cheating to keep making more money. Right. Oh, no, I know, but I'm saying what I'm saying was Russ was worried about something at the time, that, about what Brainwash Dodo posted on Two Plus Two, and that uh, what he said the people had not yet uncovered, the people on the internet had not yet uncovered by looking at the transfer records, and, and he okay. mentioned the server bills, and I think that's what he was worried about. I think he was worried that once it's uncovered that server bills and other UB expenses were paid with the oh, cheating from money, the cheating, yeah. yeah, that it'll show that UB was totally complicit in this, and in fact was gaining from it. And that okay. the, you know the only one their bills would be paid if they were the ones cheating. They can't blame it on anyone else at this point. They can't just blame it on Travis being a bad dude who acting on his own. So I think that's what Russ was really scared about. So I, I don't have that clip uh, to play, unfortunately. I couldn't find it. I listened to all this actually when I was uh, not at home 
I wasn't by my computer. I listened to all this on my phone. I was able to, you know, briefly come home to, uh, not home, but briefly come to a location I could use my computer to convert this to an MP3, and then I could listen on my phone and also posted it up on the site on Poker Fraud Alert for anyone else to listen to. But I actually listened on my phone, so I, uh, I, I didn't have notes or anything of uh, the points all these interesting things came up. I kind of wish I did. But that was the first hour. And um, uh, I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about Annie Duke here, and then we'll talk about Phil Helmuth and... Uh, Again, I don't have the uh, the clip about Helmuth there, but it's not all that important. It's more important to uh, what Helmuth wrote about it. Let's talk about Annie Duke. Now, uh, the quote that you heard earlier about Annie Duke was, uh, the tools were regularly used for a f- a f- set for a 15-minute delay. Annie Duke used it on a 15-minute delay quite a few times. This came from Russ. You heard that already in one of the clips. Well, Annie Duke obviously had to answer this because she, before that she had said before that uh, she didn't even know there was such a tool to see whole cards. She didn't know about a super user on the site. She just outright lied. There's no way to see whole cards as far as she knew. This is a, a news to her. That was what she said at the time all this happened. Now that it's come out that she used this thing on the 15-minute delay, she had to answer to it. So she made three tweets about the matter. First one was, I had access to the delayed viewing of cards only for a few UB tournament events where I was a radio commentator. And then she she added, this delayed viewing was made public during those broadcasts and is standard practice for World Series of Poker commentators for live events also. She didn't talk about which tools, uh, which tournament she did this for, or what time period it was. I I have a problem with that, because if the tournament is being played and she's broadcasting, wouldn't she be commentating in real time and not on a delay? Because no one else can see the tournament on delay, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think she, I think what she's trying to say here is that the whole tournament was on delay and that uh, that she was commentating what she was seeing as live but was actually 15 minutes delayed, that the whole thing's just uh, 15 minutes shifted in time for her and everyone. So they're hearing her live, but but uh, she's seeing the cards 15 minutes later and everyone's hearing, everyone's seeing... Yeah, but yeah, actually, 15 it, minutes later. It just doesn't make sense, though, because let's say I, I, the, this was going on right now. I open a UB table. It would be in real time. It wouldn't, like, it just wouldn't make sense to, like, if she's speaking as the tournament's being played, like, and somebody's, like, watching it. Yeah, it you, just, that's a good point. It, it wouldn't, it I know doesn't what you're make saying. sense. Yeah, I know what you're saying, because they're not, uh, you're right, because people could just open and watch the tournament on the UB software. This isn't like a, a TV broadcast where they could delay it 15 minutes. Yeah, and she's not going to – it's not like she, someone's going to listen to her and watch a tournament that's 15 minutes ahead of time when she's way behind commentating. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that, but that's right. And uh, and then so she also finished uh, um, with a final tweet saying, sad a few folks making accusations and assumptions without fully appreciating this. This is just typical Annie Duke arrogance. Sad a few folks making accusations and assumptions without fully appreciating this. Like, oh, how dare anyone think that Annie Duke, who made millions of dollars from UB as they cheated everyone, money she never gave back to anybody, uh, how dare they believe that she might have been using this tool when Russ said she was? How dare anyone think this? How dare you make accusations toward the, 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 uh, the wonderful woman, Annie, from such a wonderful family? Oh, and another thing that could possibly um not clear her but um if she supposedly took that loan from russ hamilton for whatever a million or two million and she did use the tool and it's rumored that she didn't pay him back that loan couldn't he have always used that against her yeah he could have uh but but maybe he didn't know 
maybe she uh, she had access to it, uh, and yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe she was cheating also. He didn't know, or maybe there was things that uh, you know if if he exposed her that she could have exposed more about him. Maybe it's better everybody keeps quiet. That's true too. And then there's one other thing: if she did have the tool, let's say. Wouldn't, how could it be on a fifteen-minute delay if everybody lo- if you logged into Audit Monster one or two? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? You see all the cards. Yeah, I don't like understand rusty. that, and that's what nobody understands as how this worked. Like that's a, that's what nobody understands is uh, uh, unless they made some special version of it. Has Travis spoken about that? I don't think Travis had that much knowledge about that. But he's the one that created it, right? Yeah, and and by the way, they. Uh, um, someone asking me in the chat room, uh, did I see the whole cards when I commentated for ESPN three? So I, I did do commentating, commentating for the, uh, um, I think it was the 2009 world series of poker, 10 K limit event. I did live commentating and no, I did not see the whole cards. I would actually have to guess what whole cards they had. And I was actually, uh, proud of myself that I got it right very frequently of, of what they likely had and who was likely going to win the hand just from, uh, the way the betting was going, yeah, sometimes it's obvious in Limit Hold'em, but uh, I actually made some pretty good reads there. In fact, I felt my reads were better watching the game than, than my reads are when I'm playing the game, which be- right. because I take my own emotion out of it. So uh, I, I was really like, wow, you know, if I, if I could, like, see this much with this accuracy of what everyone has just by the way the betting goes, I, I bet I'd win a lot more money. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard to do when you're uh, you're actually the one whose money is at stake, and we, you know you're the one who's playing. But uh, any, but no, I I couldn't see any whole cards. Uh, but uh, uh, now, at one point during the recording, um, uh, Russ Hamilton said she even had a copy of it with a five minute delay. So this is really weird. Maybe they made special versions of it for uh, people like Annie Duke, but. Um, Uh, what's uh what's interesting here is that um, Annie Duke's boyfriend, I think his name is Joe Reitman. Yeah, I won, sent him a tweet the other day. Won a tournament for like a million dollars, and he was not a good poker player. It wasn't like Annie, who's a, an experienced player. Uh, he he was not a poker player, and he won a tournament, a very tough tournament, like a a one k buy in uh, Sunday tournament. And uh, and she was commentating on it, so people were saying, "Hmm, was she feeding him any information? Maybe she had it real time and found a way to feed him information." But uh, others are saying it's probably not true because uh, she actually was making comments during it, like, "Oh, if I was such and such person, if I was the person, uh, I think he played under like the name like H Humbert." Right. And she used to say, "Well, if I was H Humbert, I would do this here." Uh, and she, what was also stupid is she didn't acknowledge this as her boyfriend. She's like, well, you know, who knows who those two players are? They could be anyone. Right. So that was, that was very dishonest right there. But on the other hand, uh, they said that a lot of times she gave advice to H. Humbert through the commentating that he didn't do what she said. That, which, which again, questions the whole 15 minute delay thing. Like uh, she probably was commentating live, but then why would you ever need to see the whole cards 15 minutes after that? How could she even pay attention Right. If it's on a fifteen minute delay. Like it doesn't it, it totally doesn't make sense. So but but people who were watching said that uh he didn't seem to follow the advice she would give of like if I were H Humbert I would do this which was even either intentional. Maybe because maybe because he had the audit monster on himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, people were saying that's very suspicious. I guess that's possible. Like maybe maybe he was using it himself and she he didn't I mean, need they- her. 
somebody posted that she showed up like an hour late or two hours late or something to yeah right to that broadcast and she, she said she was in traffic and that guy had a monstrous chips chip leader right something. right that that was what was suspicious about it uh, one thing that that she showed up late and people assumed either she was just playing on his account and just gave it to him at the last minute when uh, he had such a huge stack it was hard to lose or that uh, she was using the cheating tool to uh you know, rack up this big stack under his account, but I, yeah, I think at the very too, least, too it's, many coincidences. I think at the very least is that that she was probably playing on the account or sitting right next to him and telling him what to do. I, I don't believe she got caught in traffic for the for that one time she's commentating when uh, when it's her boyfriend who's playing for a million dollars. So, uh, I mean, I, she could have purposely been she, she could have been sitting right next to him the whole time, purposely saying, "Well, he should do this," and then he does makes the right move and does the opposite thing. So it would almost clear her because she's saying the opposite thing online while the guy's sitting there reading the whole cards. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ways that they could have been done. Yeah, it could, it could have sure. been. It could have even been like if I, I'm going to advise you do this, and uh, if I use this word in it, then don't do it. Like something like that, or uh, or every other time I'm going to give you the right something like something where she gets it to him that uh, there's some kind of code whether he follows her advice yeah. or doesn't. Like there's a lot of ways it's... you can do this. It's just too sketchy because, I mean, this guy had never played tournaments before. This guy's an actor. I mean, sure, donks win tournaments all the time, but not, you know, I mean, she's connected to the company. She had access to a tool, whether it was on a delay or not, we don't know. But this guy just jumps in and dominates and wins a 1K tournament his first time. Possible, but, I mean, there's just too many coincidences. For, there is. Um, there, there is something to suspect with this because you know, this is a hard tournament. This these this is not like a 1K document at the World Series where you get a lot of donks. The, the, this is a, a tough event though those 1k type events on on uh online you were against a lot of really good tournament kids like just right. people who have all the you know they, they have the the hud there with all the different stats just people with a, an amazing amount of experience in these tournaments and and sure someone who's not good can get lucky and win but the fact that it was annie's boyfriend and she showed up so late and she had access to this tool on 15 minute delay uh and she admits that much that all makes it very questionable. So uh, I have to agree that this is uh, something that can never be proven, probably, but uh, something to definitely be suspicious of. And I if think she's so innocent, she should take a lie detector and clear herself. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'll, see I'll, that. I'll ask her if I if she shows up for uh, the World Series of Poker. It'll be interesting to see. She'll probably show up. Why well, she sat I next guess. to me? It's too bad this isn't last year. She she sat next to me at the five k limit event, and and, and uh, she busted twenty first, and uh, I, I got a good laugh out of that. I took a lot of her chips, but then the final laugh was on me because I bubbled at nineteenth. But uh, uh, anyway, I, I considered hassling her about the UB stuff, but um, I, I just wasn't in the mood because I was so close to the bubble, and you know it was a big tournament. And it's not just the bubble; it's not like a bubble where like seven hundred people cash. It's like a bubble where 18 people cash. I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll win another limit bracelet. I was all excited, and I didn't want to add stress to this by hassling Annie Duke. If it was like earlier in the tournament, I would have said something. But uh, yeah, maybe if I see her this year, I'll I'll say something like, uh, you know, can you take a lie detector test for the community about this uh, audit monster thing? If, if if the community pays, and see what she says. She, I'm sure she'll say no. But uh, anyway, um, let me. Uh, so that, that's Annie Duke. Let me read Phil Helmuth's statement now. Phil Helmuth, uh, on this these tapes, was uh, said to be in the dark, that he didn't know what was going on. 
And and I believe that. I, I don't think Phil cheated. Uh, I, I, I believe when they say that he didn't know everything that was happening. But there, there's a lot more to it than that. And I'm going to read his statement here. Let me... Uh, let me get to this here. And where is this? Here's Phil Helmy's statement. He had to say something after this. I've made a living off reading people at the poker table and in the business world. Trusting my gut has always allowed me to be at the top of my profession and develop a lifetime of friends and great experiences. By the way, a great friend of his is Greg Pearson. Unfortunately, I made a horrible read regarding my relationship with the founders of the now-defunct online poker site Ultimate Bet. I trusted their team and believed in their ability to run a first-class website and business. Most importantly, I allowed them to convince me that they were honest and forthright. I've never been more wrong about anything in my life. When I became aware of the cheating scandal, I immediately assist- insisted that everyone be paid back and whoever was responsible be banished from the company. At the time, I was led to believe that if I left UB right away, the business would be impacted and then less likely to pay its obligations to the victims. As such, I made the decision to believe the leaders of UB and stayed on in the hopes that they would make right to anyone cheated. Now, before I continue, let me tell you the big problem with that. The big problem with that is UB finished paying everyone years before Phil left. So why did Phil stay after everybody supposedly got paid and every, everything was satisfied? Now, of course, not, people didn't get paid the right amount and hand histories were missing, blah, blah, blah. And we know from hearing these tapes that they were finding whatever ways they could to underpay people and did. But putting that aside, it was publicly stated and, and apparently endorsed by Phil that everyone had been paid back and made whole. And this was a long time ago. So why did Phil only recently leave UB? Why did he leave UB only at the beginning of 2011? When when the payments went out way, way before that. Why stay at that point? Why not say, okay, well, everybody got paid. Well, now I'm disassociating with my, myself with the site, especially now that it's clear that they are underpaying everybody. Now, you can't think that, that Phil was totally in the dark about this because people tried to tell him the truth. People communicated to Phil, including Daniel Negreanu, who's his friend. Daniel Negreanu has been a very uh, anti-UB person. Partially because Annie Duke uh, was one of the faces of UB, and he's always hated Annie. And, And partially just because he's always felt UB was shady. So Daniel has always spoken out against UB. And uh, I'm sure Daniel has had discussions with Phil about uh, UB not paying people uh, properly. I'm sure others have told Phil the suspicions. I tried to tell Phil myself when I played with him in 2009 on TV. Uh, I, I had personal conversations with him. Phil stayed on there. I don't think Phil cheated anyone. But I don't think Phil really wanted to know. I think Phil wanted to know the minimum so he could continue both reaping the benefits of his ownership of the site and uh, and also being able to look at himself in the mirror at night and thinking that he's not supporting a cheating site. Sometimes it's better you don't know. I, I don't think that's the ethical way to handle things, but for some people they feel if they if they don't know, then they can't blame themselves. Right. So I think that's what Phil was doing. And uh, there's no way. Why would he stay until 2011 
paycheck. Yeah, and, and by the way, uh, someone brought up in the chat, wasn't Greg Pearson supporting Helmuth on the rail of the recent uh, World Series of Poker one-drop tournament? Yes, he was. He and Pearson are great friends. They tried to cover that up. But um, uh, Greg Pearson and, and, and Helmuth remained friends for so long, despite all the evidence that was out there at the time, not as much as we have now, that Pearson was involved in this whole thing. And I, and I bet they're still friends. I, I bet that uh, Greg didn't call Pearson and go, Oh my God, Greg. How could you have lied to me all this time? Our friendship is a lie, Greg. I, I don't want to ever talk to you again. I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure that never happened. And he didn't say in the statement, like, you know, I was betrayed by these people. I won't ever speak to them again. He didn't say that. Uh, I don't think Pearson will be showing up to rail Greg anytime soon at World Series events. I'm sure the kibosh has been put on that. But uh, uh, th- this is not a truthful statement by Phil. Let me Let me go on and read the rest of it. Um, listening to the recently released audio tapes of the UB founders has brought the situation back into the forefront of my thoughts to hear them discussing this situation and actively deciding to keep me in the dark disgusts and infuriates me they lied to me about their activities and I made a big mistake in trusting them for way too long it disgusts and infuriates him so so once again Phil Helmuth is the victim he always makes it about himself so it disgusts and infuriates him. Not that they cheated everyone, but that they kept him in the dark about it. If only they told him. Yeah, like they're just going to come out and tell him, yeah, this happened, that happened. I mean. Yeah, so so I should have said something about this long ago. Right, you should have. That's the only part of this I agree with. Uh, but until I heard the voices on the tapes myself, I never really knew how wrong and misled I really was. More like until I heard the voices here, I could no longer deny how involved Greg Pearson and the others were while I stood by and collected money while everybody was cheated. I empathize deeply with the players who were taken advantage of through UB, though not enough to pay anyone back. Whether whether it is this or Black Friday, too many of my fellow poker players have lost confidence and their financial savings simply by playing the game they love. That's exactly true, uh, Phil. You made all this money while everyone else got cheated. You made a fortune while everyone else had their livelihoods taken away. Their financial savings were zeroed. That was the case for many people, thanks to your company. The company that you continue to support, you continue to be the face of this company for years, for three years after this scandal. And people deposited money on because they thought you were cool. Because everyone loves Phil Helmuth on TV. Even though you're a whiner on TV and uh, you know make an ass of yourself, people like that. You're entertaining, so people are a big fan of you and your eleven bracelets. Deposited onto UB, and then when Black Friday hit, UB had stolen all the money the same way Full Tilt did, and that was that. And you never cared that uh, the same owners were there at UB as when the cheating occurred. Scott Tom and friends from AP were still there. You didn't care about that. You just closed your eyes and you ignored all the reports. Collected your money, got out at just the right time, and only now, when these tapes come out proving what scumbags you were working with, uh, you make a statement and, and hope it will paint you as the victim, since it was said that you didn't know what was going on. Anyway, this is what he says at the end. I hope in the near future we have a strong, regulated online poker environment in the U.S. so that we can all get back to playing the game we love. In the meantime, I would like to pass along my support to everyone affected negatively through UB, but not his financial support, 
And my apologies for my initial support of people who didn't deserve anyone's trust in the first place. So we get his apologies. And, and people also think that he's making this public statement so uh, he can clear the way to become the face of one of the new Nevada online poker sites, like maybe the Caesars one for WorldSeriesOfPoker.com. So that's uh, that's Phil's statement, and really full of crap. And, uh, it... and, and, and I was going to say another thing I don't get about the Helmuth and the Booth thing. I mean, it seemed like Booth like knew something big, and he was holding it over Helmuth. Uh, what do you make about all that stuff? I, I think Booth may have been bluffing. You know, Booth obviously is kind of shady himself and uh, rolled people himself. And I think Booth. Uh, yeah, Booth is friends with Scott Bell, Eleven Grover, who's doing that documentary, which uh, you know he's going to have to edit again. It's been long delayed because new information keeps coming out. But um, I know Booth was uh, heavily involved with that, and he was friends with Scott Bell. And uh, I know Scott Bell has been long saying that Phil has been uh, not totally forthcoming about everything with his relationship with, with Greg Pearson, with Ultimate Bet, with Iovation. And um, I, I think that Scott Bell probably told Booth some things that he figured he could use against Helmuth. And that's what the blackmail was about. That's just my guess. I don't think that Booth knew any kind of real bombshell. And and Phil apparently wasn't too scared because he didn't, uh, he didn't really react to it. And, uh, and there's also some speculation that this statement wasn't even written by Phil himself, that was written by his agent. Because they say it doesn't really match Phil's speaking or writing style, that it appears to be uh, Brian Ballsbaugh. Yeah, Brian Ballsbaugh, who's uh, more used to writing public statements like this for his clients, which is probably yeah, he, prob- he probably wrote it and said, look at this. Does this look good? Sure. Alright. Yeah. Send this out. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, that's 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 Phil's part of this, and you know, I I do believe that he didn't know the cheating was going on, and he wasn't really part of the active cover up. But but he can't just continue collecting money as part of the site as the face of the site till 2011 and say that uh, he's not at fault here in any way. He right. the information was right there for him. There's enough information at the time to where he should have walked. And if he wants to say, well, I've got to stay to make sure the whole company doesn't collapse for everyone to get paid, fine. Then leave the second everyone gets paid. But he took years to leave after that. But what, what do you make about what Mike Schneider said about the heads-up match with Phil Helmuth? Anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me let me bring that up. That's a good point. Uh, Mike Schneider, also known as Schneids, uh, he won the Party Poker Million in 2006. Uh, also a respected limit cash player from Minnesota. Uh, he said that Phil Helmuth was on AP and was on his own account called Phil Helmuth and was asking for people to come over UB and play him Limit there. And that... Uh, but was he Phil Helmuth on yes, he uh, was. AP? He was, okay. yes. So, and, and that uh, Schneider took him up on it because uh, Phil isn't that great of a Limit Hold'em player. I've played him before and he's really just not that good. So um, Schneider took him up on it and Schneider in a normal game would have the edge because Schneider's a very good player and uh, Phil Helmuth in, in Limit Hold'em isn't. They went and played on UB, and Schneider got crushed. And, and 300-600. Yeah, 300-600, and got crushed and, and quit. Well, um, now that all this has come out, he's saying, hmm, this is interesting. What if Phil was cheating? 
and, and maybe Phil only had the access to cheat over on UB, maybe on AP that had been closed by then. And uh, and that's why he was asking people to come to UB and play. Why not just play on AP? Why, why have him move over? Well, since then, some other stories have come out that uh, Phil Helmuth was in a tournament somewhere, a live tournament, and that while he was playing the live tournament, Phil Helmuth was on AP playing some low-limit game. And someone jokingly went up to Phil and said, Hey, man, I just I just played you five minutes ago online. And uh, anyway, it seems pretty likely that Phil's account was used by other people. And that's what I think happened. I think that uh, several people had access to the Phil Helmuth account on AP, maybe even on UB. Maybe even, uh, you know, especially for the low-limit games, maybe they had something going where Phil was, uh, you know, he was supposed to play on the site just as uh, a way to attract players and have people think it's cool they could play with Phil Helmuth. But for the lower limit games, they had someone play as him, almost like a ghostwriter version of uh, of poker playing. Right. So you know, put some no name player on Phil's account at uh, at three dollars, six dollars. Everyone thinks they're playing with the great Phil Helmuth. In reality, it's some nobody. But who cares? They'll never know. And and you know, I, I believe it's the real Phil playing at three hundred, six hundred. But I, right. I think if if Schneider was cheated, that it probably was someone like Russ who was on Phil's account and got and and baited Schneider that way. Right. Yeah, because Phil would have never known that the tool was on. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think it was just someone on Phil's account. I, I believe Schneider got cheated there. I think the whole story is very suspicious of, "Hey, come play me on AP," and then gets crushed. But uh, right. I, I think it was probably not Phil himself, and Phil probably right. didn't even know about it. That's that's my right. Because if he really, would, I think the the highest game on AP was what like a one fifty three hundred or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But but uh, but yeah, they could have played that easily. They didn't have to go there to. But, yeah, they could. They could have played. I mean, Phil I, could have gotten I, chips I, easily for that. I, yeah, and I and I don't think that I I just don't think that whoever was doing it had the ability to cheat on AP at the time. So it was probably uh, someone who needed him to come to UB to play, and using Phil's account and and maybe they did it knowing that people like to play Phil, and it's a lot easier to get someone to go play Phil on on UB where people say, oh, I know Phil, yeah, and I, yeah, and he's kind of a limit donkey. Rather than uh, if just some random comes over and says, "Hey, play me on UB," they'll say, "Oh, it's probably just some great heads-up player who's trying to get action." Right. So, uh, so uh, th- that's that's what I think here. Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five is the phone number. Make sure to show your caller ID before you call in. Seven zero two four three zero eighteen zero eight. If you want to call, I see some people in the chat room asking for the phone number, so that's uh, that's the number if you want it. So uh, that's that's pretty much what's going on here uh, with, with that scandal. We've spent a lot of time talking about uh, this particular part. I knew we would. Uh, we didn't quite get to six hours, but a uh, long time. Let's see if there's anything else I, I want to say. I think I think I've said most of uh, what I've wanted to about this. And uh, so let's let's move on here. And, and by the way, just very quickly about the something I want to say about the IRS. Let's let's say you believe that uh, you could get Russ in trouble with the IRS and you've heard about this uh, program where the IRS gives you some percentage of whatever they recover in back taxes of people who cheated on their taxes. You say, hey, why don't I just report Russ and uh, both he'll get in trouble and maybe I'll get money if they uh, end up busting him for based on my tip. Well, don't bother. I'll tell you why. The IRS is very specific about these type of reports that they you know, have people make. Because what the IRS is afraid of is that people are going to uh, both 
make speculative reports just to get back at people they don't like, and try to make free roll reports where they just report as many people as possible that they think could possibly be cheating on their taxes, hope one of these many reports goes through and turns out to be true and proven, and then they make money. So think about it. Let's say you knew 100 people that you thought might be cheating on their taxes. You could just report all 100 people to the IRS, and even if one gets busted for it out of the 100, you get a paycheck. So why not? Now, of course, the IRS would have wasted their time investigating 99 people who are innocent, but, uh, you know, who cares? That's not your time. It's not your money. You get paid. So the IRS knows people will do this. They know that people will do this for money. They know that people will do this to get back at ex-spouses or ex-employers that they're mad at. So in order to prevent this sort of free-rolling or revenge tactics, uh, the, the IRS requires very specific information. So, for example, you can't go to the IRS and say, yeah, I think my boss is cheating on his taxes. You can't say, I think my ex-wife was cheating on her taxes. Why? Oh, I just think that. I, I heard him talking about it sometime. Or, or, you know, or one of other pieces of circumstantial evidence that really mean nothing. They need concrete evidence that this person was cheating on their taxes. They need you to send uh, documentation that shows for sure they made this much, they declared this much. Whatever. You can't just say you heard this, heard them talking about it. It can't be hearsay. can't be suspicions. can't be, oh, I, I saw them driving a new car, there's no way they can afford. That doesn't qualify. Even if the IRS does investigate them, you don't get the money because your tip is not a concrete tip. And they do this again to prevent free rolling, and I understand it. Otherwise, everyone would just report everyone and just hope to get lucky. So... Uh, the problem with these rust tapes for the IRS purposes is he doesn't say, I took out $40 million cash and I declared only $5, five million. He says I declared $5.2 million on my taxes of online poker winnings. He doesn't really say what happened to the rest other than an overstatement that he sunk most of this back into UB the company, which would mean that maybe UB could be said to have cheated on their taxes, but of course they're not an American company, so it wouldn't matter. But uh, Russ himself would not be responsible for that if he just funneled it back into the company and didn't get anything for it in return. So uh, that's the problem. There's just not enough proof on these tapes that he cheated on his taxes. They might look into it, though. They might. They might. But uh, and I'm I mean, not they saying... could just simply look at his bank accounts and say, whoa, you know, you got 14 million in, with... 14 million in wires here. Like... But I think that's what he declared. I think he probably declared the 5.2. I think he, he declared accurately what he got in cash and the rest... Uh, all these, like for example, let's say he got uh, stock in Iovation or, or, or whatever, uh, he can claim that was just given to him by, uh, uh, or, or that he, he he was instrumental in the in the founding of the company, so he just got it from being, you know, it wasn't given that he he kind of earned it. He, uh, uh, he he was just there from the ground floor, and he got you know he got the stock that way, he got the shares that way. So uh, you know he could do this to get around any kind of tax evasion. Um, and it'd be very hard to prove. I'm not saying that it couldn't be proven. I'm just saying that anyone who thinks they're going to present these tapes to the IRS and they're going to listen to five hours of this and come up with the yes, rush cheated on their ta- on his taxes and then award someone thirty percent is never going to happen that way. It's absolutely never going to happen that way. Right. So, uh, and also, I'm not sure how much he has left. I've heard rumors that he doesn't have uh, money and he doesn't have a stock anymore either. As as was uh, said in the chat by uh, Jack Bates, tilted plastician, or sorry, tilted uh, uh He said. Uh, uh, he had to forfeit his stock, no gain, no tax. It's true. He had to. Russ forfeited his stock in Iovation as part of the settlement for the cheating. 
So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still getting underhanded payments and just forfeited it, like whatever you know. People think that, but yeah. Well, he did have to forfeit some. He did, you know, he did personally gain from a lot of it, and uh, you know, they did want him to pay back a lot of it. But he did do a lot of the cheating personally and, and gained a lot from it personally. So if he, it, so anyway, um, you know, three ounce, three ounce Bacardi, who got banned on two plus two, by the way, is now over here on Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, said, uh, let's not decide what is enough or not enough to pr- prove for the IRS. Uh, just give them the tapes and let them decide. I hate to tell you, but they're never going to listen to these tapes. The only way you can give it to the IRS and have them do anything is if you make a highlight reel that just includes Russ Hamilton talking about the very relevant parts and then also give them a second tape that has everything so they can see you're not taking them out of context. That's the only way. There's no way they're going to listen to five hours of this tape with different voices that are sometimes hard to deduce who's who and and figure this all out. There's no way. They they don't have time for this. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already been investigated or audited. I mean, just based alone on the 60 minutes thing, you know? You know, you'd think that, but you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Uh, sometimes the most obvious things for the IRS are not done. Uh, sometimes the things they shouldn't be doing, they, they do. So yeah. it's uh, that's the way the government works. So um, a- anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I I hope that something occurs, but if the IRS is going to do anything, it would have to be handed to them on a silver platter with something that's very clear, very concise, and very easy to understand. If they have to figure out anything from long tapes, they're not going to do crap. I guarantee you that. So uh, let me, uh, you know, the, the truth is, with, that's the truth with any kind of uh, report you make to any kind of... Uh, Bureau like the IRS or any kind of regulatory body or any kind of uh, law enforcement body. If it's a major, major case, they'll do the very in-depth investigation on their own. If it's a murder case, major drug case, uh, major, major embezzlement case, whatever. But, But things like this, you have to do the work for them. And you need to present it in a way where it's not going to use up a lot of their time to understand. You have to do the work yourself. You have to do their job for them and, and hand them pretty much everything and say, here, I've done everything for you, take it and run with it. Otherwise, it's not going to be done. And, and people from watching TV see uh, TV cops just uh, you know, figure out everything and they think that's the way it works. They think you, you bring a, a crime over to the police and then they're going to leave no stone unturned to figure everything out, but that's not the way it works. They have limited resources. They just don't have time for every little thing. And this doesn't seem like a small crime involving $40 million, but unfortunately, because it's an offshore gambling site, that's the way it's seen. Oh, yeah. And one more thing I wanted to touch on on the uh, that Hamilton said on those tapes was when they brought up the um, the hand histories or whatever, he's like, they can take a look at those hand histories as much as they want. There's nothing on there. All those hands were played correct. Oh and yeah, yeah. Look- Let me. Get, in fact, I think I have. I know which spot this is in. Let me try to get to that point. He's uh, this is near the very beginning of the tape where he talks about how there's no folding kings against aces, no set over set folding, and that that you know he's trying to say here, don't worry about it. There's no way to figure this out. Let me let me see if we can find this part here. And the, and the, and the best part about it, and then I look on two plus two and I see the uh, the graph, and he was winning 155 big blinds yeah. 100, per hundred. <laughs> Russ is very delusional about a lot of this stuff. What, that kind of thing. And you can correct whatever is whatever's not right to make sure we're on the same page and then add whatever new stuff that's happening. So um, I explained to Russ and Sandy that that 
very few people know exactly what's going on. He's so he's supposed to call me later. Let me make that call right now. He's supposed to call me later. Let me make that. I, I can't find it. That's, that's not worth it. But yeah, yeah, he was saying, you know, I, I don't know what the problem is. You know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't folding kings against aces. wasn't set over set. wasn't uh, flush against flush like that. None of those folds were happening here. So this, there's nothing. That, there's no proof here. Right. The odds of that being real, I think they said, were the same as hitting the Powerball three days in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, I mean, really, Russ and the rest of them, they really had no idea how to cheat uh, without getting caught. And it's amazing that no one, they, they really just underestimated the intelligence of the community. And right. I, I don't see, the amazing thing was they kept doing it even after the AP thing happened. You think after the AP thing happened, they're like, oh, wow, these people are pretty smart. We better not keep doing this. No, no, they they kept doing it. They did it the right. same way. And then people were like, hey, this Neo Neo is doing just like what Grey Cat did on AP. Right. And that it, it one other thing on Freddie Deeb too. He took a phone call from Freddie Deeb and Freddie Deeb was looking through the forums for him to see what was getting posted. I mean, that that almost uh points a lot of guilt at him that he knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was combing through the you know, he's like, "Freddie, what's up there today?" you know, like, "What's on the what's on the forums?" and Yeah, I think the I explanation know. could be like that Freddie was just learning about it then. That Freddie was just discovering it at this point that what was going right. on but at the time didn't know why he was transferring the money i i have mixed feelings on freddie i don't know if he's uh if he did it or if he was getting i think at the very least freddie was getting a lot of benefit for doing all these transfers he wasn't just doing it to, to help out his friend and be nice i think he was getting a lot of benefit financially from doing all these transfers and cash outs and, and uh maybe he didn't want to know and didn't ask questions or, or maybe he did know maybe Russ told him you know yeah i'm, I'm uh, using this tool maybe even Russ let him use the tool We'll, we'll, we don't know yet. Maybe one day we'll find out. Uh, so let, let me move on to a different subject here. And by the way, the Powerball is apparently up to four seventy-five million. So maybe Russ can hit that. Maybe Neo Neo should play. Yeah. The Powerball missed. And uh, so let's. Uh, by the way, people are asking for updates on Jsip. Don't have any. Sorry. Maybe Brandon will come back at some point and give one. But I, I don't have an update. I actually asked Brandon recently. I said, you know, at least come on and. Uh, Give an update about Jason, and he's, he said he'll do it soon. Yeah, I don't think they prob- there probably isn't an update. I mean, the only way you're going to get an update really is if he gets arrested, unless the uh, you know unless law enforcement contacted Brandon and said, "Look, there's nothing here," you know. So, yeah. but I think if they did that, he probably would have made a post or something. Yeah, just no, so no, that, that hasn't stop happened speculating. yet. Speculating, I definitely would have heard about that if that happened. So, right. let me talk about uh, lock poker. I'm not going to have the uh, hours-long discussion like I did last week. But uh, that got pushed to the background. Some of you might remember, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, there was uh, a scandal in Washington, D.C. in 2001 where a congressman named Gary Condit was having an affair with his intern named Chandra Levy, a much younger girl, and he was married too. Uh, And Chandra disappeared and turned out uh, they found her body later, and she was murdered. Well, there's, of course, some suspicion that uh, Gary Condit had her killed for some reason. You know, maybe he didn't want it to get out, that he was having an affair, whatever. He denied it. Now, it turned out, uh, most likely, Gary Condit was innocent. They found nothing to link him to it. They found someone who was probably guilty of, of, of the murder, who had attacked other women in the park in the past. But... Uh, 
Gary Condit was a big story back in around you know, August, September 2001. Everybody wanted to talk about Gary Condit and, and Tron's leaving, and uh, he must have hated it turning on the news every day, and all they're doing is talking about him and how he might be guilty of murder. And then the planes hit the towers on September 11, 2001. And all of a sudden, nobody ever talked about Gary Condit again. It was all done. Because who wants to talk about Gary Condit when America has just been attacked by terrorists and 3,000 people have died? And the Twin Towers have fallen. So, we kind of had a, a Twin Towers of our own here in poker. With these UB tapes. Because everyone was talking about lock poker. That was the big story. But it really got derailed. By this. UB thing. And the tapes being released. So uh, that really took the wind. Out of the sail of the. Lock poker story. And the lock poker scandal. That was becoming rapidly more public. Which is really too bad because it should have stayed in the public eye. I have to admit, even I'm guilty of that to some degree because I, I dropped my focus on Locke and started focusing on UB. But I don't want this show to be guilty of it. So uh, what I will do on this show, first I want to mention that some people started getting paid on Locke. But I predicted this would happen. It's not like I'm shocked by this. It's a little earlier than I expected, but, but it's the same thing. I, I didn't say no one will ever get paid on Locke ever again. I knew that Locke was holding off on paying anyone so they could gather some money together, most likely from deposits. You know, if you're getting deposits into your site and you're not paying anything out, you're going to start accumulating money. So I knew if they waited long enough, they would accumulate enough money to start paying some back withdrawals that had been waiting to be paid. And sure enough, people started to get paid. But that doesn't mean everything's better. It doesn't mean the company's healthy. It doesn't mean you should play there again. It doesn't mean you should trust them. And it doesn't mean that they have our money. It just means that they temporarily paid everybody. If you don't believe me, let's think about Full Tilt. After Black Friday, people were playing on there. And uh, people meaning non-U.S. players. And they were getting paid. Full Tilt was paying people. And that's why uh, it was so frustrating when it turned out that they were broke and they had like 2% of the player money on hand. They had like $6 million on hand and owed $300 million to the players. So they had just enough to process the cash outs, but in reality they had stolen 98% of the money. So if that happened on full tilt and they were able to pay people on time, think about Locke who can't pay people on time and has to make all these excuses to cancel people's cash outs. Full Tilt was able to pay when they had 2% of the money on hand. Locke can't pay anyone for over a month. So that means they probably have less than 2% of the money on hand. So that's that's definitely bad news. Don't don't think that people getting paid is, is the sign everything is back to normal. It's, it's right. uh, Full Tilt. They weren't back to normal. They they had stolen 98% of the money. Yeah, the the one the one damning thing about Locke paying, and of course, I mean everybody's saying, well, if you you know look at all these other sites, Merge, um, ACR, they're all paying rest of the world. So of course they stall for three weeks, and what do they do? They go and they pay rest of the world players like some of the cash outs, just so everybody you know maybe people would say, oh look, they're paying rest of the world, so they must be good. But at the same time, I mean this dope Shane's posting, we're focusing on. Uh, rest of the world first, and then we'll move on to Money Booker. I mean, on to Western Union, and then checks. 
which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's just basically admitting you don't have the money yeah. or the support to figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, uh, so, so Jennifer Larson had this uh, softball interview with with Gambling Nine One One. Gambling Nine One One is is a total shill site. It's a a site that that pretends it's a poker news site, but in reality, the only news they they cover is news that's either sensationalist that'll get people over there just to read stories about things that are uh, that are going on. Like like for example, when when David Williams did the porn. And that came out. Gambling 911 loved to write stories about it because they knew people would Google David Williams porn and, and get there. Why they want people on the site? Because they have tons of affiliate links over there and they want you to click them. So they get you there with either sensational stories or puff pieces for the sites that they are uh, representing through affiliate programs. So this way uh, people will get over there to read nude stories about these uh, sites that are having trouble read the stories that make the sites look very good and say, oh, okay, well, these stories are all BS. Gambling 911 says it's okay. So I'll deposit there using Gambling 911's link, and Gambling 911 makes money. So they're they're kissing Locke's ass because they want people to click their links to Locke and, and make affiliate money off them. So Gambling 911 is a shameless affiliate company, and they should uh, any news you get from that site is a joke. Anyway, they, they recently did an interview with Jennifer Larson, a two-part interview, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to give you my responses to what Jennifer says. Because Gambling 911, this this was not exactly a hard-hitting interview. They asked they asked the questions everyone wanted asked, but then when Jennifer gave her BS responses, they just didn't ask anything further. Also, keep in mind that the guy that did this interview was at their retreats, or yeah. one of their retreats. <laughs> yeah, he went to one of the, Right, he was at like their 2011 retreat. Right. Yeah, Chris Costigan is his name. Anyway, uh, so this is what Gambling 911 asked in the first question. Why not offer proof of solvency if lock poker is so financially sound? Why do you not have a third party verify that player funds are segregated and safe? So here's Jennifer Larson's answer. This is her first interview since all this crap started happening about a month ago. The Department of Justice has shown repeatedly that it can and will seize players' funds and hold these for months, if not years, absent any valid legal basis to do so. The situation makes it impossible for Locke to provide any independent third-party verification or segregation of, and, uh, of player funds. We have spoken to a number of companies that provide such audit services. However, they are unable to state that if pressured by the U.S. government, they will not disclose the details of Locke accounts they audit. They have been frank and acknowledged that they want to be able to conduct business with U.S. companies and admit that the threat of being, quote, blacklisted by the DOJ, even if informally, cannot justify them taking on Locke as a client. No other online gaming site has or can publicly open its books. Well, first of all, that last statement is not true. PokerStars has done it. But uh, ignoring that, moving on, uh, nobody has ever demanded that they have to use a U.S.-based auditing firm. In fact, there's there's several trusted auditing firms that uh, are outside the U.S., including a few in Cyprus, you know, the place that uh, Locke says that they never banked. <laughs> so so uh, she's completely full of shit that she can't find a single respected auditing firm that would be able to both be confidential and not roll over to the Department of Justice and, and wouldn't fear this stupid blacklisting of any sort by the U.S., which doesn't even make sense. The Department of Justice has not put out a list to U.S. companies, hey, don't use this auditing firm because they work with uh, with gambling companies. Nobody cares who an auditing firm works with. They, they, all they care is that uh, they provide accurate data and that they do their job right. Nobody cares who they work with, who their clients are. 
I mean, and, and the truth is, even if a few did, you're telling me you couldn't find one company that's not in the U.S. that wouldn't care what the Department of Justice thinks and wouldn't roll over for them? The, the, the Department of Justice wouldn't even have any legal basis to force a foreign audit company to turn over their information on Locke. They just couldn't do it. It's not like they'd be part of Locke's business. You know, they, they, they'd be a third-party company. They would not have any legal basis to punish these companies whatsoever. That's a lie. I'm uh, sure there's plenty of auditing firms in Cyprus, too. They could just yeah. you know, walk across the street and grab one. And that's why these companies are based in Cyprus, so they, they cannot be subject to any kind of pressure. So that's why it's such a joke. So moving on here, the next question. Gambling911 asked, Let's clarify the player-to-player transfer issue. Many people have posted emails from Lock Support stating that no funds from player transfers or winnings derived from transfers can be cashed out. That was the funniest part of those emails, saying even if you get money and win money with those transfers, you can't cash that out either. (laughs) They really said that in an email from their uh, security team. Uh, Anyway, we we have since had Lock come out to try and clear up this issue, but can you personally clarify the Lock player to player transfer policy? Jennifer Larson says. Through a detailed investigation over the past few weeks, the Lock security team uncovered a large group of persons that were abusing the player-to-player transfer policy and creating a large network of mule accounts to move and withdraw funds without any play at all taking place. So I, I guess they, they learned from uh, Freddie D to have uh, mule accounts. <laughs> uh, Lock has introduced a new cash-out policy for transferred funds which require a player to accumulate at least 15% in GGR... That's uh, something gross rake. I'm not sure what GDR stands for. Um, uh, on the funds received via player-to-player transfer before these funds are cashed out, put simply, for every $100 of transfer fund to be withdrawn, 15% of rake or fees will need to be accumulated beforehand. This policy change was put in place explicitly to put an end to the money laundering via locks player transfers. Players withdrawing winnings are not affected. It is important to note that many sites have similar policies regarding cashing out player-to-player transferred funds or do not allow transfers at all. So here's my answer. Again, BS. She doesn't explain why it took three weeks to decide upon or communicate this policy. I mean, this is a simple policy. you got to rake 15% of whatever you uh, you get in transfer before you can cash it out. Why, why did it take three weeks to, to get this policy out through their, like, five support reps they have there? Um... All while everybody's getting pissed off, everybody's quitting the site, pros are quitting the site. The, the issue was eroding the trust in the whole site from both uh, players and pros. And uh, and, and they, they, you're telling me that they couldn't uh, communicate this in, in three weeks' time to their five customer service reps? Well, that's what happens when you spend all your time uh, doing archery at castles. You <laughs> yeah. Know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, maybe she was stuck in the moat. Maybe, maybe the Loch Ness Monster got her. Uh, right. uh, she she provides no evidence of any of this abuse that she claims occurred. That's you know the whole story is made up. Uh, the story has since changed. By the way, it used to be that affiliate accounts were perpetrating the abuse. Remember that where the affiliates were, uh, right. were, were they had a priority cash out system to where they they were able to cash out faster, so they would just buy up lock funds really cheap and then cash out at full value. Well, she doesn't want to say this because it makes it look makes lock look really bad that they're giving priority to their affiliates to cash out. Furthermore. Uh, she can't say this because if it's only affiliates who are doing this, then how could non-affiliates be getting their cash-outs canceled? Now, all the people complaining on 2 Plus 2, these, these regular grinders, they weren't affiliates. So they could right. say, hey, if, if it's only affiliates that could have been doing this, why would you ever cancel my cash-out and accuse me? So, so they had to change this to the Mule account story, claiming that there's just certain accounts that are being used to cash out w- without playing at all. 
and that there was this big ring of that going on, a large network of these accounts. So that's what happened. But but there's still a big problem here. Um, this mule account story falls completely flat because it would be incredibly easy to detect. When somebody requests a cash out, you take a look. Have they played? Yes. Okay, then approve their cash out. Have they not played? No. Don't approve their cash out. You want to do it retroactively? Fine. Go retroactively and see. Those that have not played, don't approve the cash out. Those who have been playing the hell out of their hands all over the site, continue letting them cash out. A lot of the people who got their trans- or their cash outs canceled either had never received a transfer ever, or had been playing so actively that they not only raked 15% of what they received in transfer, they have probably raked several thousand percent of what they tra- had received in transfer. So, this is BS. It's so easy to identify these mule accounts, it still doesn't explain why people's cash outs were cancelled for three weeks and why nobody would answer them. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, these high-volume players could would in no way resemble mules. There's no way they would res- resemble accounts that were set up just to receive money and cash out without playing. It's so easy. I, I-, I could teach a nine-year-old to-, to look at these histories and figure out who's a mule and who isn't. So this is a joke. This is a BS story to cover the truth. The truth is that Locke didn't have the money to pay anyone for six weeks. So mm-hmm. speaking of, of long uh, withdrawal times, Gambling911 asked, what is the reason for the slow withdrawal times? Jennifer Larson said, there are a number of reasons for slow withdrawals. As explained above, we uncovered a money laundering ring that created a network of mule accounts, there goes the mule accounts again, uh, that were buying and cashing out players' bankrolls with no play. This caused a massive increase in withdrawals, causing legitimate players' cash outs to be delayed. The other main reason is that Locke is one of the largest poker sites that continues to serve players in the U.S. This means that all Locke payment processors must be discreet. Lock has a number of processors that it can use to flow funds to players, but are all subject to limits. So while Lock has all the players' funds to pay out, it is limited in the ability to do so by the constraints of the system and the threat of seizing player funds. The e-commerce team works constantly to find new reputable payment processors to provide secure, fast options to our players. Our number one priority right now is reducing payout times over the next few weeks. Well, guess who Lock's payout uh, provider, their, their payment processor, is JDB Services. JDB Services owns Lock Poker, so they're their own payment processor. So they they don't need to find new payment processors. They are their payment processor. But but putting that aside here, um, this is a garbage explanation. Lock could easily have two different bank accounts: one for player funds of U.S. players, one for player funds of non-U.S. players. They could keep clear and accurate records showing that the non-U.S. account is only used to conduct financial transactions, both in and out, with non-U.S. players. And the whole story doesn't make sense because um, even if they are using third-party payment processors and not their own JDB services, uh, these processors wouldn't be limited for non-U.S. players because they don't need to fly under the radar. Why are U.S. processors limited? Why can they only process certain cash out? Why does it take a long time to get a U.S. check? Because these processors can't just process unlimited cash outs. If they did, their bank would probably report them to the DOJ and then they would get found out that they're a payment processor. So they can only process a small number of payments per month to fly under the radar, so the DOJ doesn't see what they really are and go after them. That's why it's like that in the U.S. But outside of the U.S., these payment processors don't have to pretend what they are. They don't have to pretend to be some other business and really be processing payments. They they can process all they want because processing non-U.S. payments is not illegal. So how would a company that only processes payments for the rest of the world, there's plenty of them, 
How would a payment processing company that only processes non-U.S. payments, that's completely legal to do, how could they ever get in trouble with the DOJ? Because they're doing something that's completely legal. They're processing payments only for players outside the U.S. The U.S. can't even seize their stuff. The U.S., what they do, what the Department of Justice does before seizing anything, is they, they prove in some way that at least one player in the U.S. was paid by that processor. So if this processor doesn't pay any U.S. players, then the DOJ can't ever prove they paid a single U.S. player, and the DOJ can't seize their money. They won't even get cooperation from the foreign governments to do it. So, so this is BS. Locke is saying they can't find a single processor outside the U.S. that only processes non-U.S. payments? The problem for them is they use their own processor. That's true, too. <laughs> they use their own processor. <laughs> and so, so this is a ridiculous story. They can process as much as they want. They don't need to fly under any radar. They don't need to hide what they're doing. They can shout from the mountaintops, hey, everybody, we're a non-U.S. processor, and we're processing non-U.S. accounts, for, uh, payments for, for lock. They can say that. They can call the DOJ and say, hey, that's what we're doing. The DOJ won't go after them because as long as they're not touching any U.S. Uh, payments, then no problem. And if, they, if their excuse is, well, JDB Services is really us and we're processing both, well, fine, then hire a third party to process the, uh, the non-U.S. payments, and this won't happen. So the, the whole story falls apart upon examination. Moving on. Gambling911 asks, does Lock Poker own the Revolution Network? And the response is, no. There has been a lot of confusion and misinformation about the ownership of Revolution Network. Yeah, it came from Revolution itself. It came from Locke itself. In the spring of 2012, Locke entered into negotiations to purchase several selected assets from the network. One of the conditions of the purchase was rebranding the network, and the step took place. Ultimately, the proposed purchase was not completed, and Locke never became the owner of the network. A company completely independent of Locke made the purchase. The network team does not. The network team does work very closely with Locke, based upon Locke being the largest room. We therefore have an impact on the overall direction and weigh in on the big decisions. Now, um, there's two ways this can go. I, I've heard two different stories. I've heard one story that Locke does own Revolution, but they own it under this uh, name, JDB Services. I've also heard the story that they only bought a minority share of the Cake Network and just uh, took it over in, uh, in name because Locke had the better reputation at the time, believe it or not. Uh, anyway... There's an article on Poker News detailing Cake's, or, or, or sorry, Locke's purchase of Revolution. And that was uh, an article dated May 7, 2012. It says, uh, this is May 7, 2012. On Monday morning, Locke Poker announced it will be purchasing the assets of the Cake Poker Network, a move that will ultimately see Locke leave the Merge Network. That was May 7, 2012. Guess what date Locke bought their share of Cake, whether it was minority or, or the whole thing? May 7th, 2012. That's when it took place, according to the Business Week website. So how is it on the same day that Locke announced to Poker News that they're buying the Cake Network, the purchase took place on that same day, but somehow uh, Locke is claiming there's just misinformation about it and confusion. If there's any confusion, they put it out. If there's any confusion, it's because they lied to Poker News. No other way about it. It was on the same day. There's no way that this all changed on the same day. So, not a huge deal, but uh, just more evidence of them lying. Next question. 
There was some degree of controversy surrounding a recent event that took place in Porto, Portugal. It was the second Lock Poker Company retreat, and posting forum observers were quick to point out that some of the more extravagant aspects of the trip, such as accommodations in a historic palace and transportation offered by a, a fleet of limos, all while payment delays continued. Tell us what really happened in Portugal. What was the reason for the trip? And do customer deposits pay for such trips? So she answered, The Lock Gaming Group, which owns and operates the LockPoker.eu and LockCasino.eu sites, recently completed a three-day retreat in Portugal. This was not published in uh, in advance or during the event in order to protect the privacy of attendees, which included lock lock staff, consultants, members of the Lock Pro team, and suppliers. This event was a combination of business meetings, strategy sessions, and social gatherings. The lock retreats are annual and included in our budgets and paid for out of the company profits. So, yeah, the company profits that don't exist and the budget that is zero. Amazing. You know, so, you know, if the public information blackout was to protect the privacy of the people on the trip, why were people not allowed to talk about the trip after it was over? If they were worried about people showing up there and uh, crashing the party or seeing who's there... Once it was over, they can't go back in time and visit the trip. So uh, why was everyone told, do not say anything under any circumstances about this trip? That's what all the pros were told. That's what everyone there was told. So so why was that still the order? And why is that still the order to this day? If it was just a matter of uh, while the trip was going on. Another lie. Uh, that was part one of the interview. Uh, part two of the interview. What is the situation with Lock Pros leaving? Both Chris Mormon and Paul Volpe announced their departures. Over the years, this is Jennifer Larson, over the years, Lock Pro, the pro team has continuously evolved. This is part of the natural progression of building a solid pro team. It is one of the most important initiatives to me personally. Most of the team has been with me for several years. Yeah, because they're broke and you're paying them well, you're paying them well to lie for you. The timing of Chris Mormon leaving was not part of any conspiracy. His contract was up for renewal when we parted ways. Yeah, I'm sure that's a coincidence. I'm sure uh, Chris Mormon hates free money. Chris is one of my favorite players and people. Paul Volpe was also with me from the very early days, and I have the utmost respect for him both personally and professionally. It was just a timing issue, and the spin doctors ran with it. I guess I'm one of the spin doctors. In the yeah, next the year, time, you will... the timing the timing issue was just uh, the timing that they couldn't catch anybody out. <laughs> the timing, yeah, the, the timing that they spent everyone's money. They spent all the player money, and the 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 two of the pros today. I don't want my name associated with this. That was the timing. In the next year, you will see some big changes in the pro initiative. We will be introducing a new pro tier as well as the Lock Pro Live team and gracing the live circuits. So that's great. Even more player money will probably be stolen to pay for this. So, uh, yeah, you got to be kidding me that these two left because of uh, n- nothing having to do with the scandals. And you know what? If that was true, these players would have said so. If these players left totally unrelated to this, they would have said, just want to let everyone know this has nothing to do with the current problems of lock poker. Uh, my contract's up, but I'm just choosing not to renew for totally independent reasons. So they would have said that, especially if they had such a good relationship with Jennifer Larson. But that, obviously the two of them left because they were embarrassed by uh, the way Lock Poker was uh, handling everything and didn't want their names associated with it anymore. Yeah, and they're the two probably biggest like uh, pros in terms of like tournament results like on the circuit right now too. Yeah, I, I mean, other than the grinder and, and Annette uh, fifteen, but yeah, they, I mean they were two of the bigger ones. But I'm saying like as of like recent scores. Oh, recent scores, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I I think despite any this is from gambling nine one one. I think despite any issues Lock Poker may be encountering at the moment, one common theme 
we at Gambling 911 are hearing regards to the lack of, it relates to the lack of, of, uh, lack of or poor communication from customer service when it comes to addressing common concerns. So my question to you is, what is Locke doing to address improvements in customer service aspects of the business? Jennifer says, Locke has worked hard at improving customer service over the past two years. We have built out multiple teams around the world. Because our growth was virtually overnight, we had to put some infrastructure in order to handle the massive increase of player emails and calls. Over the last 10 months, we have moved our average email responses from 48 hours to 15 minutes, and we offered live chat during our peak hours. Yeah, they, they have a quick email response of just form letters that mean nothing. Uh, this is a constant work in progress. As we grow, the goal is not only to build our teams, but develop efficient internal communication so we can support and provide our players with clear, concise information. This is crap. Uh, they had a few very simple questions to answer that they couldn't answer for three weeks. Why? Because the, the, they couldn't give an answer that uh, wouldn't be dissected and determined to be a complete lie. So, for example, when they're canceling cash out so they don't have to pay anyone right now, and they don't know what deposits they're going to be getting over the next three weeks, so they don't know when they can pay people, they cancel their cash outs, they can't reinstate them until they know when they can pay these people. So they stall, 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 and that's why they don't tell the customer service reps to tell people the real uh, transfer policy. Because they don't want that to happen yet. They don't want them to have their cash outs reinstated until they know they can actually pay these people. So that's that. It wasn't the customer service reps' faults. They're as good as the as the information they're given, and they don't have many customer service reps. They have like like five reps working there. I don't even believe that. I wouldn't be surprised if Jennifer Larson's the only one, or her and Shane just running the whole operation. Because their customer service, I can tell you firsthand how bad it is. I've never played a hand on there, but when I found out I could get close to 100% rake back, I considered it and um, actually emailed their support. It was something about an account issue I had, and honestly, it took – I didn't get a response. I got you know the automated response. Then I didn't get a response, and then I tried emailing them two weeks later, and they never responded. And then after a month, they finally handled the issue that I had. So it wow. took four – it took at least four weeks. It might have even been two months. It was so long ago, but I know it was at least a month. So yeah. they're um, – yeah, they, so there's their, probably um, maybe fewer than just terrible. Yeah, there may be fewer than five people to educate here. It really could just be one or two, or even just. Uh, I, I, I Shane wouldn't himself. be surprised if it was just her. Yeah, or, or Shane, you know. Yeah. Well, right. people found that this Joseph who posted on two plus two, claiming to be the new two plus two rep, that he had a, a lot of uh, similar language and uh, you know strange phrases that he used, like Shane did, making people think he was Shane. And so then people were saying, you know what, maybe he's not just Shane for this post. Maybe he's always been Shane. Maybe uh, Shane's always been answering the uh, the customer service uh, letters. So uh, next question from Gambling 911. There was some mention that Locke may have had money tied up in Cypress banks. And this rumor appears to have snowballed. By the way, the rumor uh, which was uh, first posted to 2 plus 2 by me. Very yeah. proud of that one. Uh, can you confirm to us that this is not the case? She says, Locke has never done any banking in Cyprus, you know, even though their uh, domain resolves there, uh, the who is resolves there. So the recent events had no impact whatsoever on our operations. So uh, nobody knows where their money really is, but uh, they do have some association with Cyprus. If you look at the who is data on their uh, lockpoker.com site. So take that for what you may. Uh, some have said that if player-to-player transfers are such a burden, why even offer them? Is this an option that might be eliminated once processing issues are fully recovered? She said, Player-to-player transfers is such a huge part of what supports the network of online poker players around the world. Player staking is a very large business, and we wanted to respect that. It definitely has opened us to a, a tremendous amount of abuse, 
but our philosophy has always been to take care of our players. <laughs> our, our, our business is driven by this philosophy, so we were trying to find a compromise for the players' benefit. Yeah, the compromise is to cancel their cash out when they've done nothing wrong and lie to them for weeks That's, and, and, and not answer their questions. It's a great compromise. Gambling911 says, Some say you are giving away the shop with such extravagant bonuses, etc. Are these promos sustainable in the long run? Trying to mention that you know he heard at one point he could get 100% rake back, pretty much. So she says, Locke has always been very aggressive when it comes to player rewards. We've made a very calculated decision to invest what we believe is the backbone of our success, the players. I have been in this industry for 10 plus years and have often seen other brands spending millions on banner advertising, branding initiatives, and other marketing campaigns that offer little, value, little or no value to the players. Well, they do that too. They did it right on the site where this interview took place. <laughs> There's two huge banners, and all over and two the, plus two. And, and it's not—they're not—they're not an affiliate either. They pay for that advertising. Yeah, they pay for advertising all over the place. What are they talking about? And they waste money on yeah. pros. I mean, how can they claim that this is a? The, the other companies waste money. They don't. Uh, this has not been our approach, which is why we can afford to be more generous. It is just about how you spend your money and what priorities, what your priorities are. Our, our player lifetime value is much higher than most operators because of how we reward and value our players, except we don't pay them. Okay, she didn't say that last part, but it, that should be the end. Uh, I mean, this is the joke. Uh, obviously, they they have an unsustainable business model, and the, I think the reason they're doing this is not because they hate money; it's because they they figure this is the way to get the edge, like like just somehow get a, a giant player pool by. Uh, Offering these huge bonuses to grinders to kind of make up a, a, a base of the site, and then the fish will come who won't demand such high bonuses. That that was the business model, but it hasn't worked because the, most of the active grinders there, you know, most of the active players are grinders because it's you know it's hard to get money on these sites these days. So it's 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 hard for casual players to get on there, and, and they don't have uh, the visibility of poker stars or full tilt did. So too much of their uh, of their business is. Are, are these grinders who get this huge rake back, and that's why this doesn't work. Gambling 911 asked, what would you say to the players who insist Locke is a so-called Ponzi scheme or another full-tilt poker which went out of business for a year before being resurrected by poker stars? She says, Locke has been in business for over six years, and from day one our mandate was to put our players first, you know, except when they get cheated in contests and not paid and lied to and, and uh, not get paid for their promotions. In the face of all the trials and tribulations we have forged through achieving incredible growth and success, this has admittedly been a difficult year for us, but that should not negate everything we have accomplished. I think because of my direct involvement and hands-on approach, people have somewhere to direct their irrational hatred. Yeah, it's all irrational. We're all crazy. She's, ha- she's hands-on about poaching players from other networks. Yeah, she, she has been. You're right. That's a, she has been very hands-on with that. But yeah, what other hands-on stuff has she done? I mean, she puts her name out there. That's about it. Uh, it is clear that the sites that consider themselves news sites are just focused on the fear that can incite with every article rather than actually reporting anything true or valuable. I think she's partially referring to Poker Fraud Alert. I appreciate that. Instead of respecting the industry that supports them, they are driving it into a fearful frenzy. This needs to change. Yeah, shame on us. Shame on us for reporting that Locke is stealing people's money and going on vacation with it. The full tilt and UB debacles created a very intense level of anger, mistrust, and fear. I like she throws an UB there because that's the current story in the news. She, she must have been like she must have jumped out of her skin when those tapes came out. She must have like dropped down her knees and, and thanked God. She must have said, "God, thank you. You've rescued me once again. 
Thank you, God, for these tapes. Thank you, God, and, and, and your prophet, Travis McCarr. I mean, she, she, she must have been thrilled. Because people lost so much overnight with this very little warning, it ripped the heart right out of this industry and planted a deep seed of doubt. Yeah, that's true. And now you're creating more doubt. Then everything you do, you lie to everybody. You lie about the Jira scandal, about the casino bonus scandal on your site, about, about, about the cancellations of cash outs, uh, everything. All you guys do is lie. Of course there's doubt. Being one of the few operators to serve the U.S. market, we have become a target for all that anger. It's funny, I don't see Merge that big of a target. I mean, a few people bitch about Merge, but uh, you, you don't see the same thing. You, you don't see just constant hatred on the Merge uh, 2 plus 2 forum. How come this doesn't happen to Merge? They're, they're serving both the U.S. market and Europeans. How, how come Merge is dodging all this? I don't, I don't get it. How, how come they're picking on poor Jennifer? Yeah, same thing. The ACR dodging it, no problem. Yeah. No dog. It's, it's just Locke. Yeah. <laughs> Why is everyone picking on Locke? They're, they've done nothing wrong. Poor Jennifer. Like, you know, she's, she's doing the same thing everyone else does, and she's getting picked on. Damn it. They, because they have her face to, to put to all the anger. That's what it is. They, they they don't know who to blame for merge. Merge is mysterious. They they don't know who to blame for America's card room. But but you know, they know Jennifer Larson's behind locks. So let's let's get pissed at her because we know who she is. Ridiculous. When faced with any problems that have an impact on players, the uproar from the community is fierce and ugly. Well, as it should be. Instead of seeing operations as their ally, or sorry, instead of seeing operators as their allies, which is what we are, <laughs> we are seen as the enemy. Well. You're cheating people. You're not paying them. You're spending their money. You're going on secret retreats with their money. How are you their friend? How are you their allies? Sounds yeah, like cheating, an enemy to me. Cheating the customers and uh, offering 130% rakeback deals and poaching skins. <laughs> I am a person of action and few words. That's probably true. But with the level of propaganda and media manipulation that has been mindlessly regurgitated, I decided to speak up and clear the air. You mean, rather than the truth that has been intelligently regurgitated. Uh, Locke is determined to be the best and first choice for players worldwide. Yeah, good luck. Uh, Locke Gaming Group profits are being reinvested to grow and both uh, both grow and improve our casino and poker business. More like the players' money is being reinvested. Oh, they're being reinvested to grow the grass at the castles. <laughs> it's being reinvested to replace antiques that people puke on. Well, they're, uh, they're on the lock retreat. That was Matt Stout actually blogged at one point on a previous retreat that he puked all over some expensive antique and that uh, Locke got a bill for it. So uh, that, w- that was that stupid article from Gambling 911. All right, uh, let's talk about another ultimate site. Not ultimate bet, ultimate poker. A very disturbing picture has been circulating on the Internet. Of a flop of the Ace of Spades, the Nine of Spades, and the Nine of Spades? That's right. Two Nines of Spades on the flop. Now, uh question, of course, came out. Was this real or Photoshopped? Turned out it probably wasn't Photoshopped. Turned out it probably was a real screenshot. So what the hell? Are there really two Nines of Spades in the deck at Ultimate Poker? Well, probably not that either. It's probably not as bad as it appears. Uh, several people have reported graphics glitches on certain computers where even though the proper cards are being dealt, they're not showing properly on your screen. So, for example, if the flop is Ace of Spades, Nine of Spades, Three of Clubs, 
it might show to you as ace of spades, nine of spades, nine of spades. So uh, they say, well, you can just look at the dealer chat and see what the actual cards are because that always displays correctly. But that's ridiculous. Who looks down at the dealer chat to see the cards being displayed? So, so this is a huge problem. Even if the, the random number generator is fine, even if the deck is fine, if it is displaying on even one computer incorrectly like that, that is a huge, huge issue. Let me tell you why. When you play hand after hand after hand on online poker, you, you kind of go into a little trance and you're not fully paying attention to everything every second. It's impossible to do that. It's impossible to maintain that level of focus for that long of a period of time. So, you know, everybody's human here. And uh, so let's say you have pocket threes. Let's say you have red pocket threes. And the flop should have been ace, nine, three with two spades. And what you end up seeing is ace, nine, nine, all spades. Well, yes, if you look at it carefully, you realize there's two nines of spades and something's wrong. But if you've been playing online poker for four hours and you're kind of tired, you see ace, nine, nine on the board, you got your pocket red threes, and you're like, ah, I missed this one big time. I'm not even going to take one off. I'm just going to fold, especially if it's no limit. So you fold when it turns out you flopped a set and could have made big money against someone with ace, king. That's a huge problem, isn't it? Or on yeah. the other, let's say on the other side of the coin, you've got eight, nine. And the flop comes ace, nine, nine. What you think is ace, nine, nine is really ace, nine, three. And you go nuts against someone who it turns out has ace, king. Well, you expect the pot to be shipped to you, but lo and behold, your trip nines are actually just a pair of nines, and you lose after putting in all this action against the ace, king. The problem is here that uh, if it's a graphics glitch, unless you can take an instant screenshot of it, there's no way to prove it. And I don't know if Ultimate Poker is going to refund your money. They probably won't. I don't know what the uh, regulations are on this, because remember, they can't just make up their own decisions. They, uh, they have to do whatever uh, gaming would tell them to do in Nevada. But I don't know. If the player can't prove it, there's probably nothing they can do. They, they've been pretty aggressive, though, so far with um, refunding people for certain glitches and stuff like that. I mean, they even went as far pay- to paying uh, some kid's cell phone bill because he couldn't, uh, I don't know, he was having problems verifying his... Um, his location, they want to pay in his bill. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I mean, that's good. That's good that they're doing well from a customer service standpoint. But but this is a huge problem with the software that should have never existed. Sure now, I, I don't believe they did any of this on purpose. I think they just didn't test it well enough, and I think they rushed it to market. Uh, it's just bad software. Yeah. Now, I, I have a story from 30 years ago. You know, uh, I, I always like telling these old stories. Uh, from 30 years ago, nothing to do with poker, but... Uh, I remember it very well because I, it was something of great interest to me. And you're saying, well, you know, what, what could have been such interest to you 30 years ago when you were a kid? Well, this was in 1982. I, I was 10 years old. It's actually just 31 years ago. And I couldn't wait for the Atari 2600 version of Pac-Man to come out. Now, those of you who are my age or around there, I, don't, I, I know China, you're a little bit younger, but uh, not that much younger. Uh, do you remember Atari Pac-Man? Uh, no, not like specifically, but yeah, I, I guess maybe as a little bit uh, before your time. Cause I was like ten then, but uh, I was so excited because I absolutely loved Pac-Man. I first played Pac-Man uh, for my ninth birthday in 1981. That was the first time I ever saw it, and I played it, and I, I loved it from the start. And I was just obsessed with Pac-Man as a kid. So it, it took a little while to come out for Atari, and uh, I hadn't seen any screenshots of it or anything. They, they were very uh, quiet about what Pac-Man was going to look like. 
But I, I had this picture in my head, especially as a ten-year-old, that I'm going to get like a, a Pac-Man that looks so much like the arcade, and like like you know, I know it seems stupid now, especially to younger listeners, but to to have like a arcade version or very close to an arcade version of a game in your bedroom was like every kid's dream. Uh, in fact, everybody was jealous of Ricky Schroeder uh, on Silver Spoons when you, you saw his character had uh, video games in his living room because he was uh, you know living with a rich dad. So I was waiting for Pac-Man to come out for the Atari, and it came out. My mom was actually nice enough to go down to the store and wait in line and be one of the first people to get it. And uh, I put it in, and uh, I have to admit it was disappointing. I still forced myself to enjoy it. I still played it a whole lot, but it wasn't what I expected at all. The sound effects were different. The graphics were different. The gameplay was totally different. Like they're, they're, The colors were different. It, it looked almost like a different game. It, it was so disappointing. Like All the things I loved about Pac-Man weren't there. I mean, the basic concept of running around eating dots and power pills and eating ghosts is the same, but everything else is different. And, and I wondered for years, why did Pac-Man suck so much? I, mean, I knew Atari had limitations, but I, I knew it, they could have done better, even as a 10-year-old. Well, uh, lo and behold, like a year later, they released Ms. Pac-Man, and that was considerably better. Ms. Pac-Man was actually what I kind of expected Pac-Man to be. So I, I wondered, well, it, it's the same hardware. Uh, they could have easily made Pac-Man just as well as they made Ms. Pac-Man. So why couldn't they have done it? Why, why did Pac-Man suck so much? Uh, it was only many years later when I found out why. Pac- they wanted Pac-Man to be released in time for the Christmas season. And it, it was too slow. They, they, just, they weren't able to uh, get it out quickly enough. So they only had a, a working prototype. And they made the developer release the prototype as the actual game. The developer was very unhappy about this because he said, "I, you know, th- this is my baby. This, you know, I can make this so much better. You know, this this isn't what's supposed to go out. I, I don't want this being our product." And they said, "Tough luck. We're your boss. Release the damn prototype." So they released the prototype. He had to do it, and the developer was very embarrassed about it. His name was Todd, also, by the way. But uh, that's what happened. That they released a prototype just to make the Christmas rush, and it was a, a big mistake for the company because it really made Atari look bad. And it really hurt Atari, and uh, that really kind of killed the 2600 to some degree. And they lost uh, a lot of money. They, they made a whole lot of Pac-Man cartridges that never ended up being sold. So uh, uh, getting back to Ultimate Poker, the reason I told this whole Pac-Man story at 1130 at night, they did the same thing. They rushed out a version of the software that wasn't really ready. They admitted that this was a pared-down version. They admitted that this wasn't the final version that they really wanted to release, but that they, you know, they wanted to get it up quickly. Uh, they wanted to be first to market. They they weren't looking for the Christmas rush like uh, Atari was with Pac-Man, but they were looking to beat Caesars with WSOP.com. Because let's face it, if you're given a choice of two online poker rooms to play, if you're a casual player, World Series of Poker.com, WSOP.com, or UltimatePoker.com run by Station Casinos. Which do you choose? Obviously, you choose the World Series site, right? Uh, as a casual player, as a as a professional, you choose where the games are better. As a casual player, you choose the bigger name. You choose the World Series site. So the only chance Ultimate Poker had was to be first to market. So they rushed this software out that was not properly tested, had all kinds of problems. Software wasn't even very good gameplay wise. 
and uh, just so they could be first. And now you're seeing the results of this, things like two nines of spades in the flop. And uh, let me tell you, their competition has taken notice. Uh, there was a quip made today, I think, by Seth Polanski on the conference call uh, regarding WorldSeriesOfPoker.com. Uh, well, two things. I had tweeted and posted on Poker Fraud Alert that I got a tip from a source, from an inside source, that WSOP.com would be offering real money games to Nevada residents within the next seven days. I was then given an update that that would not happen. It would be within the next 7 to 14 days. So I changed that. Then it turned out that was also wrong. Today on the World Series of Poker conference call, they had a, uh, a conference call for the media today for the World Series of Poker. They do it every year in May. Uh, Seth Polanski was on there. And they asked about WorldSeriesOfPoker.com. And will it be offering real money games to Nevada residents? Can people come into Nevada to play the World Series and play online, too, for real money? And Seth Polanski said that we're going to try to get it up by the time the main event starts on July 7th, but no guarantees, but that's what we're shooting for. Uh, we're not going up within the next one or two weeks, despite whatever Todd Wittell has treated, uh, tweeted, is what he said. So he actually mentioned my name in the World Series of Poker conference call that despite what Todd Wattel has tweeted, we're not coming out in one to two weeks or something like that. Um, By and, the way, I'm, look, I'm looking at Ultimate Poker right now, and it has been growing. I mean, right now there's uh, seven full ring games going at 3-6. There's a couple 2-4 games going. There's even a 10-20 limit game going. Really? Yeah. You, you know, it's interesting with, with uh, Ultimate Poker, by the way, with the limit game. Someone... PM me that there's a 2040 game going on there. So really, there was no 2040. They said, yeah, they just added it. So I went and looked, and sure enough, Crazy Mike was playing heads up against some other guy. I think they were both professionals. You know, I, Crazy Mike is obviously, but I, the other one's like L L L L L L something. Uh, but after it was over, I looked again, and it disappeared. The whole game was gone. So it turned out they deleted the 2040 limit right after Crazy Mike finished playing. Crazy Mike had specifically requested they put it in, and they put it in for him. And then when he was gone, they took it away, which I thought was dumb. Like, like it's there right now. Oh, it's back. Okay, that was weird how they took it away. But I guess they, I guess they put it back. I, I actually requested on two plus two, just put, put the damn thing back. Could have just been the crappy software too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so uh, a- anyway. Uh, WSOP.com will not be running online poker for Nevada residents for re- for real money until probably July or late June. So uh, Ultimate Poker will have that advantage in that they will get the World Series players for a while who want to play online. But uh, and I think that's a big mistake on WorldSeriesOfPoker.com's part. But uh, I think they don't want to make the same mistakes. And they actually, uh, Seth Polanski also said. You know, we're doing a lot of uh, careful analysis of our, of our software. Uh, we don't want to have two nines in our deck. So he even made reference to that ultimate poker thing. So believe me, the competition's watching, and they're they're really being careful not to make the same mistakes ultimate poker did. They're kind of letting I think they're letting ultimate poker fail in various ways, and and watching everything that people don't like about it, and then making sure they don't make the same mistakes right off the bat. So sometimes being first to market is not always the best for you long term. It may be the best short term, but Ultimate Poker may be screwing themselves by being first to market. But I think they felt it was their only choice because they don't want to start off competing with WSOP.com and get crushed. 
I, I think ultimately they're going to get crushed anyway. I think right now they have decent traffic because they're the only game in town. Right. So, uh, he sued them. Now they're claiming that they didn't want to pay him because he cheated. Originally, the, the story that went out was that Phil Ivey hit and ran them. That, uh, you know, he told them he would play a certain number of hours, ran really hot, and then just said, I'm done. That he broke his agreement with them, which is stupid because, you know, as a casino, you can hit and run whenever you want. But they claim that they raised their limits way up for him with the agreement that, uh, he would play longer, and he didn't play that long. But he shouldn't be required to. I mean, they could say we're never going to take your action again after this, but uh, the funny thing is it happened at Crockford's. This wasn't some shady online poker room or online casino. This was uh, Crockford's, one of London's oldest and most respected casinos. And it took place on August 20th and 21st. Uh, so now the new thing they're claiming is that his winnings are invalid because they're based upon illegal acts. And, and they're claiming that... Uh, he saw something that uh, was was wrong with cards that made him be able to essentially see which cards he was playing. Yeah, I, th- I heard the the tops and the bottoms of the cards were different. So you could actually see distinct patterns where some had like the same tops and some had the same bottoms. Yeah. Or so, different bottoms, you know what I mean? So you could figure out which card was which. Yeah, and, and I guess that's possible, but that's their fault. I mean, it, it can't, that's not cheating. So they say, uh, so this, the court papers say Punto Banco Baccarat is what he's playing. It's played with six or eight decks of cards, and it's in his shoe. And the goal in each hand, uh, which you get two or three cards, is to get closest to nine. So, uh, and a picture counts as zero. And, uh, you know, the best first cards to get dealt are seven, eight, nine, and uh, a ten or a picture card counts as zero. And then uh, the players can bet that they will win, the bank will win, or the hand will be a tie. So, uh, so some are saying, so yeah, as you said, the court papers say that uh, Ivy and the girl that was with him found a shoe that had some uh, decks that had an asymmetrical design, and uh, and that they were able to convince the dealer to turn the card either side, sideways or end over end, and uh, and and that. Uh, the reason the staff wasn't suspicious about this weird request was because the accomplice, who was uh, Asian, acted like she was just superstitious, <laughs> She's, and that she wanted it laid that way for good luck. So they're like, "Oh, we were just doing this for a, a superstitious Asian, and, uh, and not because they're trying to read something funny about the cards." So you know, the problem with this whole thing, even if that's true, again, they're not cheating. Cheating is when you're using some kind of device, to or either device or an accomplice within the casino. To give yourself an unfair advantage, so if I if I bring like uh, some kind of reflective mirrors that allow me to see the cards being dealt that are supposed to be face down, that's cheating. Um, if if uh, the dealer isn't cahoots with me to uh, to help me cheat in some way, that's cheating. But uh, being able to notice things on your own with your own head and playing the game normally, even if the casino does stupid things to give themselves a disadvantage, such as uh, use Cards that are defective to where you can tell what they are. That that's 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 uh, on the casino. They should use better cards. They they should. Yeah, they, didn't they have like someone from the gaming commission there too, or like the head pit boss was like standing over the table the entire time. Yeah, I'm sure they did with that type of money being uh, gambled. Yeah. So uh, so so they claim that uh, Ivy specifically asked for an Asian dealer 
so his accomplice could communicate with that dealer in the Cantonese, and everybody else couldn't understand it. But I, I don't believe that either. I, I, well, I, actually, I, I kind of believe that. I, I, I do kind of believe that if they, if Ivy noticed this was happening, uh, he said, uh, "Hey, you know, maybe you can." We can get an Asian dealer. You can ask her to turn the cards, and uh, you know that'll reduce suspicion on us. But you know, while that does show some degree of premeditation, um, it's still Ivy using his own mind just just to strategize and beat the game because of a fault of the casino's part. It's, I just don't see this as cheating. I, I see this as right. the casino uh, giving Ivy an accidental edge by by letting him see the cards. It's like uh you know like let's let's say hypothetically you played at a casino where the cards were transparent in some way and you could see through them with the way the light was shining on them. Would it be your responsibility to say hey uh hey Bellagio or wherever I'm playing, I can see through the cards? No. You 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 can see what you can see and that's it. What what if a dealer accidentally flashes a card at you? Do you have to say hey I just saw the an ace under your uh you know the the, the down card is an ace? No. You, now, if you have a a deal with a dealer to where she purposely flashes cards at you, then you're breaking the law. But right. but if if all these things are part of the game, and uh, you know the casino almost always has an edge, but if they accidentally negate their own edge, then uh, that is their problem, in my opinion. I don't know what the law is like in the UK, but that that's my opinion. I believe in the US they would probably lose this. Now, I'm sure a, I'm sure they had to clear it with the the house too. That if they were going to put the cards up, pull the cards out of the shoe before they turned them too. I'm sure that the dealer can't make that decision on on her own. Best, especially for that size, I bet. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm just saying it. It would be like you know asking going to Foxwoods and say you're going to play a thousand a hand. But telling the dealer, you know, you have to pull all my cards out of the shoe or something before you flip them over. They would never go for that, you know, unless you were playing for, like, high money, you know? Yeah, well, that's why that's why they did it. Right. That's what I'm saying. It, it had to have been cleared from some uh, somebody's yeah, yeah, they let the it, table. They, yeah, their, their point is that they, were at, that they thought she was asking she was a, a superstitious Asian, when in reality this was just uh, because they, they could right. uh, see which the cards were. But still, that's, that's, that's again, them strategizing and doing the, you know, they, they found an edge and they are just strategizing that way. They weren't using any kind of device to strategize, nor were they uh, in cahoots with any of the casino staff. And then that's not even a question. So I, I, I think Ivy should get the money. But, and, and if they really want to you know, collect the money back from someone. They should go after whoever supplies the cards. Uh, a- anyway, uh, similar. There's a similar uh, case actually out there, not having to do with Ivy, but uh, some guys who uh, played video poker actually ripped off the machine by uh, by figuring out that uh, if they immediately switch limits on on certain machines, that uh, that they could then uh, cash out at whatever that uh, uh, that limit is. So let's say you play a uh, at twenty five cents, or let, let's make it simple. Let's say you played at a dollar and and won eighty dollars on, on the current video poker hand. Uh, then you could immediately switch it to ten dollars and hit cash out, and you cash out eight hundred without playing another yeah. hand. Yeah, they probably won't get away with that. So so they figured that out. And uh, and they did it, and they they hit the, these machines for like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and were caught, and uh, and they're being actually charged criminally for this, with, uh, of all things, uh, hacking, which I don't agree with. I don't believe that uh, it should be considered hacking, 
because uh, they didn't actually break into the software at all. But at the same time, that is actually cheating. Because that's that's not a, a, a situation of just uh, you know the cards being in a way where you could tell what they are through the fault of the casino. They actually found a bug in the software and, and clearly exploited the bug to cheat and and get paid ten times what they were supposed to. And they knew very well what they were doing. Whereas, whereas just you know being able to see the cards is, is different. It's uh you know it's just a totally different story. One is is a mistake on the way the casino conducts the game where it gives the player an edge and extra information. The other one is, uh, is is exploiting a bug you know the machine has on purpose to get uh, ten times payout that you know you're not supposed to get. So the latter, I think the guys uh, do deserve some sort of uh, fraud conviction. Not a computer hacking conviction, but some kind of fraud conviction. And in this yeah, case... That, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, in this case, I, don't, I think I should, I should both get the money and, and nothing right. further should happen. Yeah, there was something like that with the poker bot in Vegas, too, for a while. There was, like, an Asian ring that went in there, and they would just button the bot, take their take their deposit back, and then they would, um, you know, they put their card or their money or whatever in again, and then you didn't have to actually post up for the hand until you found out whether you or the dealer won the flip for the button. That's and right. They, that's right. I remember that, where, the, where the, they would randomly give you the button or not the button on the heads-up bot, and, and so some of these Asian guys would just... Uh, if they got the button, they would play the hand. If they didn't, they would start the whole thing over and, and wait to see if they got the button again. They would never put any money in unless they start with a button. So they just played button, 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 button over, over and over. And, of course, if you play that way in heads-up poker, you have a gigantic edge. So uh, yeah. so, so, th- so they was actually shut down briefly, the bot, while they fixed that. But nobody got in trouble again uh, because, again, that uh, these guys could just reason that uh, that's only the conditions they feel like playing. Right, they're they're not forced to play two hands. You know, that's a if if they want to play only when they're getting the button, fine. That's a, that's up to them. Even if it's, it's clear why they're doing it. So, anyway, uh, that that's my opinion about uh, Ivy. It seems like you feel the same way. And he he's probably gonna uh, get a huge lawsuit for like defamation of character. Josh Arie just tweeted that too. Like, um, you know, they said he said who knows he could sue them for like thirty million or something for defamation of character as well. Yeah. if he wins it. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, on a personal note here, ToddWittellis.com was uh, squatted eight years ago by a guy named Eric Parkinson, a scumbag uh, domain squatter who basically looked for any name of any poker player who suddenly became notable and would grab their domain name .com before they could. So in my case, when I won a bracelet on July 4th, 2005, on July 5th, 2005, he registered ToddWittellis.com. He did this to many other people. He didn't just single me out. And then he would demand large sums of money, depending on how notable the person was, to get the site back. Uh, he demanded like a lot of money from people like Joe Hotcham, who he, he got his uh, .com site. Uh, for me, he wanted $1,500, and I, I gave him the middle finger. And I tried to file an ICANN claim against him to get uh, my domain back. Unfortunately, I couldn't get it because uh, they have this ridiculous rule that even if you could prove that the person registered the domain in an opportunistic fashion and a uh, and doing it for their own gain and that they had really no claim to the name Todd Wotelis, which I did prove, in order to get it back, you also have to prove that your own personal name was trademarked or was being used commercially in some way, meaning I'd have to be selling Todd Wotelis merchandise to uh, be able to qualify for what they call a common law mark. So I could not qualify for a common law mark. I didn't have a trademark on my own name. 
So I could not get ToddWitellis.com back. I lost the expensive uh, uh, ICANN thing I filed, even though I filed it all on my own without any lawyers. And I did a good job with it. I just it was just I was drawing dead. There was no way to win it. So I gave up. I wasn't going to pay this scumbag money for it. So I just let him keep ToddWitellis.com. And for eight years, it stayed that way. Well, poker fraud alert user C Money, who is uh, constantly does a lot of amazing things. Uh, this year, he's staking a lot of our members in the World Series, including China Maniac. Uh, he bought he bought large pieces of me in the World Series this year. Very very generous guy. Very nice guy. I've met him in person. Uh, China Maniac has too. And uh, we don't know how he did it. Or actually, I guess China knows, but I don't know. Um, but somehow, without paying this guy a dime, and without doing anything illegal, according to C-Money, he recovered ToddWittellis.com and gave it to me. So ToddWittellis.com is now back home after eight years. Eight years after being kidnapped, it is now back in my hands. And if you go there right now, ToddWittellis.com, there's a, a very small tribute to C-Money himself for uh, all he did. And I will be making ToddWittellis.com into a personal website. Uh, n- nothing with interactive content where you'll, it won't have a forum or anything, but it, it'll just be a little personal site about me and, and my poker career and anything else I want to put up there. Maybe I'll have a blog there or whatever. But uh, very happy to have that back, and thank you, C-Money. Power of the wormhole right there. Right. The wormhole uh, even recovers domains. Uh, so maybe maybe he gave this guy like twenty NBA picks or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope not because I, I I don't want to see this guy benefit in any way. I, I hope whatever he did that this guy got nothing out of it. This Eric Parkinson scumbag who uh, lived in L.A. Uh, Vanessa Russo. Interesting story about her. I never really liked her. It's funny. There's two prominent Vanessas in tournament poker. Vanessa Russo and Vanessa Selbst. Uh, Vanessa Selbst, uh, despite uh, not being the most attractive uh, girl out there, at least, at least as far as uh, heterosexual males are concerned. Uh, you know, she's an out lesbian. Looks like an out lesbian. Very butch, but uh, very good player. And uh, I have a lot of respect for her. That even, even though she's become like a, a mainstream name in poker, Vanessa Selps, uh, she still takes the time to get involved in things like the lock poker scandal. And other things she feels is wrong, she speaks out against, and I, I appreciate that. And I think she's, a, I think Vanessa Self is generally a good person, and, and obviously a, a great tournament player. Uh, but Vanessa Russo, I, I don't think as much of. Uh, I've always found her to be very arrogant and and very self-absorbed. Uh, one thing that always bugged me about her, nothing to do with poker, but just I never liked when girls who think they're hot try to beat you over the head with it. And that's what she does. Vanessa Russo just all she does is is post you know pictures of herself everywhere on her website uh, just by you know just pictures of her standing by herself. Just, she's trying to beat you over the head with, "Hey, look at me! I'm a really hot chick. Look at me, CCC." Well, she's not even that hot. She's not ugly, but you know she she just isn't that hot. She's not nearly as hot as she thinks she is. And it always kind of bugs me when chicks are like really really arrogant about the way they look. When in reality, there's nothing special. But that's that's not my biggest problem with her. My biggest problem with Vanessa Russo is the way she acts at the table. I got to see this firsthand. I I've, I've, don't think I've ever played with her directly, but I've had her like next door to my table at the World Series. And, and one time, I remember in particular, I heard her really loud, standing up, berating a guy, a middle-aged guy you could tell was like your total casual player from like you know the Midwest somewhere. And she's saying to him, 
wow, that's a moron play. That is a moron play. And he, he's like really embarrassed that Vanessa Russo is, is giving him a hard time in public like this. And he, you know, he knows he's not that good and he probably did something stupid and sucked out on her. So he's like, hey, look, look, I, I just called it. I just tried to get lucky. She'd say, yeah, yeah, I know. I know you're trying to get lucky, but that doesn't make it any less of a moron play. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, these are the people you want at your table. You, you don't berate right. the fish at the table. Believe me, I've taken bad beats to fish at the table. China's taken bad beats to fish at the table. You don't do this to the fish at the table or they won't enjoy playing. They won't come back. You don't do it. You, you let them get lucky. And if it happens that's, to be you, they get lucky again. So be it. Yeah, that's like the guy at the pizza pizza place that screwed you on the cheese, you know? <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, it, it's just, it's it's ridiculous. You just, um, if, if a... If uh, you know, a fish gets lucky there, just say nice hand or at least say nothing, and that's it. The only way you say something is if you could tell this is one of those cases where the fish wants some sort of trash talk back and forth, but that's rare. That's more common online, actually. But in person, the, you know, the typical middle-aged man who's from Ohio who's just there for fun because he likes poker, he doesn't want Vanessa Russo berating him and calling him a moron. Never. Never. He, he wants to, when you know, he gets lucky... He wants her to just say nice hand and smile, and that's it. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, and, Especially when you're representing poker stars. Yeah, yeah. So so Vanessa Russo just had terrible behavior at the table, and she was known for this. Then when she signed with GoDaddy, I don't know if GoDaddy told her to cut this out or her agent told her to cut this out, but somehow she realized that she shouldn't be doing this crap anymore, and then she, suddenly she got a lot nicer, but you know it wasn't sincere. You know, she was just you know choking back the anger. Well, the real Vanessa came out last week. Now, this didn't involve a fish. The, the guy she was up against was a very good player. But um, this is a guy who's a zero human zero online. Ignat LeVue. But it doesn't really matter who it is. It matters the way the hand went down. Uh, here's the Poker News report about what happened. The action started when Ignat LeVue, known online as zero human zero, raised to 1,200 from the button. Russo 3-bet from the small blind to 3,200, and LeVue grabbed the opportunity to put in a 4-bet to 8,000. Russo made the call, and the flop brought out 398. Russo checked the flop, and LeVue threw out 7,500. Vanessa made the call. On the turn, a 6 of diamonds hit. So that's a total blank. You know, it's, uh, we now have a, you know, it didn't make a flush or anything, and it's not likely anyone made a straight. Uh, and this time, Russo checked called 16,500. The river brought out the Queen of Diamonds. Again, you know, didn't make a flush or a straight or anything. And Russo checked a third time. Livieu moved all in right away for his last 22,375. And Russo went deep into the tank. After steering Livieu down and trying to get a response out of her opponent, Russo started talking. I hate this hand, she said as time went on. Eventually, Russo made the call and Livieu turned over pocket queens immediately, you know, for top set. Oh my god, that's so sick, Russo said. Wow, so sick, she added as she threw her hands toward the muck. A member of the tournament staff was witness to this hand and said that Russo had to table her cards because Livieu was all in, which is true. That's the way tournaments work live. That uh, if someone's all in and they get a call, no matter what, both hands to be, have to be turned over. You can't wait until it, you know the action you know, runs out and then muck your hand. You, you, in a tournament, you have to turn over your cards. And Vanessa knows this because she's been in so many tournaments now for years. She's not a rookie. She knows that this is the rule. So someone correctly pointed out, who, who you know, who was a member of the tournament staff, that 
Russo, whose cards were, were had not been turned over yet, needed to be turned over. So she got really mad about this, and uh, she said, I don't have to show my cards, when he pointed this out to her. Call the floor over, she said. And the guy says back, I am the floor, <laughs> which is true. I mean, this is the floor man doing it. That's great. So she says back, that's bullshit. And by the way, when he said that, when he said, I am the floor, everyone started laughing. Um, she said, that's bullshit. And she turned her cards over because she had to. Did she flop top set and get rivered by that queen? Maybe bottom set. Maybe she had aces and just check called it down. No. What was so sick, jack six offsuit with nothing on the flop, absolutely no pair, no draw, spiking a six third pair on the turn, not improving on the river, chunking off all that money. That's what was so sick. So, uh, that's obviously why she didn't want to show it. Now, people were really questioning her play. Like, you know, how can you say Vanessa Russo is a good player if she plays hands like that? She really did play this hand horribly. There's no question about that. Um, she, uh, people are saying, look, if you want a three bet with junk, fine. But uh, once someone four bets you, you know they have serious, uh, serious hand. It's time to lay down the jack six. And especially once you miss the flop, you... Uh, yeah, there's two moves at that point. Check fold, which is the right thing, or I guess if you really think the guy might lay it down, check you know check raise all in, but don't just check call all the way through and you know, hit a pair. So uh, she tweeted about it. Sometimes you get a soul read and you're wrong. Sometimes you try to be a hero with a jack six off, and they have the old queens for the rivered set. I don't know why she said the rivered set because they didn't need a set for it. They were ahead the whole way. But anyway. Uh, the most ridiculous thing here was the, not her play. I mean, everybody plays hands badly every so often. But the, the ridiculous thing was the way she whined about that so sick. Oh my God, that's so sick, she said. Wow, so sick, as she threw her cards in the muck. So that's again kind of this like condescending whining, like I was ahead, I was doing the right thing, and I got screwed by a bad beat. Wow, this is so sick. Wow, woe is me. Wow, look what happened. Wow, you know, I was ahead the whole way. Like, she didn't specifically say I was ahead the whole way, but that's what, oh my God, that's so sick means. I don't blame her so much if, you know, it, when I've been in the World Series, especially against casual players, which this guy wasn't, but against, like, a casual player who, for some reason, doesn't believe anyone bluffs him, and I've had this a lot at the World Series. Like, China, China have you had this before? Like, you just have these guys who... Are casual players and like they all seem like they'd be insulted if you've been bluffing them the whole way, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and sometimes they'll even show you their hands when you fold because they feel bad that they ran you off or something like, you yeah. know. So, so like I always want these guys to be the, to think this way because you know when I when I come and play I don't do anything unethical but I play to win, and uh, you know I don't care if I'm up against a stranger or a friend or whoever it is I'm going to play the hand as hard as I can and try to get the most chips out of it, so. Uh, if there's a guy who's willing to show me things and, and is, is giving me information, I don't want to stop the flow of information. I don't try to trick people, but uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, if, if a guy who's showing me his hands and playing super straightforward against me and being an easy opponent will stop doing so because he thinks I'm bluffing him, I don't want him to know that. So that's part of poker strategy, nothing wrong with that. So, like, I've had it before where I bet the flop he calls, I bet the turn he calls, the river comes and he fires out at me and I, I have jack high or something. So, Instead of just insta-mucking it, I, I sit there for a second, pretend to be thinking, and then kind of like let out a little sigh and throw it away. Not like an asshole sigh, but like, 
just like throw it away or something like that. I, I, I kind of like uh, like I'm a little frustrated, but I don't I don't go oh my god so sick oh my god I have that happen oh wow you put one on me like I, I I don't go over the top with it because that's just an asshole thing to do. Um, I, and then sometimes they'll ask me when I do something like that like oh did you know did you have such and such like you know like the flush card will hit and they'll fire out and I'll fold and they go oh you had top hair and go yeah yeah I had top hair like I I'll like like mumble that if that's what they ask me. Just to make right. them feel better, like that uh, I wasn't bluffing them. They just, you know, they just caught up on me. But I, I never sit there with the whole act. Oh my God, so sick! And especially if I'm just check calling down, like uh, um, I, I usually do that to preserve, um, you know, the belief that I'm not bluffing them if I'm betting the whole way. But uh, I, I, I think when you, you know, to put on that kind of act there is just kind of condescending to the other players, especially when you don't really have it. So, and why even do that? Like, 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 why not just check call, check call, check call? You see the river said, okay, muck it. I mean, you could have had anything there, right? You know, maybe she had ace nine or something. You know, and then, and then, uh, and decided to check call down. You know, there's so many things you could have had there. She could have had tens. She could have, yeah. You know, so many things she could have had that would have been a respectable way to play the hand and lose that same way where people wouldn't say, oh, Vanessa Russo's a fish. You know, they just say, okay. She just didn't couldn't beat a set of queens and, and didn't have something so strong she could raise before the queen hit. She probably repping like uh, I mean aces she would have shipped in pre flop. I would think like kings would be. I mean she would have probably got it all in if she had a set before then and wouldn't have tanked. So she's probably representing like kings there. You know, the well, way I, she I, did yeah, the so sick act. Yeah, or that, or something like tens, or, or actually, yeah, I yeah. guess, I guess, no, tens would have been behind. Yeah, I guess I, I was thinking more like she flopped a set, but then was was slow playing it, and then when the queen hit, somehow got a feeling that, that the guy really hit the queen. Yeah, maybe that's possible too. But but whatever, she really had jack six. So, right, right. So <laughs> yeah, it is it, it is interesting so what she was trying to get people to think. Because yeah, if it was tens or ace nine, then it wouldn't have been so sick. She would have been behind the whole way. Right. So I, I don't know what she was trying to say there, but it, but it was, boy, that's. Uh, she was trying to say it was so sick. <laughs> yeah, especially when, you, when you're a poker star's pro. You know, the funny thing is, like, I'm not representing anybody. So, like, if I if I want to be an asshole at the table, fine, because I'm not representing anybody. She's representing poker stars. So, uh, you know, that, that's got to be embarrassing for poker stars when this happens too. You got you got to think about this. You're representing poker stars and GoDaddy. You you don't want to do embarrassing crap like that just to uh, save face when you're playing the jack six stupidly. All right, uh, let it, let's. Uh, Move on here to uh, another topic. Seven seven five fraud fifty five, seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. We're not going to do the tips of the World Series on this show because uh, this is already a very long show. I didn't expect it to be this long. Should have expected it because the UB tapes, but whatever. Uh, still a f- few weeks to the World Series. Uh, I will quickly say that uh, I know a number of people still want to buy pieces of me, and I have sold out. I'm considering adding one more event. To the schedule. If I do, I will make that announcement in the forum, in the official thread to buy pieces of me, and I 50K will give K horse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll add that one. No. <laughs> uh, but I, I will make an announcement, and I will if I do that, and I will give priority to anybody who does not have a piece yet. I'll, I'll give ample time for everybody to buy in who didn't get a chance to. So I, I'm not guaranteeing I'm going to do it, but I might. So. Stay tuned for that. Won't be a big event. It'll probably be like a fifteen hundred or something. But uh... U.S. government has made its first attack on Bitcoin. Surprisingly, despite what I think is a pretty major event, 
I think bitcoins are, are stable in value. Let me look, look right now. Yeah, they've been pretty much the same thing for a while now, pretty much the whole day. Uh, this is what happened. It's an interesting story. Uh, this is an article from Gawker. The problems keep coming for Mt. Gox, the world's biggest Bitcoin exchange. Just days after Gawker revealed a key business partnership had developed into a $70 million lawsuit, the Department of Homeland Security seized a payment processing account belonging to the company, alleging it lied on financial documents. So this sounds very familiar, just like online poker, where the government's seizing payment processors and, and their money uh, involving something that they deem is illegal. According to a warrant issued Tuesday by the U.S. District Court of Maryland, the Department of Homeland Security seized Mt. Gox's account with payment processing service Dwala after an agent discovered that Mt. Gox did not properly register it as a money services company when opening a U.S. bank account in 2011. Iowa-based Dwala was an easy way for Americans to exchange cash or bitcoins through Mt. Gox without having to wire money to the company, which is Japanese-based and has struggled to establish an American base. But an affidavit established by Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent Michael McFarland alleges that Mt. Gox has been using Dwala to run an unlicensed money transmitting business through a U.S. subsidiary called Mutum Sigulum LLC. This is a federal crime punishable up to five years in prison. The warrant alleges Mt. Gox CEO Mark Carpellis failed to disclose that he ran a, mo- a money services business when opening a bank account with Wells Fargo in the name of Mutum Sigillum, a Delaware company he set up to facilitate Mt. Gox's Dwala payments. So Dwala is, is what you would use to get money onto Mt. Gox if you were a U.S. citizen. Uh, the application asked several questions, including do you deal in exchange currency for your customer? And does your business accept funds from customers and send the funds based on customers' instructions? To to which Carpellas responded, no. Money transmitting services are required to register with the Department of Treasury, FinCEN, which Mt. Gox has not done. However, Mutum Sigillum did function as a money transmitter, according to the warrant. Mt. Gox wired money to the Mutum Sigillum's Wells Fargo account from Japan, which was used to pay its customers who cashed out through Douala. An informant exchanged bitcoins to dollars on Mt. Gox through Dwala, and bank records showed the transfer was done through Mutum Sigulum. By the way, I mentioned earlier that uh, Lock Poker, they would never get their funds seized if they weren't processing U.S. payments with, you know, with a processor that was only for non-U.S. payments. That's an example, that the U.S. government only takes action after they get some, what they call informant, usually just someone that they uh, convinced to do this, working in cahoots with them, to, to go through like a sample... Uh, transaction where they can prove money was processed for, for U.S. customers. So that, that's why this Vox story is so full of shit. But anyway, getting back to this. Uh, Mt. Gox has not issued a statement on the allegations, but the latest scandal makes one wonder exactly how shady Mt. Gox, which originally started as an exchange for the Magic the Gathering cards, is. Fancy Latin name aside, the barely functioning website of Mutum Sigillum does not seem a very promising backbone on which to build the new Bitcoin global world economic order, especially as feds seem intent on cracking down on the illicit use of the currency. That's the most important part, and there's a link to the warrant, which uh, uh, I can actually post on the site. I, this is posted by Sonatine, but you can actually... There's a scribd.com warrant... And you can actually post scribd documents on the site uh, embedded in the post here. But anyway, uh, the reason this is so significant is this is the first government action against Bitcoin. That's what it is. The government doesn't give a crap about whether 
they license, you know, they signed up Dwala as a, a licensed or unlicensed money transmitting business. If this wasn't about Bitcoin, they wouldn't give a crap. They wouldn't be investigating this. They, they wouldn't be after them. They're after them because this is Bitcoin. This is a way to go after them, similar to the way they went after Al Capone for tax evasion. Uh, they're finding any way that they can go after the major players in Bitcoin, and Matt Gox is the most major player right now in Bitcoin because they're the ones facilitating about 75% of all the Bitcoin uh, transactions, or at least the uh, the Bitcoin exchange transactions. Now, Bitcoin's value right now still stays in the $110 range. It has been there for a long time. It hit a peak of around like 260 uh, crashed down, got as low as like 53 before rebounding back to uh, around 110 where it's been for quite some time. But uh, surprisingly, it hasn't fallen since this whole thing happened with Dwell. I don't know why not, because now it's going to be a lot harder for people to get uh, money onto Mount Gox. But uh, so far it hasn't happened. But the, the most significant thing here is this shows the government really is after Mount Gox really is after Bitcoin, and, and if the government wants to throw a wrench into this whole thing, they can, especially because Bitcoin is only worth what people think it's worth. It has no actual value to it. So if people think it's worth $110, it's worth $110. People think it's worth 5 bucks, it's worth 5 bucks. If people think it's worth a penny, it's worth a penny. It's a matter of whatever people are willing to pay for it, and, and once uh, Bitcoin, the, the faith in them gets eroded, once there's a belief the government's after them, I think it's going to crash, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, but this has got to be just the first of various attacks that uh, the government's going to make on Mt. Gox, and, and maybe some of the Bitcoin uh, casinos and, and, and uh, Silk Road, which uh, provides transactions of Bitcoins for illegal items such as drugs and guns, uh, they could be next. But uh, once people believe that their Bitcoins are under attack by the U.S. government, Believe me, they're going to want to get rid of them. It's going to cause a crash. So I think this is uh, the beginning of the end for Bitcoins, even if it hasn't happened immediately. Uh, Ch- China, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I think that your assessment's accurate, and I think um, you know they can they that uh, the example you made is with the Al Capone thing is perfect. I mean, it, they're obviously watching it, and um, you know sooner or later, I mean, I think the price is going to go flying down. I'm surprised it didn't today because of this. Um, uh, but Mt. Gox was down for a while, probably maybe because people were just logging in to see where the prices were at. But again, they control the price, so you know it's worth what they say it's worth, right? Oh, yeah, uh, aren't worth they the what, ones that set the market? So yeah, it's worth what people are willing to pay. So as soon as people lose faith in it, it's gone. And uh, and the thing is, yes, yes, there's other exchanges. Yeah, it doesn't have to be Mt. Gox. And yes, there can always be little exchanges that pop up that elude the government. But people aren't going to have that faith in those that they do in Mt. Right. Gox, and it's going to really kill the value. And if you think the government's just going to do this and give up, I mean, they, they've, this is, they've just started it, and you can see why this bothers them. It, it allows money to get into the country untraceably, which is bad for uh, for their interest in many ways, including tax evasion, uh, terrorism, things like that. I mean, they, they're, there's so much effort put on the banking side of things to prevent money from flowing into the country uh, or exchanging hands without the government seeing it. Uh, this is exactly what Bitcoin allows. So there's no way they're going to let this happen. There's so many ways to launder money, evade taxes, uh, you know, get money in for terrorism. There's so many different things you can do with bitcoins that are shady uh, beyond just things like buying drugs and guns. And you know what? Uh, if if a terrorist somehow gets funded by bitcoins, or, uh, or or people obtain guns through bitcoins and commit heinous acts like that Sandy Hook thing that occurred, I mean that had nothing to do with bitcoins. But if if something like that occurs that has to do with weapons that were purchased through bitcoins, I mean it's all over. 
that the government's sure. going to make sure to shut that down. This can't exist like this forever. Uh, some of these these uh, freedom on the net anarchist types are like, no, no, this is the the brave new world of currency. This is the way. This is the future. The government can't stop it. Yes, they can. The, the government's not going to just sit by while this happens. They're not going to sit by with no control over something like this. They, that's just not the U.S. government's way. And if they don't stop it, they could slow it down like a lot. Like Simp Dog's saying here, it's like online poker. Sure, the U.S. might get shut down, but it'll keep going on elsewhere. Sure, but it, 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 look at the value of what happened to all the games. It's just not as good as it was um, pre-Black Friday. So, yep. I mean, it could be the same with Bitcoin, and you could see a huge drop in price just because of that. And, and, and just like with online poker, you need a payment processor so people can convert the money into U.S. dollars. And if they keep slamming the payment processors... Then uh, that's it. I mean, then 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 you're going to have the same situation as lock, lock lock poker and other ones where uh, you never know if they're rolling you or just slow paying you because they can only use a processor with a a, a very slow cash out time. I mean, that that's not what anyone's going to want with bitcoins. They're going to want to be able to get their money now. Right now, you can get your money fast, but uh, when you can't anymore, when the payment processors have to hide, then uh, the whole thing's going to change. So that's going to be right. it. I mean, that's it's, it's going to be done. And maybe one day in the future, the far future when all of us are dead, uh, you know, maybe in the 2100s or the 2200s, maybe then there will be some kind of uh, different currency that, that's totally accepted, that, that an alternative currency like this that can just be used uh, completely anonymously through the web. But not anytime soon. When I say soon, I don't mean five years, I don't mean ten years. I don't even see even 50 years this is allowed. There's going to put a stop to this because this is something that uh, gives them a complete lack of control and allows too many things that the government's afraid of. Uh, it's just there's just too much potential for harm with this, and uh, especially because of uh, the anonymous nature of it. This is even worse than cash because cash you have to meet someone physically and hand it to them. Uh, Bitcoin, you you could do it. No one even has to know who you are. You can be completely anonymous on the on the web, and with without being traced at all. So believe me, the government does not want that, and uh, I, I don't see them wanting it now or in the future. This isn't even like something like gay marriage, where you can say a lot of people are against it now, but you can see every year the support grows, and eventually it's going to be accepted. Uh, this is different. This is something that's not going to be accepted for a long time by the government, and. Uh, there's always going to be some geeks that like it, but uh, this is something that, uh, much like online poker, will exist for some time before it gets shut down. So, uh, and when I say shut down, I mean I won't mean Bitcoin don't, don't exist anymore. I just mean that they won't be worth anything of value or be able to be used as a uh, um, legitimate alternate currency anymore to, to buy things and to pretty much do everything you can with them right now. So... The, the, there's, it's no longer a, a question of will the government intervene. They are intervening now, okay. and uh, now it's just a matter of time. So anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much the show. Anyone want, want to uh, call River phone call or something? We can take it. Uh, I'll be honest here; my voice is hurting a little bit from talking so much. Even though I had a little bit of a break when we were playing clips, but uh, we haven't played any clips in a while. Uh, thank you, China Maniac, for joining me for this long program and uh, providing no some problem. good commentary and some things I didn't think of. And uh, if anybody wants to call 775-FRAUD-55, 
3728355. Make sure to show your caller ID star 82 beforehand. 702-430-1808 if you want to make a river phone call. Otherwise, uh, we are just about done. And uh, next week, the show will be on its normal Tuesday date and time. That'll be Tuesday, May 21st at 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. Uh, I do want to remind everybody there will be some weeks where it will not be on its regular day. And, uh, you know, much like today. Here are the radio schedule changes. Monday, June 24th will be the show instead of Tuesday, June 25th. Monday, July 8th will be instead of Tuesday, July 9th. Those are the only two planned changes. There could be others, though, that I will announce as they come up, but that's the only two right now I have planned to change other than the last two shows. So. I think uh, almost a five-hour show pretty good here. I think you guys will have plenty to listen to for this upcoming week, especially because it's only six days till the next show. It was only six days from the last show to this one. Only six days till the next show. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Druff and Friends show this week featuring co-host China Maniac on PokerFraudAlert.com. This week we had a $53.62 free roll. Last week we had a $100 free roll. We've given away more money in our free rolls on PokerFraudAlert.com than any poker podcast in the world since our site has been doing our radio show for the last year. And we plan to keep on doing both the radio show and these free rolls every week. Thank you to everybody who donates to these free rolls. This week the donation is coming from TraderS, HKY, and Hotshot74. So uh, we will see what happens. Will there be more fallout from the UB situation? Will Lock Poker keep paying people? Will, will more pros quit? Will Ultimate Poker get crushed by WSOP.com when they come out? We'll have to wait and see as some of these things happen. And will China Maniac win his first bracelet? This yes, main, series? main event. It's automatic. Yeah, will he win the main event? Will he be our next main event winner? And will I win my second bracelet? Or be the next main event winner. I'll be happy just with a second race. I don't need to win the main event. I need a final table to be happy at the main. That's it. Really? I think I could be happy with less than that. <laughs> so, anyway, thank you everybody for listening. I know this is a long show and very late for some people. It's uh, after 3 in the morning in the East Coast. After 7 in the morning in London right now. European listeners are really being troopers, the ones who are listening live. For everybody in the archives, hello and uh, sorry you couldn't listen live. We're here every week. We will still be here every week. This is PokerFraudAlert.com. Always putting the truth out there at all costs. Good night. Good night. And shalom. Shalom.